It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, February 27, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Halwani back inside our New York City studio. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I had a lovely one. It was my uh, son's third birthday yesterday. You know, I love a, a good kid's birthday party and I pull out all the stops. So I had a great day yesterday. It was a relatively quiet weekend in the world of MMA, which doesn't bother me all that much. Of course, it's going to get very busy this weekend, but uh, it was a very nice weekend here in the tri-state area. The weather was fantastic. So much to be happy about, so much to be thankful for, and I'm very excited about today's show. In fact, one of the highlights of my weekend was uh, I was walking in uh, around Midtown Manhattan on Saturday. I, I, I met a young man named Jose, I believe his name was, a budding actor here in New York City, uh, stopped me on the street. And I got to tell you, it was one of the best encounters with a fan that I've had in, in recent memory. He was just so appreciative of the show and had so many nice things to say, including, you know, very nice things to say about Mr. New York Rick's uh, hair, which was quite the surprise. But just talking about, you know, how much he enjoys the show, listens to it all week long. Um, and then come Saturday when he's done, he's very excited um, you know, he's, he's very excited for Monday show. He's kind of jonesing for it and things like that. So uh, it, it was just very nice. And I always tell people like that. It actually means more to me when I meet someone like that who appreciates the show and enjoys the show and loves listening to the show than it probably does, you know, for them meeting me. It, it really does. It, it means the world. So thank you to Jose. Thank you to everyone who tunes in each and every week. And we're excited to kick off this particular week because uh, it's a big one in the world of MMA, right? I mean, we've got Bellator on Friday. We've got UFC 209 on Saturday and 209 is one of the best cards of 2017. I know it's early, but thus far things have been a little thin as far as cards are concerned. This is a very good one. This is one that is worth our attention. Obviously the 209 card is better than the Bellator card, but Bellator is making its own history on, on Friday night as well. 209 features Tyron Woodley versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson two for the welterweight title. And then in the co-main event, the people's main event, the return of the people's main event, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus... Tony Ferguson, interim lightweight title fight. Okay, let me run down today's lineup and get to our first guest of the day who is going to join us hopefully from the airport. Um, at around 3.30, we're going to talk to Holly Holm, her first interview since UFC 208. Talk to her about what's next, the appeal, all that good stuff. You've been following the story. Uh, 3.10, we're going to talk to Artem Lobov about his fight against Cub Swanson, November 22nd, excuse me, April 22nd in uh, Nashville. We thought it was going to be the main event. It's not looking like it's going to be the main event. We'll talk to him about how he got the fight, why he wanted the fight, his placement on the card, all that stuff. Uh, 2.45, we're going to be joined by Greg Hardy. If you're not familiar with Greg Hardy, you may want to look him up. Uh, to say he's a controversial former NFL player would probably be putting it mildly, but you may have heard that he's transitioning to mixed martial arts and he's now training at ATT. And I want to talk to him about that. Why is he doing this? What's his interest in MMA? When's he going to debut? Is he going to play football at the same time? What's going on with Greg Hardy? So I'm looking forward to that. 225, we'll talk to Derek Lewis coming off that big win over Travis Brown in Halifax last Sunday. So many people asked for him. It was amazing. An insane amount of requests for Derek Lewis. 
He's very popular. 205, we'll talk to Johnny Hendricks about his win in Halifax, middleweight debut. 145, we'll talk to Marluz Kunin, who will be fighting Friday night, Bellator 174 against Julia Budd for the inaugural Bellator women's featherweight title. So now we've got our third featherweight title and a major promotion. Invicta has Cyborg slash Megan Anderson, although I don't think Cyborg is going to defend that title anytime soon. We've got the UFC and Jermaine Durandamy, and finally Bellator, who actually had plans to introduce the women's featherweight title long before the UFC did back in uh, early February here in Brooklyn. Um, they're finally doing it on Friday in Thackerville. Marlus Kunin hasn't fought in around 10 months. Longtime veteran, strike force champion. We'll talk to her about that. 125, we're going to talk to filthy Tom Lawler. He got some unfortunate news, but I think he was expecting it late last week. He was expecting to find out from USADA that he has been suspended for two years due to a failed out-of-competition drug test. We'll talk to him about this and so much more. In fact, uh, he wrestled in a professional wrestling, indie scene wrestling match on Friday in Las Vegas. So is that his ticket out of MMA now that he's going to be on the sidelines for two years? Uh, we shall find out from filthy Tom Lawler. Unfortunate for him, but this is the era that we now live in. Um, last week, we found out that John Volante received a retroactive TUE from USADA. That announcement was made after his whole process played out. A little bit of a different situation from Cyborg. So it it seemed like for a while... USADA was kind of flying under the radar. Last week, they were very much in the news. And we'll get to that later in the show. Um, but in a matter of seconds, we are going to be joined by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Khabib Nurmagomedov is flying right now from Las Vegas to LA. He's doing a media day. He is kicking it off with us. And we're lucky in that sense because his flight was delayed. And that's why we're jumping the queue here. So we're going to grab him at the airport as he's about to board a flight to Los Angeles. Of course, this is a massive week for him. Finally, after all these years, he's getting a chance to realize his dream of fighting for a UFC title. And now we're being told that he's in the restroom. It's been a fun start to the week, fun start to the show. And he needs a couple more minutes. I could certainly appreciate that and sympathize with that. So what a roller coaster ride it has been for Khabib Nurmagomedov. Of course, undefeated, not only in the UFC, but in his mixed martial arts career, 24-0. Returned back in April after a very long layoff against Daryl Horcher. This is, in fact, the third time that he's been scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson, and this is why I think everyone is kind of like, eh, put them in, you know, bubble wrap, lock them away, let's not get injured in the next five days. Ended up fighting Daryl Horcher, as you may recall, in Tampa, beat him rather convincingly, and then fought Michael Johnson after the whole hullabaloo with Eddie Alvarez and the contracts and all that stuff back in New York, and had his little back and forth with Dana White in the middle of the fight saying that he wanted the belt went through a whole saga with Ferguson trying to get this fight made, Ferguson asking for equal pay, et cetera, et cetera. We are finally here. 
And for a guy who has dealt with his fair share of injuries, um, it's, it's a nice story that he's finally getting a chance to at least fight for a UFC belt, albeit an interim one. Although I think that Ferguson and Khabib have done a very good job of selling this interim title as the real one, which is what they have to do, which is what Connor did when he fought Chad Mendes and beat Chad Mendes. You just kind of have to put over the belt that you won. You kind of have to pretend like, all right, this is the real belt. And thus, I think the people start to get behind it as well. And they certainly stole the show. Whatever buy rate this this card does, and I'm not really quite sure because, you know, I think a lot of people skipped 208. And then prior to that, the last pay-per-view was the Ronda show, December 30th. So it's been a while, I think, since people have invested money in a UFC pay-per-view. And this card certainly warrants it when you also consider Overeem Hunt on the card, the middleweight debut of Rashad Evans, Lando Venata fighting on the pay-per-view card. This one deserves it, no doubt about it. But have they done a good enough job of letting people know that it's happening? And let's not speak of that poster. Every time I see that poster, I still can't believe that that's the actual poster that we're going with. I mean, the posters have become very formulaic they become, you know, really just, you know, take one guy out, put another person in, and that's it. I mean, there's no thought put in. But this one in particular, it's like they're not even they're not even zoomed in. There's a lot of extra black space. They look very small. The whole thing is just very bizarre when it comes to that poster. Um, but hey, people, I guess, aren't buying. I'm a stickler for that sort of thing. I, I love a good fight poster. This is how, to a degree, we remember our cards some famous posters like the Nick Diaz GSP one. There have been some really good ones back in the day, but this one, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, takes the cake as far as the worst posters in UFC pay-per-view history. And it's unfortunate because this is a great card. I love this card. This is a really fun card. And on Thursday's conference call, Habib and Ferguson stole the show. The back and forth, if you haven't heard it, and if you're kind of on the fence about this card, you need to do yourself a favor and go check out this conference call. It was amazing just listening to them go back and forth. And yes, they weren't saying much. I mean, we could kind of recap it in two minutes. But just, you know, when you get that magic, when the guys kind of ignore the reporters on on the call and just keep going back and forth. And Habib is talking to him in a very slow and say, like, listen to me, listen to me. I want to tell you something. I'm the reason why you got this fight. And then Ferguson, who's completely dismissing him, it was just a lot of fun and kind of made me feel like we should be getting a press conference we're not getting a press conference as far as these two are concerned. There's going to be an open workout on Wednesday and then an ultimate media day sort of thing on Thursday, but we're not going to get them on a stage and then facing off. And I feel like when I, I'm all in favor of skipping the press conferences, if you just have your sort of run of the mill event, especially when you don't have fighters who are going to talk to each other a lot and interact and they're going to be fireworks and something's going to happen. That's going to get people excited. But in this case, I think this is one of those rare cases where the press conference actually helps the pay-per-view a lot more than not doing it because you would have gotten them going back and forth even more. They can't stand each other. They have a good dynamic. They like to argue with each other. And then I'm assuming the face-off would be very entertaining as well. But that is not happening. Still, the back and forth has been very fun. So yeah, hopefully he finishes up in the bathroom uh, any minute now and we'll get Mr. Namagamadoff. It is interesting that Woodley and Wonderboy are in the spotlight again because we were all assuming that Damian Maya 
was going to fight the winner of that fight. He was supposed to fight the winner of that fight after the New York event. And then, of course, Wonderboy and Woodley fought to a draw and Maya waited. And now he's in the news about getting a fight five days before that fight is about to go down. Very bizarre situation. But let me put Maya on ice because we do have Khabib on the phone right now, I do believe. Khabib, are you there? Hey, what's up? How are you? Salam alaikum, Khabib. Wa alaikum salam, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. What's going on over there? Some uh, some uh, flight problems, delays? What's happening? Yes, we sit down almost three hours in airport, you know, flight. They, 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 uh, I don't know, I don't understand. I think they, they cancel flight, something like this. Ah. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, and I'm hoping that it's not too stressful, but I do appreciate you squeezing us in in the midst of all of this. Thank you very much, Habib. Um, let me ask you this, since we're talking about flights, there's a report that's out there that your father is not allowed to enter the country, that his visa was denied. Is that true? You know, uh, he, he had before visa, you know, now he has a little bit problem. He They cancel his visa, but I, I don't understand why, you know, but... A little bit problem. He has a little bit problem about visa. When did you find out about this? Uh, before my last fight, when I fight with Michael Johnson, we try make visa. And, you know, this is old news, but this right now is like becomes like new, new, new. Yeah. So when I when I fight in USA, you know when I fight in uh, Science 2012, when I fight in UFC, he he never can come and support me because he had problem with visa. No, one time UFC give him in the USA give him visa, and he fight when when my brother Islam fighting, and when UFC give me fight with Darrell Horcher. Like one year, one year ago, when he tried to come to America, they 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 canceled his visa. Wow, and 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 for you, I mean, so this isn't the first time, but does it mess with you? Like, do you feel uncomfortable without him being there, especially biggest fight of your career? No, no, no. I'm fighting uh, eight time without my father. No, uh, it's okay. It's okay. okay. He's supporting. I know he. He he pray pray for me. He with me all the time. You know, he is he with my heart. You know, I think about him. We we talk with him every day. You know, every day we talk about my weight. We talk about my, you know, like my plan, my everything. You know, my father with me all the time. Right. Okay. Um, well, that is good to hear. And uh, it's good that you're not too, you know, torn up about the whole situation. On Thursday, as I was talking about at the top of the show, it was a very entertaining conference call. Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy that sort of back and forth with Tony as opposed to a fight like a Daryl Horcher fight? There's no beef there. It's just kind of another fight. This one, there's a fun sort of dynamic. Did you enjoy that? For me, for me it's fun. No, I enjoy about this. You know, for me, it's fun. I feel Tony is a little bit nervous, but... You know, like all my opponents. <laughs> but for me, it's fun. You know, I, I enjoy about this. I talk with him, you know, enjoy a little bit, try joke with him, make him nervous. No, uh, why do you think he's nervous? What about what he's saying or doing makes you think that he's a little nervous for the fight? And how he talk, how he talk, I say this. How he talk. And, you know, now, now everything is finished. Talk finished, everything finished. We're here, we're in Vegas. 
five days before fight, fight week, and I can't wait when cage closed. So, and uh, March 4, this is gonna be a people main event. And this is number one exciting fight in this fight card. And this is, I think, this is a truly main event fight. And uh, no, it's very interesting fight for me, for him, for for everybody who's gonna watch. So, do you agree with him when he says that this should have been the main event? He said that on the conference call. Yes, I agree. I, everybody agree with him. Not not only with him. Like you know, everybody agree about this. This, this is you know like a uh, lot, lot, lot of people are gonna watch this fight. You know, my fan base is huge. You know, and. Uh, you know, like this is this is very big fight. In my opinion, this is greatest lightweight fight ever in UFC. One thing that you kept saying on the call was like, "Hey, look, I'm the one who made this fight. You should be thanking me. Forget about the money that you offered, but you know, you were offered Aldo. There were other situations when they were frustrated with him, and you said to the UFC you wanted." The Ferguson fight. Do you feel like he is not appreciative enough of what you did? Is that why you kept bringing it up to him on the call? I don't care about him appreciate or no. You know, I'm, I I I just want let him know who made this fight because you know you UFC gonna make. I fight with Kiesa. I fight with Aldo with other guys because he don't take this fight. But I say hey, no, I have to fight with him and I'm waiting for him. And, you know, you have to you have to say thank you about this because if I take with Aldo fight interim title or with Michael Chiesa or with other guys, what are they gonna do? Now we sit down in his home, you know, and uh, don't fight for the title because I'm waiting because I speak with the UFC, my manager. I speak with my manager. You know, my manager. I say, hey. I won't fight with Tony Ferguson because because this is tough as much up today for me. Speaking of appreciating, uh, a couple of weeks ago you were in Brooklyn in Brighton Beach and they had that media day for you. I was very excited to be there. I thought it was a very cool idea. They don't do this often, and it seemed like they're trying to push you. But correct me if I'm wrong. It felt like you were not very happy being there. You didn't like it. It was more of a nuisance to go out of your way and do it. Did you not enjoy that? Oh, I enjoy about this. Why not? You see, make this first time, like, you know, without uh, weighing, they make this for me. Yeah. You know, no, but I uh, <clears throat> I don't like because you see, don't too much uh, promote this uh, Q&A. But, you know, when this happening, when I see how many people come, when I see how many, like, uh, Lara Media coming, you know, I understand. Now you're going to try and make my name big because... They understand who's going to become UFC new, UFC lightweight, undefeated, undisputed champion. Now I understand. Now I feel a little bit different, you know, than uh, when I was in uh, Brooklyn. Because, uh, you know, like, a little bit different attention. Huh. You're feeling the love. Yes, I, I, I feel it. You know, I love this. I love this. Now I'm here, now I focus in my fight, you know, I don't think about this too much, but I know after this fight, my, my, my life is going to change. Right. And, and you've talked about dealing with the fame and people recognizing you. If you become a champion, it's clear your life is going to change. Are you worried about that? Are you kind of dreading that aspect that comes along with winning a belt? 
Beanus, I worry about famous. Beanus, of course, I want to build, but I understand with build it's coming like crazy attention. Like Beanus, I worry about this because I like when people don't know me. I like like uh, when all the time people's coming, you know, like talk about fights, talk about fights, fights. You know, all the time talk about MMA. You know. I can talk with people like another stuff, you know, not not only MMA, but sometimes, sometimes I'm tired about this. But I understand, I understand, you know, this is like, MMA is like crazy now. Like, this is not like five years ago, like 10 years ago. Now MMA is one of the biggest spots in the world, you know. And uh, I think after this fight, it's gonna change a lot of stuff. In a way, do you prefer living or do you enjoy living in San Jose more than back home in Russia because less people recognize you there? Um, of course, I love Dagestan when I'm there, but but uh, in San Jose, I feel a little bit relaxing because not too many people come. Like you know, I but my family. Like my everybody, like very close people living in Dagestan. That's why I all the time want to go back to the Dagestan. And uh, you know, different. San Jose different. I feel in Dagestan. I feel different. But but for living, I want to live all my life in Dagestan. This is Dagestan for me is everything. Dagestan gave me like everything. You know, my father born here. Like my grandfather. Every everybody. You know. And I'm from here, Dagestan. Uh, you know, Dagestan. I I I I learn I learn here like a lot. You know, like about mental, about physical. You know, about like uh, like everything. You know, that's why Dagestan for my life is everything. When you were dealing with the injuries, Habib, uh, the two years away, the knee and all that stuff, was there ever a point where you thought the dream of becoming a UFC champion? would not be realized, where you were just dealing with too much bad luck. Did you ever have to come to terms with that, or did you always believe that this would come? Yes, of course, I believe. That's why, that's why I keep working, keep going. You know, when I first time I met my brother Ali, and we, you know, like three years ago, when I had surgery, when I living in Vegas, like almost half year, yeah. make recovery. Like, you know, this is like very very hard very hard time for me you know and now we're here you know we're fighting for the belt you know this is like like my dream has come true and this Saturday I'm gonna take this inshallah you know this is this is not only for me this is for my old friends around the world like 1.4 billion Muslim people who follow me who who support me? This like almost 500 million people, like uh, former USSA country, like all my friends around the around the world. Then you know, like I have like crazy almost too many two billion uh, fans, you know. And uh, I believe I can do this, and with God, I'm gonna do this this Saturday. If you win on Saturday and get that belt, will you consider that the real belt? Sometimes we see people win the interim title and they don't put it around their waist. They want nothing to do with it. How will you react when you get the belt? I don't think about belt. This is interim or real belt because, you know, people know who is home. People know. <laughs> and, uh, Con Con Connor fight one time in UFC in Lightweight. 
like now and uh, he tapped a lot of time and this Saturday inshallah when I become undisputed undefeated like the champion of the world I don't think he can change something only way he have to fight with me but I don't believe has the UFC told you that if you win this fight you will get him because Dana White said recently his next fight will be an MMA fight have they told you what the plans are no I don't talk about this with nobody because I focus with Tony Ferguson. No. Okay. I, I focus Tony Ferguson. I don't talk about this, but nobody knows what happened, you know, because maybe they're going to make money match, you know, like money fight, because this is big money fight. Floyd versus Mayweather, Floyd versus uh, McGregor, you know, this was a very big fight, but nobody knows what happened. I'm, I, I, I'm focused on the Tony. I'm I don't think about like, other fights. Not to get too political, Habib, but I feel compelled to ask, since you mentioned that you're very proud to be Muslim, I know that you are very proud. Do you feel uncomfortable with what's going on in the United States um, with regards to your people, with regards to the, the, the president? You know, I don't think that your father's situation has anything to do with it since you said it happened before um, Donald Trump became president. But do you feel uncomfortable being a Muslim in the United States right now? Ariel, I am a professional athlete. I'm not politics. I don't talk about it. Okay, fair enough. Um, what about this comment that Fedor Emelianenko told me a couple of weeks ago on this show? He said that he's not so sure if the UFC wants you to become a champion. Did you hear this? And if so, what do you think he meant by that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know. But if UFC don't want to become champion, why they give him title? Yeah. You know, before UFC don't give me title because... I think because this is my wrong, because I have three surgeries in a row, that's why. But a little bit agree with him, but not too much, not too much. Which part do you agree with? Uh, I agree with him, like, um, you know, but in UFC 205, they are supposed to fight for the title. But they make money fight. I understand, because this is business. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why. But other things, I think everything is deserved. Okay. But I have injured because I, 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 because I broke my leg. I broke my ribs. No, with not UFC. Right. So I, but UFC two or five, one hundred percent. I supposed to fight title, and I deserve. But they make this fight. You know, this is business. Everybody understands money fight, business fight. You know, like that's why I say okay. You're gonna make this fight? Okay, I wanna fight with these guys. Same card. And UFC give me this fight. You know? But I, w I wanna say thank you for Dana. I wanna say thank you, like, to UFC, everybody. Because these guys, these guys make my name big. These guys promote me, you know? Like, like you know, I know Dana is not perfect. Sometimes he's bullshit, but <laughs> he put this, this MMA to another level right. you know, this sport and uh, that's why I want to say thank you do you think that if you win this fight your next fight will be in Russia mm, I hope I hope but I think 50-50 okay. I don't know this is this is up to I think this is up to Connor oh okay um, two if, last quick if, things if, for you if you say hey I want to go if you say hey I want to go to the Russia and well, fight with Habib of course you're still going to make this but if you say hey I want to fight him. New York or Vegas or Ireland, 
everybody follow him. You know this. Right. Um, two last quick things for you, Habib, and I really appreciate the time once again. Ferguson keeps saying that he wants to take you into the deep waters, that he could finish you early, but he's going to make this go a little longer. And you've never been past the 15-minute mark. You've never fought, you know, in the fourth round or fifth round. Do you want to go longer with him as well? Are, are you thinking the same thing, or would you prefer just to get this over with as quickly as possible? I think he just trash talking. I think he just trash talking, and uh, you know, I don't know. Nobody, nobody make me tap. You know, nobody make me quit. Quit. Nobody. I don't understand what you're talking about about my condition. But you guys watch my fights when I fight three round, like last fight. And I fight, I fight almost three rounds. What do you think? If I have four and five rounds, I can fight. Of course, I can fight. I can I can, I can keep going. When I fight with Dosanis, I know tired. Right. You know? When I fight with him, I I can fight more two rounds. You know, this is about like about your mental. I know I have to I I should I have to fight this Saturday five round and I'm gonna do this, or maybe I'm gonna finish him. You know. But I don't think about which round I'm gonna finish him. What I'm gonna like, uh, you know, other stuff. I know I have tough opponent. I have tough matchup. I have fight for the title, and I'm gonna do everything for win, for victory, for take this belt. Okay, here's the biggest question. Last, your manager Ali Abdelaziz tells me that you were there when he submitted Daniel Cormier at AKA. Is this true? Because I don't believe it. What happened inside the gym? We have to put inside the gym, right? What do you mean? He I said that you, you know, yes, no, I cannot lie. Yes, it's true. I did. Cormier tapped, I, I, but I don't know. Hey, I don't know how this guy's serious wrestling, but I see how he tapped. I see how he tapped. He choking arm triangle choke, not like uh, yes, arm triangle. Choke, yes. But this is, sorry about this, I don't talk about what happened inside the gym. This is Ali job. Wow. There's a big problem now. I don't know what problem, but you know, but you know, this is not my job. You know, Ariel, tell him this is not my job. (laughs) Okay, so who's going? Everybody know now, this is is my chicken. Everybody know that. Who's going to corner you, Khabib? Who's going to corner you on Saturday? My corner are uh, Javier Mendes, uh, Islam, here, Abu Bakr, my brother, and one more, my other, my brother, Magamed, uh, and uh, former um, combat sambo world champion, you know, and uh, five guys, and Ali with me. You know, I have five guys, and uh, I, do, I don't care about this, because when cage closed inside, inside the cage, me and only me and Tony Ferguson. I right. think about this. But but corner is very important too sometimes. Sure. Well, because everyone's freaking out about your dad not being here. So I want to make it clear that he wasn't there in New York and you fought with him multiple times. Uh, you fought multiple times without him in your corner as well, right? So this is not as big of a deal as it's being currently made right now because everyone's talking about it. No, no. No, no. I don't know why everybody talk about him now because I fight here like eight times. Last five years, I fight without my father. Right. No, but but he he's with me. He's in my heart all the time. Habib, I appreciate it very much. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best on Saturday. I can't wait to witness it in person. And again, thank you so much for squeezing us in during your uh, your hectic travel day. It means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Loyalty, my friend. It's all about loyalty, right? <laughs> Number one, loyal. Yes, no. loyal. 
stay calm, stay humble. Exactly. Assalamu <laughs> <laughs> so, alaikum. There he is, Habib Nurmagomedov. Will he be the interim champion come Saturday night? We shall find out. I cannot wait for this. And, you know, it's hard to argue against him. One of the greatest lightweight title fights, fights in UFC history, if not the greatest, right? I mean, there have been some good ones, but uh, this one, as far as their resumes, their current winning streaks, what they've done, the dynamic, the styles matchup, it's a lot of fun. It really is. All right, um, let us move along. As I mentioned at the top, uh, an unfortunate end of the week for Tom Lawler receiving the two-year suspension from USADA. Wanted to talk to him about this, so he joins us now via the magic of Skype, I do believe. There he is, Tom Lawler, taking a bit of a snooze, I think, not uh, enjoying that interview with Habib, or maybe he just had a long weekend. What is it? <laughs> oh, hold on, Ariel. Sorry. I'm... Uh... I've been waiting around for a while for this uh, to get on air here, so I'm sorry. You'll have to excuse me if I fell asleep. Uh, I know you just had a guy who's pretty good at wrestling on your show, but yes. uh, we've got a real wrestler here on now. Yes, I actually saw this. I saw some clips. Um, you were at an indie show. Is something like Future Stars FSW? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. It's the Filthy Stars of Wrestling. Filthy so, Stars of Wrestling out of Las Vegas. This was your debut in the Squared Circle. That's incorrect. Incorrect. Every week will be my debut as long as it gets more viewership. That, uh, but no, it's been nine years since I've been in the pro wrestling squared circle. Uh, and I am now on a four match win streak and I'd like to keep that going. Perhaps I meant to say your debut for this particular promotion. Correct. Yes. There you go. Yes. yes. There you go. Okay. That would be correct. Um, okay. Let's talk about that in a second. First, let's talk about the USADA stuff. Were you surprised when you got the two year suspension? Uh, well, no, I wasn't surprised that when I received the two-year suspension, this is a process that's been ongoing for about five months. Uh, the initial surprise was when I received the first letter saying that there was a uh, adverse finding in my um, in my sample. That's what was shocking. Uh, at this point, no, no, no resolution. Um, you know, caught me off guard or anything along those lines. I've been trying to do this uh, the right way for the past five months and go through the correct avenues and try to find out exactly what happened. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to come up with a, you know, a concrete reason as to why this uh, substance was in my urine. But, um, you know, the, the best option I had at this point was to, you know, take the two-year suspension and uh, move on. The substance that was found was Osterin, is that correct? Correct, yes. There were, according to the USADA scientists, and I am no scientist of my own, but the uh, concentration or level that was found in my urine was 17 picograms of Osterine, which to me sounds very, very low. Uh, apparently, this is a substance that has a very short half-life, um, like a 24-hour half-life, so I imagine that... Um, you know, it cuts down pretty quickly in the body. The USADA scientists also told me when I was going through my records to kind of focus on the week uh, before the date of the testing, which would have been October 10th of this past year. Uh, the day before, I remember exactly what I was doing. It was my son's first birthday party. Um, so I was able to retrace that entire day. I mean, there was not one thing in there that was abnormal that I consumed, uh, you know, unless you're talking about like a, a birthday cake that yes. I normally eat. But, um, you know, the USADA was, uh, I mean, I guess I would say pleasant to work with. They were, they tested um, two samples of a supplement that I had sampled. Like, you know, I'm, I'm at the gym and there's a cup of coffee 
laying around, which happens to be a coffee supplement. I have a sample of it. Uh, and that was the only thing that I could think of that was abnormal out of my normal schedule, you know, um, besides going to somewhere like Jamba Juice or Tropical Smoothie Cafe or, you know, drinking a monster energy drink. Um, those are really, that's all the supplements that I've taken over the past year. So, so as we sit here today, you have no idea how this came to be in your system. No. Um, and initially when the process was going on, I, uh, had sent Jeff Nowitzki who works with the UFC in these matters, a, um, you know, basically pictures of the substance that was in question. And, um, you know, we thought it was a viable, a viable route to go down to look into it. And lo and behold, uh, two separate batches later, two separate tests, and they both came back negative for the substance. And, um, you know, honestly, financially, at this point, I'm not really in a uh, position to dump a bunch of money into fighting this when it could possibly come out with the same exact resolution of a two-year ban. That was actually my next question. Did you consider appealing it? I'm sure maybe if you could have, you would have liked to, but you're saying you just don't have those means? No, I mean, I, I could appeal it. Uh, I, I mean, I have the money to appeal it. The problem is that there's no, there's no, there's nothing for me to go on. You know, it'd be me going in there and it's my word against yeah. the, the, uh, the scientific test. And I think I know which one's going to win out in that, uh, in that battle. So, um, you know, I, I tried to work with USADA. I, I told them, you know, basically everything that I could remember or, um, you know, that I could think of and, and they were willing to work with me, but, uh, they also contacted me before, uh, doing the second test on the supplement and asked if I would be willing to, you know, cover some of the costs. And I expressed my concern with that right then, uh, due to the fact that, you know, it's probably going to come back the exact same yeah. supplement, come back the exact same. There's no guarantee that it's going to lead anywhere for me. And, uh, you thought it was nice enough to cover that, uh, that test, but you know, in the future, I think it was made quite clear that it would be, the bill would be on my foot, you know? Huh. That, that is interesting. Um, so, so I'm not, again, like you, I'm no scientist and this stuff is fairly new to all of us. Just reading a little bit about this substance, there seems to be no kind of medical use for it. I mean, the only reason someone would have it in their system is for a PED. Have you ever heard of it? Because I know Tim Means was caught with it in his system, but they found the supplement that it was, you know, he took a tainted supplement, so to speak. Did you look into his story? Did you talk to him? Did you try to find any reasons how this could possibly end up in your system, even as small as a picogram, as you said? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spoke to Tim Means the day after I received the, uh, the document stating that I had failed the test. Um, I see people on the internet, these keyboard warriors out yes. there, uh, talking about, oh, well, this guy just took a two-year suspension. Why didn't he fight it? You guys are fucking morons. I've been fighting it for five months. Okay, I didn't just take a two-year suspension. I tried to find out what the deal was. I talked to every single person that I could. I talked to Tim Means, who's probably the best example of this in MMA, because it was found in his, uh, his creatine, unlabeled. It was an unlabeled ingredient, and he was able to get his suspension reduced to six months. Now, one thing that goes along with that is it costs a lot of money to get that lawyer. And luckily, he had a substance that he knew um, that that stuff was in. I have nothing that I can go ahead and point to when it comes to that. So hiring a lawyer isn't going to help me at all. Going to arbitration, paying the $2,700 that USADA and the UFC require a fighter to pay to go to arbitration, I didn't think that was worth it in this case either. Hmm. Um, you've never failed any kind of tests prior to this, correct? 
Correct. I think I'm like 15 and one. <laughs> um, my, my question is even, now. Even, that even includes spelling tests. Right. <laughs> area. I mean, look, I'm sure not being able to fight for two years is the real, you know, the real backbreaker here. It, it, it is an unfortunate turn of events, but just now to be labeled as a guy who was suspended, you know, for two years for a PED, when you, you know, truly don't believe that there was, you know, anything that you took that got this in your system. How, how much does that bother you at this point? You've gone your whole career without any infraction. And now here you are, you know, labeled as such. Yeah, not only that, but I, I mean, I've been outspoken against PEDs. And yeah. I still will be. I mean, I don't think that USADA, um, I don't think that USADA should be gone. I don't think that necessarily they should even change uh, some of their protocols. There has to be things in place to safeguard against guys using PEDs. And unfortunately, if it requires there being a zero tolerance uh, policy on these levels, then there's, I mean, there's going to be casualties. Um, in the long run, what the fuck does it matter in the grand scheme of mixed martial arts if Tom Waller fights again? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the UFC. It doesn't matter to the sport of mixed martial arts as a whole. So whatever, I'll be a casualty. Uh, we'll see what happens in two years. I doubt I'll come back. Um, yeah, maybe the money will go up in between now and then, but I seriously really doubt it. Right. So what's the point? Uh, that was actually my next question. Are you done? I mean, because your tweet when you posted the results seemed to imply that this could end your career. Are you done fighting? I mean, you can't fight for two years now, obviously, but do you think that this will be the end of your career? I mean, if you look at it logically or realistically, um, you know, I'll be 35 years old, which may not sound that old in the grand scheme of mixed martial arts, but I put a lot of miles uh, on my body. I had my first fight in 2003 um, while, while I was still in college. And in between then, I was wrestling the whole time. I also did some professional wrestling, got into mixed martial arts. So it's been like 20 years of my body being through combat sports. And uh, some days I feel really great, despite the fact I'm almost 34. Some days I don't feel so great. So um, we'll see how it goes. One, one thing though is that what's the point in me putting a bunch of time and effort into mixed martial arts and training if for two years it's not gonna go anywhere. I need to find another source of income. I need to find another way to support my family. I have two kids, I'm recently engaged, I'm planning a wedding. I've got a life I need to worry about regardless of the UFC or USADA. Um, did you consider trying to get released so that you can fight overseas where USADA isn't a factor? I, I've thought about it. Um, at this point, I don't know what the UFC's policy is on this because uh, as long as far as, I'm sorry, as far as even doing professional wrestling, the, um, the contact with the UFC has changed over the past few years. You know, I was told in the past not to do some things uh, on my own that would have helped me out professionally. And now I'm being told I can kind of take those same opportunities. So I don't know if it's a shift in policy with WME IMG or if this is the UFC's way of saying, you know what, um, you know, we, we take a look at these on a case by case basis and, you know, we'll we'll help you out here since you're in a, a tough situation. The I'm not sure what the case is. The introduction of USADA has been a polarizing issue for those who follow it because I think on the one hand, we all want a clean sport and we want clean fighters, but the fact that the fighters didn't have a say in the matter and it was just sort of sprung upon you, the testing 365, 24-7, the whereabouts stuff, um, some of the appeals po process, the the way that they announce things, um, you know, yeah. the provision. Okay, so they're, they're, they don't have all the results yet. They haven't sampled mm. the, B, the B sample right. and all that, which generally comes back the same. But 
they go ahead and release these suspensions and you see a case in, in which they give a TUE to Chris Cyborg yep. and now she's going to face all this public outcry. And regardless of what the deal is with that situation, is it really the better policy to go ahead and announce these suspensions beforehand when you don't have all the facts on USADA's end? Uh, another thing is USADA will hand out these whereabouts failures for TUEs for not, um, for not communicating your whereabouts uh, online or on an app, but they don't get back to you right away. It takes them days. I, I sent a letter regarding a whereabouts failure. It took four or five days. My first point of contact from USADA was the DCOR showing up at my door. You know, USADA didn't call me and say, hey, we're going to take care of this. Or we're gonna, they didn't discuss it with me. They just sent somebody out to test. So, I mean, on one end, um, you know, it's very imperative that the fighters communicate well. But on the other end, they don't uh, offer the same, the same um reciprocation i guess so my question was so yeah so my question was it, 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 as far as you know you are concerned you're someone who now went through the entire process do you feel yeah, like i watched i watched BSAM. i drove to la i watched them defaw my urine for 45 minutes wow. and then run it through machines for six hours for the small little glimmer this ray of sunlight coming through the window here hoping that something would come back negative in that test and it didn't happen. So I, I watched the whole process. Why'd you do that? It's my career. Yeah. I mean, I put a lot of work and time and effort into this and you know, um, it, if it's going to go down, I, I want to be there to watch. It. I don't want to, I don't want to leave it to happenstance. You know, what if the, uh, the scientist had something on his gloves, you know, there could be a million things that, that go on in this situation. Or what if the, the chain of command, was different than they said. There's there's a lot of things that go into these. Um, you saw the tests, and you know I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, and unfortunately for me, it didn't work out very well. But so people think that I I bang this like association slash slash union drum way too much. But the reason I I am interested in the topic and think that it is needed in some form in the sport is because I feel like in a case like yours, you're you're kind of just left on an island all by yourself. And let's not let's not even talk about the way this was introduced. But once you get caught, there's no one really that you can turn to for help, for representation. How do I go about this? What's my best course of action? You're, you're left on an island. And when you're done to your suspension, you're left on an island as well. So my question initially was, now that you've been through the process, would you be in favor of changes to the process? Or do you think that it's the best, you know, the best case scenario if people want a fair and clean sport? No, I mean, clearly there, there could be changes made, but one of the things is if you start doing that, you open up the floodgates. You know, I take a look at the UFC the past week, they've issued two retroactive TUEs. Okay. Well, in the case of Jean Vellante, it's one thing. In the case of Chris Cyborg, it's another. But in both cases, uh, you know, it's the UFC, I believe, that's handling these things. And um, there should, I mean, why are there retroactive TUEs, anyways? You know, if, if the whole thing is that you should be transparent, you should be putting these uh, substances on your forms, then somewhere along the line, Chris Cyborg's fucked up, didn't put the substance on there. Why is she getting a retroactive TUE? Hey, guess what? The one thing that they say osterine is good for is osteoporosis, right? Who's to say my bones aren't all fucked up and I need a TUE, yeah. right? I've been beating the crap on myself for years. I don't drink that much milk. Maybe my bones are hurting. Mm. You know, where does this begin and end is the, is the question. Right. Um, you know, you, you're either going to have to have zero, zero tolerance like it is and maybe make some changes to the way that uh, USADA announces things 
or um, and just you know, be clear, it's, it's the UFC, by positive. the way. It's the UFC's decision to announce, not USADA. When USADA takes care of the um, Olympic athletes, they don't announce until it's all said and done. The UFC is opting for full transparency, so they get the initial suspension, they announce. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just letting you know that it's their decision, not USADA's. Okay. I mean, well, then that needs to be changed, perhaps. You know, um, I'm not here to point fingers at the UFC or USADA. I mean, like I said, I think that they, the policy is the right thing. There should be a zero tolerance policy. Otherwise, it starts opening up all these other things. Unfortunately, I'm caught in the situation where, you know, um, it, it just sucks. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Is it driving it's disheartening. you? Disheartening. Yeah. Is it driving you nuts though? Like how something like this could just enter your system and you have no idea whatsoever where it came from? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I have spoken to some other people. Um, you know, Lucian Boutte. Yes, boxer. Uh, who I'm sure you're familiar with, failed for this substance. Lucas Brown, who's a boxer in Australia, uh, he failed for this substance as well recently, like right after I did. There's a an amateur wrestler, and this is really the one that kind of gave me a little bit of hope. Um, there's an amateur wrestler by the name of Obi Blanc, who was very high up on the Olympic ladder for a while, and he is currently a uh, assistant coach at North Carolina State. But I think in 2012 or 2013, he failed the USADA test, had over 25 things tested by his team, 25 supplements, took a polygraph, a lie detector, did all of that, still two years. Wow. So after speaking to him, you know, and I believe every word that he said, I think you could be in this situation and still just get the shit end of the stick at the end of the day. You know, so um, I've had people that have come out and I've had fans support me. I'm going to have fans support me maybe for the wrong reasons because they, they're fans and they just want to believe what I'm saying. I'm going to have people that uh, are against me because they, no matter what I say, they just think I'm a, I'm a cheater. Uh, despite the fact I never competed or did anything uh, competitive in this time frame where I had 17 picograms of Austrian in me, I'm sitting around just training at the gym, coaching. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what the question was, Ariel. Sorry, I'm going. No, off. no, I, 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 I certainly sympathize. I mean, it's too, it's your career. This is everything you've worked for. So you mentioned the wrestling stuff is the goal now to try to be a WWE wrestler. Like, are you going to try to get to Orlando and do that? You mentioned trying to, you know, support your family, getting married, all this stuff. Is that the new career for you for the next two years plus? I don't know that WWE is the uh, the end goal. I don't know that that was ever uh, my end goal, even when I was doing professional wrestling back uh, back in the mid two thousands. Um, UFC has got a pretty sweet schedule, Ariel. I'm not going to lie. That WWE schedule, yeah. three hundred days on the road, yeah. doesn't really sound too good at all. Sure. Uh, Full time NXT schedule sounds great, but you know that's also a fifty thousand dollar a year job. Right. Uh, so uh, basically. Um, since you sort of handed out the suspension last week, I've been taking it one day at a time. You know, the goal is to, um, kind of follow the path, I guess that Matt Riddle has walked in those shoes, but I'm looking to blaze that path and blow right past them. Okay. So, uh, yeah, professional wrestling is the goal at this point. And, uh, I'm going to keep going. Any interest from, I mean, I, I, I will admit I don't follow it as much, but I still know about the Ring of Honors and the TNAs, and I know Barnett recently popped up on TNA. TNA. Any interest from, maybe not the WWEs of the world where you know they're traveling a lot, but some of the kind of mid-level promotions, if you want to call them that? Yeah, I've spoken to um, a number of organizations, um, but none of, no, I mean, Ring of Honor hasn't showed any, if much, interest. Uh, same with TNA, so... 
we'll see where that goes. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people are waiting to see, you know, exactly how serious I would be in this situation. You hear, you hear a lot of people talking about wanting to get out of MMA and the grass is always greener. Yeah. But, uh, now that I'm actually doing it, we'll see how the offers come through. But uh, I've, I've already gotten some decent feedback. I've put a couple of clips up on my Twitter um, and been contacted by some promotions. So as long as I can make that work financially for myself and my family, then I'll be kicking ass in that squared circle. I love it. Um, by the way, what about coaching? I know you've cornered fighters. You know, you're a big part of the syndicate team out in Las Vegas and John Wood is there and you seem to have a great relationship with him and the fighters all love you. So what about being a coach not only cornering, Ariel, but just at the gym. Yes. You're familiar with the, uh, the policy that the UFC has where if you are, um, under your sign of suspension, you cannot corner. Okay. Correct? So you, you can't corner, but come April 1st, I know the policy is changing where you can, you're allowed to train that there was actually a policy where you couldn't even train. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, does that change also April 1st? The corner one? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, uh, as far as I know, and I was uh, a lot of the information I got, you mentioned earlier that in this situation, you feel like I'm kind of out on an island. That isn't necessarily true. Okay. Um, I can't tell you enough how much of a help Jeff Nowitzki is during the process. I mean, very willing to help, willing to answer any questions. So uh, I'm not essentially out on an island, but um, now I forget the original question. Well, I was asking, not even just UFC. I mean, there's Bellator, there's a ton of other promotions. Uh, yeah. Will you corner? Will you, will you try to make a living he, as a coach he, now yeah, as well? Fill out an athletic commission form. Yeah. It says on the form, are you under uh, suspension or, um, you know, some sort of regulation from another athletic commission? From what I understand, all the athletic commissions are going to honor that you sought a suspension. Okay. That's, that's how I understand it. That's what I've been told by the UFC. Ah, um, so, Nope. <laughs> Unless I'm on an Indian reservation, I guess. But as far as coaching at the gym? Are, are as far you, as cornering fighters. No, I'm talking about coaching now. Like, are you still going to be a part yeah, of the I'm gym? Still, still, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, my heart goes out to you, Tom. I'm and, sorry. And, yeah. No, I'll, I'll be, I'll be 100% honest. As soon as I got this, uh, as soon as I got this call, one of the first things I did, I think it may have been the first or second person I called was John Wood. And, uh, you know, I told him the situation and he just said, look, you know, I believe you. Here we'll we'll do whatever we can and try to make it work. I understand it's not ideal for anybody, um, but you know it, it, any of these people take a look at this on the outside and easily go, "Hey, we're going to cut our ties with you." You know, this is a sport where we can't be having this sort of thing. And you know, luckily, I've got enough support where people haven't done that. Well, that is good to hear. Um, my heart goes out to you, Tom. I'm sorry to hear that this happened. You've always been great. And I wish you nothing but the best as far as the wrestling stuff is concerned. And uh, I want to see Matt Riddle versus Tom Lawler. I saw him in Cleveland at a show before UFC 203, and he was great. Shayna Baszler was there. I, I loved the style, and, it, and I saw some of your clips. So, look, if Tom Lawler, if you make it big, I'll, you will be the reason I get back into pro wrestling. I will, I will, I will hitch my wagon to your bandwagon, so to speak. You've, you've been trying to deny it for years Yes, and I years have. <laughs> <laughs> but you see now i'll have a reason i'll actually know someone who's being successful so i like that uh wish you the best tom thank you very much for the time thank you for being so honest and and good luck with the wrestling yeah thank you and and ariel uh, this goes out to anybody that's out there anybody if you have questions about this situation i will answer any question that you have please i am trying to be as transparent as possible and i am trying to figure out exactly what happened so i respect that very much if you have any help Please. I feel like this is uh, unsolved mystery. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Much respect. Thank you. There he is. Filthy Tom Lawler. An unfortunate turn of events uh, really is. But uh, look, he's got something else 
under his hat, something else that's cooking. And I wish him the best. I really was impressed with Matt Riddle and, and Shayna Baszler when I saw them them wrestle that night before UFC 203 in, in Cleveland. And if he has that similar style, you know, that sort of MMA shoot style, I think it'll be good. I really do. All right, let's move along. It's a big weekend in MMA, as I said, UFC 209. It's not happening in Stockton, by the way. It's happening in Vegas. So we could talk about that later. But the night before... In Thackerville, Oklahoma, Bellator is making its own kind of history because they will be crowning their very first Bellator Women's Featherweight Champion. Long time coming. It's been in the works for quite some time. And one half of that main event is Marluz Kunin. And she joins us right now via the Magic of Skype. She's been very patient. We apologize for our tardiness, Marluz. It's great to see you again. <laughs> it's been so long. How are you? Yeah, hey, look, you're looking good, Ariel. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've been working on my dad bod. You know, when you become a father, you pack on a few pounds, but thankfully uh, you haven't noticed. I only see your upper body, so that's fine. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, wow, this is, uh, like I said, a long time coming for you, Marlus. They've been talking about this for almost a year. And the first time they talked about it, you versus Julia Budd, you were going to be on the prelims and people were very upset about it. But this time you're in the main event. Were you surprised when you were told that you were going to be headlining the show? Well, I was uh, surprised that we were not the main event the first time. I mean, yeah. we were fighting for a title, so you expect it to be on the main event. But I'm very happy we're now on the main event, and uh, I'm, I'm well prepared. I'm really looking forward. You were going to fight her, like I said, back in May of last year, and she got injured, and you fought Alexis Dufresne, and then she shocked the world and submitted you. Did you think after that that this opportunity would not come, that you lost the opportunity to fight for the belt? Yeah, yeah, I was really, uh, I thought like, okay, uh, it ends here. But I have to say that uh, Rich told me straight away after the fight, he said, we believe in you, Marlouz. He didn't say you will, you will fight for the belt again, but he said, we, we keep believing in you. So that was really good to hear. And um, yeah, I had just one thing on my mind, and that it's the belt. So whatever it takes, uh, I will do. And um, I wanted to fight Defresny again, uh, but she refused because she said, I only will fight you for a belt. Huh. And then uh, I was offered to lead Noguera, and she didn't make weight either. So <laughs> at that point, I was like, I'm not going to give up. You know, when you're on, on, on weighing day, the difference is like, I don't know, like five, seven pounds. But you know it too. Uh, when you're in the cage, it can be easily 15 pounds. And I felt it also. So I was like, I'm not, I did my, uh, um, I did my part. I, I made weight. So I expect we're professionals, you know, like long in advance that you have to make the weight. So I'm not going to give him that opportunity anymore because in the end, even you say, and like, yeah, yeah, you lost. But, you know, she was way heavier than me. I didn't have to fight. I fought because I wanted to fight. Right. And in my record, it shows there's a loss too. So I was like, I have to put my foot down. You know, my parents flew out. My brother, he lives in London. He flew out. So it was really hard for me to, to say I'm not fighting. Although Bellat already said she couldn't fight. But um, uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this again. You said, uh, quote unquote, it ends here. That's what you thought after the loss to Alexis. Do you mean your career? Did you think that that might be the end of your career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a devastating loss to me. 
And uh, I had it coming. I mean, I was I was arrogant, first of all. <laughs> you know, there are two rules, you know, don't be uh, underestimate your opponent and don't be emotional. But with everything that had happened prior to that fight, I was so, I've never been so aggressive in a, in a cage. Normally, it's always a, a mixture of fe feelings that keeps you very, you know, like um, sharp. That's what I need. And this time, the only thing I thought was like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, not kill you, but like, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> Let me put it like yes. that. Uh, that was really stupid of me. And when I was in on the ground, and that was the arrogant part of me, because I heard my corner saying something like uh, 10 seconds left. And afterwards, I heard it was 30 seconds. And then I said to myself, like, Marlouz, how can you let this ha uh, uh, get out of the first round? And while I thought that, she made well, it was a beautiful armbar. She made the armbar. So I've learned my lesson. Would you say that's the toughest loss of your career? Yeah, Definitely. How long did it take to get back on the horse, to start training again, thinking about coming back? Did you need a break from MMA after that? No, 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 no. because I, I had a belt on my mind. So whatever it takes, I will do. But it, yeah, it was, you know, things happen. And then uh, no, I cry my eyes out in the locker room. Then you think, okay, everything is fine now. But then you don't sleep that well. And when you're back in the Netherlands, yeah, you talk and everybody think everything is fine with you. But, you know, when you're by yourself, it, the thoughts go through your mind. And I'm always training, like 365 uh, days a year. But um, yeah, it was tough. It was really, and, but it was in, in a weird part also a really good life lesson. Uh, and I think I grew from that as a human being, but also as a fighter, of course. It was tough, and but I, I knew what I wanted to, uh, to go for, and it was a belt. And Friday, it's happening. So the biggest life lesson is just don't be too cocky, don't overlook your opponent. Is that it, or was it something else? No, 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 uh, no, not at all. That's that's fighter lesson. Okay, you know, it was. I already knew that, of course, but um, um, I could be very hard. And um, when you have lost on a stage like that, and it and it, it really uh, hit me in my core, then and you feel so humiliated. You, uh, this is a hard word for me in Dutch. <laughs> I'll try it again. Try it one more time. You feel so okay. You're gonna laugh now. No, no, no. Ten times. Humiliated. Yeah. There you go. Second try. Yes. Well done. <laughs> and um, you know when you're on a stage and everybody can see it, can replay it, can judge it, and and that it, it's, you're very vulnerable then. So when Ronda lost for the second time, the first time when she lost, I was like, oh, she had it coming with the arrogance, blah blah blah. But the second time she lost, I could feel her pain. Huh. And and I think in a weird way that is, uh, it was a good lesson to learn. Huh, wow. Um, and you've had to sit on the loss now for so long, because as you mentioned, you were supposed to fight Talita Noguera. She misses weight badly. So now it's been almost, what, like 10 or so months, nine or so months since you last fought. And that's the last, like you haven't been able to push that L down your record. How annoying is that? Annoying, especially because everybody who's interviewed me is, is, oh God. is referring to I'm me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, you're it's part of the story. <laughs> the redemption story. We want to get behind you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, 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 no. I mean, I can handle it. I, mean, right. I cannot handle that. But, you know, everybody, like last week, I had to do like 18 uh, interviews or whatever in a few hours. And every interview was, you know, referring oh, to that. But it's also, I think, like, you digested that way also. It's good. Okay, one last thing about it. Would you have preferred fighting Alexis for this belt because of the loss, because of what that whole thing meant to you, than Julia? No, no, no. No, first of all, Julia is a professional. I respect her. Okay. I don't respect Alexis. Why? So, 
Well, you know, if you don't make rate three times in a row, yeah. you don't respect the sport, the fans. I mean, Bellat is putting a lot of money down to fly us over with coaches, uh, uh, renting hotels, uh, fly, whatever, you know, and then you just don't make weight. And uh, it, if it happens once, you know, with Talita, I respect her too, because she, she cut 15 pounds uh, when on, our, on arrival. I mean, she put her effort in, so no problem with that. But then with uh, Alexis, who, who couldn't make it three times in a row, that tells me something about a person. And then she came really sheepish to me prior to the weigh-ins. And um, yeah, I'm so sorry I had a baby. Well, of course, I understand. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm a mom one day and it will take a lot of time to get rid of the weight as well. But, you know, then don't put your uh, um, signature under a contract. Or tell me in advance, hey, okay, I'm not going to make the weight. Let's do a catch weight. I'm fine with that. I would I would have respect that. No problem. But then, you know, being like that and then in the cage, I didn't know because um, I actually, I shook hands with her when I was on the floor and I was so in shock and awe yeah. that I didn't really realize she was um, giving her hand to me. She wanted to shake hands. And then in the cage later on, I was like, oh, shit, I should give her a hand. So I walked up to her in a corner. And, you know, if you suck it up, if you lose, then you have to show respect. That's what we fighters do. Then I also went to her in the locker room. I saw her and I shook hands, said good job, you know. So it wasn't, uh, well, I think I did the right thing there. Yeah. And then I, a few days later, I heard she had this really big mouth uh, in the octagon. Like, oh, yeah, Melissa was having this attitude. And I knew then she had it coming. But what I also heard from another fighter was that she didn't want to put any uh, effort in making weight in the sauna. She had a big mouth against the trainer. After the weigh-in, we walked off stage. She had a big mouth against my trainer. I mean, I wanted to fight there at that point. Really, I really had to contain myself. Oh. So, you know, that was why I was so mad and so aggressive. And then having such a big mouth while you didn't make weight, yeah. you know, come on, where's your class? Yeah. Um, so now you're fighting for the belt, and this is the third women's featherweight title that's going to be, you know, in the mix, so to speak, as far as major promotions are concerned. And Victor has one. Megan Anderson, now the interim champion, Cyborg full champion, but I don't think love her. You love her? Yeah, yeah, I think she's amazing. Okay, yeah. so we'll get to her in a second. And now you have Jermaine Durandamy, your fellow countrywoman, who became the UFC champion, and now you. Are there enough featherweights out there to sustain three belts, in your opinion? Uh, I know there there are enough, and only more will come because you know I'm from the Netherlands. We're very tall yeah. there, and uh, we have a lot of kickboxes. And I'm getting emails now, like, "Hey, I want to transfer to MMA," and uh, they start to realize that kickboxing, you know, it, it will not be as big as MMA. And uh, only from the Netherlands already, there will be a lot of fighters coming, and you have now new generations of girls who will grow up and you know of, or like judo fighters who was what's her name kayla i'm really bad at names by the way the judo yeah i mean they will flock to mma because it's you know it's entertaining it's growing it's spectacular i mean if you look at kickboxing and then you look at an mma fight i mean i don't have to explain to you what's more entertaining <laughs> yeah so so are you so. hoping that you said you love uh, megan anderson she's fighting for invicta and i know that invicta just doesn't let their fighters go but they've done it for the ufc are you hoping bellator signs her so that you can fight her yeah i think she's an amazing fighter i really yeah. like her style and uh, i think she will grow tremendously in the coming years as well and um yeah really keep an eye on her were you surprised to see jermaine become champion 
No, out of Holly and her, I knew she would win. Oh. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I mean, they're two stand-up fighters. Uh, Holly started grappling when she was 30. And um, uh, I know, I saw the progression in Jermaine as well. When she started out with MMA, she was a kickboxer who was afraid to get to the ground. And then she couldn't apply her tie boxing game in the cage. But in her last fight in Rotterdam, it was, you saw the progression yeah. she made in her stand. I still think she, of course, she has flaws in her MMA game. But I know she hits... Of all the kickboxing girls I've met in the Netherlands, everybody tells me how hard she hits. And she's very fast and she has a really good mindset. And um, I mean, I'm, I, lo I love Holly too. I respect her a lot, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I already tweeted, if, uh, I put it on my Instagram prior to the fight that she would win. How big of a deal was it when she won back home in the Netherlands? Oh, crazy. It was a big deal. No, really? Yeah, because normally like... Um, we don't get, first of all, we don't get attention. And if we get attention, most of the time we're criminals, we're weird people, you know, whatever. And, um, but in the Netherlands, people, you know, UFC was there and the Bellator's coming to Europe and uh, it's on Spike TV in the Netherlands. And uh, people start to be aware of the, all these superstars in, in MMA and how big it is. And Conor McGregor did a big part too as well. Uh, even in the Netherlands, they start to, to know him. And so the media is starting to recognize the momentum. So when she arrived, it was the first time ever that a martial artist was um, um, uh, greeted by the Dutch uh, national media wow. uh, on Triple Airport. And she was everywhere in late night talk shows everywhere. It was, it was really a big momentum for MMA in the Netherlands. So what are the chances? It's amazing that Bellator UFC can have two... Featherweight champions who are both from the Netherlands. This is insane. Yeah. Uh, so do you feel like her victory made your situation bigger? Like, are, are you noticing more interest in your fight so that this kind of history can be made? Well, I don't know. Uh, I do see that. Um, I just had a big interview in a Dutch paper paper uh, yesterday, actually, uh, on Saturday. And I, what I see the, the responses to that interview is like crazy. And really? all the things what I'm talking about is beyond, beyond fighting. It's also like empowerment of women and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you really see the momentum. And I get all these uh, requests for media to do interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, it will add to it. And... It will be aired on Spike, and they're making a documentary of Spike that will be aired. So it's really good. And you're doing... Finally. Yes, finally, after all these years. Because I remember when you were fighting for the Strike Force belt, you were kind of flying under the radar and not getting that yeah. sort of attention. Um, aren't you also doing sort of um, studio analysis for UFC events on Fox Sports in the Netherlands? Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I do yeah, yeah, my partner, Rumor, he's doing commentary by the live fights. And, uh, yeah, it's, re it's really lovely to do because now I'm also, normally I'm only focused on the 145ers. Mm. But then, and, and there's some other girls, 135, of course, as well. But, you know, now, now I'm seeing everything. And uh, especially when I have to do, do a show and I prepare and I see all the old fights of the fighters who are on the card. And it helps me to become a, a better fighter as well. well. What did you think of the whole Chris Cyborg situation? You have a history with her. Um, she was provisionally suspended by USADA and then she gets this retroactive TUE. She says it's a medical issue and USADA agrees. H how do you feel? Because she is a polarizing figure in our sport. There's no doubt about that. She has the history with PEDs and people just were kind of quick to judge her and condemn her and say that she's guilty right off the bat. Um, did you think that that was fair given her past or did you think it was unfair? I, 
I'm, it's very dual. I hope that is English. But um, the first time I was fighting Chris, um, well, if you see the pictures of that back on, on, on Sherdog, you see like this really, really muscled woman fighting against another woman. And um, I can remember it felt like she threw bricks at my head. Mm. It was so hard. I've never, before and after, I've never been hit harder in my life ever again. The second time I fought her, she didn't hit that hard anymore. So um, I don't think she did that on peanut butter and <laughs> bread, uh-huh. I think. I'm not accusing her of anything. Um, but um, so I don't think that's fair. On the other hand, if a man gets caught for using whatever they use, uh, they they will not get that judge that much, and uh, she's always judged for her the way she looks and 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 so on. It's because she's a woman and she's um, she draws that negative attention. And then you can think: is it the person or is it the um, I have to put it the surroundings around it? You know, she's is this a different paradigm between what's allowed now and. Um, What's allowed for women? Oh, I'm so messing this up because no, it's no. in English. No, no, no. Anyway. <laughs> I fully understand. Um, I think, oh, oh that's very uh, smart of you. Um, but I think, like, um, there's a double standard in this. Um, I know that the second time I fought her in Invicta, it was. Afterwards, I heard how hard the cut was to make the 145. Like, it was extremely hard. And then when she was forced to fight at 140... I genuinely was afraid something would happen to her. Huh. I mean, it was crazy. And I, th- I think if you're um, such a famous fighter and you beat up everyone who come- crosses your path, you deserve uh, uh, a title fight. You deserve your own division. People will tune in. I mean, in the end of the day, it's about entertaining. Yep. On the other hand, and that's what, that's what is so double about it, I don't think um, she has got it that fair and I know it from like I think it was 2010 when I was fighting her that was crazy that was really not fair what we we were doing on the other hand I love Chris I like her a lot so um, it's very complex for me and um, um, yeah if if you are high flyer people will judge you anyway I've always wanted to ask um, someone who's involved in women's MMA this question and I think there's no better person than you because you've been around for so long arguably the two most famous women's MMA fighters of the last 10 years, Gina Carano and then Ronda Rousey, right? Gina Carano lost to Chris Cyborg and she didn't fight again. Ronda lost to Holly Holm, came back, but clearly wasn't over the loss. And now it looks like we might not see her again. Why do you think, is this just a coincidence? Or, you know, I've heard promoters say, I've heard managers say, you know, dealing with women are different. They handle losses differently. They take it more to heart. They're very emotional as opposed to, is this just a coincidence that this happened to the two most famous female fighters? Or do you think that, Women do handle losses differently, and you know we 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 should, in, in that regard, kind of handle them differently. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I don't think there should be double standard in that. If you want to be a fighter and you want to get into the cage, you have to train like a fighter. And of course, the differences in like making weight, women do not lose that that easy uh, water as men do. We have our periods, yeah. Also, that immediate influences us as well. Um, I think that Ronda had have has as too much of her body and her mind for a long time. She's also a controversial figure. There are th- millions of people who love her and vice versa. There are also a lot of people who don't like her. And she's, I think, a very intelligent and sensitive person. And I think it um, it, it touches her core more than she would like to admit. 
And with Gina, she was like the pioneer in having uh, being the face of women's MMA. And she also had uh, mostly she has more love, but it was an equally uh, tough path for her. So I just think as a uh, you have this life cycle as a fighter, and they've just burned out quicker than mm. uh, anyone else. I think that's the reason why they quit. Okay. Uh, quit. Fair enough. Um, great to catch up with you again, Marluz. So good to see Likewise. you again. I, I wish you nothing but the best on Friday. Can't wait for it. And uh, I think it's great great for the sport. It's great that Bellator righted their wrongs, so to speak, and took you from the prelims to the main event because that was just absurd. Um, looking forward to it. Friday night, Marluz Kunin versus Julia Budd for the inaugural Bellator Women's Featherweight title. Thank you so much, Marluz. All the best. Uh, thank you so much, Ari. It was good to, uh, catching up with you again. Thank you very much. There she is, Marluz Kunin stopping by, one of the uh, pioneers and veterans of women's MMA. Massive fight for her on Friday on Spike TV coming out of Thackerville, Oklahoma. Okay, let's move along. On Sunday, it was a very big night for the UFC this past Sunday, not the one yesterday, uh, eight days ago in Halifax. Um, we know about Derek Lewis. We'll talk to him later on. But the other big story, of course, the return of Johnny Hendricks, and this time at 185, and he was very successful in his middleweight debut, defeating Hector Lombard. Wanted to talk to him about that. He joins us now on the phone. Johnny, are you there? Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, congratulations on the win. Thank you very much for joining us. Is it fair to say, Johnny, after what happened two Sundays ago, that you are going to remain at 185? Uh, yes. I don't want to see 70s ever again. You are officially done with it. I'm officially done with it. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, man, it's been a while since I've... Like, that was probably the easiest weight cut I've ever done. Uh, and, you know, I ate all the way up until Friday. I drank all the way up till Friday. And the only reason why I didn't want to drink on Friday is because I didn't want to work it off. <laughs> huh. Wow. So th this must have been, I mean, it seemed like in the early days you were having an easier time, but as far as your UFC career is concerned, maybe the easiest week of your career? Oh, yeah. But you know what? I was sitting there and I was looking at my coach and I'd constantly be like, man, we, we, we got to be doing something. Like, <laughs> usually I'm, I'm, having to, I'm having to run. I'm having to do a lot of work to try to touch down. Um and I'm so used to my body not wanting to give it up where, you know, we went and we would do the bare minimum in a sense and we get a big result from it. So what we do is we just capitalize on that. So that way I could eat more throughout the week. How did, as far as the actual fight is concerned, 24 hours after the weigh-ins, not having to go through that kind of hell, did you feel like a different guy in the cage? You know what? I did. Uh, I pushed myself, but really, there's more that I can push my, you know, like there's more that I can do in there. Uh, I was a little bit nervous because you got to think that my last, you know, my last fights have always been where the first round's good, second round, it's okay, and third round, I'm just, I'm trying to survive it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't see that, but in my mind and my body, I'm just, I, um, that's what I'm trying to do. And in the first round, I pushed myself second round. I was like, Hey, we got to be easy, you know, still move your feet, still bounce around and do that. But 
don't kill yourself. And then in the third round, I was like, wow, my energy level really never depleted. Uh, if there had been a fourth and a fifth round, I would, I think I would have been able to get stronger. And for me to move forward, I needed something like that because one, uh, it made me where, like I said, more than anything, it, it just brought back the, the love that I had for the sport you know, not having to hurt myself, not having to do all these things. And not only that, but having the energy to be able to go out there and do what you want to do. I was a little surprised that you came back so quickly after what happened at 207. Was that your decision or did they call you with the opportunity and then you considered it and ultimately took it? No, that's the thing is, Hey, now that I'm at 85, as long as my body's healed, I, 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 uh, if I could fight every two months, if I wanted to, huh. you know what I mean? Uh, because it, <clears throat> cutting weights, you know, right now I'm at two Oh five. I'm actually probably a little bit lighter than that because now that my, now that I don't have to, to slam my, you know, my body isn't sitting here going, Hey, in 12 weeks or in two weeks, you're not going to get to eat anything you want to eat for the next 12. Uh, I'm actually not eating as much. Uh, I'm eating a little bit better. Uh, my diet's actually not super clean, but I don't jump off the deep end like I used to for the 70 class. Um, so now I'm like, all right, uh, you know, I, pro I think I woke up this morning at two Oh two. So, you know, you're on 17 over. Did you consider retiring after two Oh seven? Uh, well, the reason why I really thought about retirement is because I didn't know how the UFC would accept me moving to 185. Okay. You know how that is. Yeah. You, you put such a good damper in and, and such a legacy into 170 that, you know, not only the UFC, but also the fans, how are they going to accept that? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <clears throat> are they going to open it with open arms and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, so that's really why that's why I wanted to retire because fighting was not fun. Uh, you know, it was 12 weeks of hell and you're just like, <laughs> why am I doing this? I can do a lot of other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, at one point I was just like, you know, I'm going to retire. And then I, I had talked to, uh, a couple of people about going 85 and they didn't turn their head about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? All right, let's go 185. And then <clears throat> they were, they offered me a fight and I said, yes, I'd love to go 185. Let's do it. I don't care who it is. Let's just go 185. And the rest is history. Uh, it was an awesome training camp. Don't get me wrong. I was sore, but I was actually able to train through it. I was actually able to focus through it. Um, and like I said, more than anything, it just brought back the joy that I used to have. Um, uh, you know, waking up, not knowing what to train, how to train and going from there. So in other words, if they would have said, you know what, it's time to part ways. Were you not interested in fighting elsewhere? If the UFC would have made the call after the performance against Magny, would you have then called it quits? You know, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to sit there and say, yes, I would have, because what if another organization let me would say, Hey, we want you at 85. You know, I, I'm not the person that's ever going to slam a door and say, I would never do this. I would yeah. never do this. And that's one reason why I got into fighting in the first place. Cause if I thought that way, 
I would never got into fighting, I would still be, I would have wrestled for the Olympics. Are you at all concerned about the damage you may have done to your body by trying to make 170 for the last few years? You know what? Out of mind, out of sight. I try to forget the last couple of years. Okay. You know, uh, uh, it was, it, I know that after a fight, whenever your body doesn't kick back on for six days afterwards, you know that you've done some damage. Uh, and it probably wasn't even just from this, you know, it could have been from whenever I was from since I was 13 doing damage. Um, because, you know, as a wrestler, like I said, you don't have to cut weight the right way. You're going in there, you're losing 10 pounds of practice. Even in high school, I was losing eight. So you don't really have to focus on your weight that hard like you do in MMA. Where in MMA, you're, you know, you're getting a six-pound practice. You're, you're super ecstatic. Would you like to see more weight classes in the UFC and in MMA in general? For example, some people have said 155, 165, 175, 185. Do you think that would help fighters like you who are kind of maybe a little too big for 170, maybe a little too small for 185, that sort of thing? You know, I do. But I also talk to a couple of people from the UFC, and I get where their point is. You've got to look at the 55 and 70 class. You know, look at the 170 class. The top 15 are stacked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're, they're stacked. Well, let's say we do a 65 and a 70. Let's say seven of them are going to go down to 165 and eight of them go to 175. Well, now you're going, it's not 15 people stacked. It's only eight stacked or seven stacked. And, you know, now don't get me wrong. There's other people that have a chance, but that's what makes the welterweight division so competitive is that there's, I mean, it's just ridiculous how many good fighters there are at that weight class. Are you at all concerned that you may be too small for the upper, like the Luke Rockholds and the Romeros of the world, as far as 185 is concerned? You know what? Yes. But guess what? You never know until you try. Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, I, you know, for example, look at the last guy I fought. He had an 80 inch reach. How many times did he hit me? Not that many. You know, but he, 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 I think he hit me twice. You know, maybe I'll, okay, let's even say I'll give him 10. I don't remember Tim, but he's so long, yeah, so long that whenever he throws, I mean, you might as well say, "Hey, I'm gonna throw with my right hand." Hey, I'm gonna throw with my left hand because it's so easy to see the punches come from that distance. Um, so the taller the person is, the actual the easier it is to read sort of where they're coming from, um, and that's why Carlos Carlos Condit. He hit me, but he didn't hit me that as much as people thought. And he had, what, a 76-inch reach? Something of that, yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting here going, you know, most people that I fight have 73 to 76-inch reach. Yeah. I've had to deal with that my whole entire life. Uh, now that I'm moving up, the only thing is that now I get to actually keep my strength because, you know, they were like, Hector Lombard's a strong guy. Can Johnny hang with one of the stronger 185s. Well, I guess I proved that I'm stronger than he was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because he, he couldn't take me down. He couldn't do anything. Uh, you know, I used my takedown because he was sprawling so hard. I just used mine to set up my knees, my hands, and everything else. 
I noted this a- after the fight, um, and and I'm wondering if if you shared the sentiment. It, it just seemed to me like you were so happy after that fight. Like you had this amazing smile on your face, and we've seen you go through so many ups and downs in front of us, like at the weigh-in scale, and you're kind of you know you're you're you look depleted and, and dehydrated. And in that moment when they announced that you were the winner, and um, I believe you were talking to Brian Stan, you just seemed so happy. Other than winning the UFC title, was that one of, if not the most happiest moment of your fighting career? You know, it, it was important to shut up all them haters. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, Johnny's out of here. Johnny's this. Oh, he's not that. Um, and not only that, but you're right. You know, we rode a roller coaster together. You know, my fans and I and everybody who hates me, we rode a, we, it was a rough roller coaster. And, um, and to know that now where I'm at, I'm happy. And like I said, uh, it's almost right there with me winning that title. If that fight would have been in Dallas, I think it could have been almost competing with the title Wow! because it's just like, like you said, you know, we were three fights down, you know, we're one fight away from maybe making it to the welterweight title, one fight away, one fight away. And then you know, we move up a weight class and everybody's going, man, you're small, you're a small 70 pounder, but realistically I'm a big 70 pounder. I'm just a small reach. Uh, and you go out there and you fight somebody, you win. You're just like, you know what? That was worth it. That was worth it. Speaking of Dallas, UFC returning in May. Uh, what are the chances you're on that card? You know, I'm, I'm hoping that I am. Okay. Uh, that's sort of where my heart is, uh, is I'm actually going to start campaigning for Dallas. I mean, no better time than now, Johnny. (laughs) Exactly. And you (laughs) know what? I I don't care who it is. Okay. I really don't care who it is. I I just want to fight in Dallas. You know, I like, that's one of my, uh, I love fighting close to home and I love being, uh, you know, here in Texas, who better to help sell out the arena than me? But if they say to you, okay, we like the idea, do you have an opponent in mind? Do you have an opponent in mind? I don't have an opponent in mind. And you know what? That's where I'm at. I'm back to that stage again. Okay. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to fight. You know, like realistically, uh, I just want to get back in there and compete. Uh, And like today's been a week since I've been off. My hands are starting to, they're starting to heal back up. Right. Um, everything's starting to feel better. Uh, and I can't wait to get back into the gym. I mean, realistically, after most fights, uh, I try to take at least a month off and I'm at a point where I can't wait to get back into the gym. Johnny, last time I spoke to you was before 207. We had that scrum where you were kind of challenging the media to cut weight and things like that. And it felt like somewhat of an erratic interview or scrum, if you want to call it. Looking back now, what was going on there? I mean, was the weight cut kind of were, were you were you hurting there? It seemed like you were having a hard time standing. It seemed like maybe you were lightheaded. What was going on there? Can you can you reflect on that now that it's over? Yeah, I can. You know, and yeah, it was it was erratic. It was uh, a little bit of everything. It was the fact that you're just you're dying. You're trying to make weight for you know a lot of people and. Uh, it's just one of those things that life was probably at your lowest point. 
<laughs> uh, it just sucks. I mean, I, I really don't know how to explain except for that. In that moment, I was just like, I, you know, if they said, Hey, you could retire today and I, and people wouldn't be pissed that I didn't make weight or I didn't fight that day. Uh, I was pretty close to saying that's where I was at. Hmm. Well, and when you say the word dying, like you, you don't mean literally, right? I mean, clearly you were hurting yourself. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing is I I wasn't dying, dying. No, uh, my nutritionist, he was feeding me, you know, I, the best he could for me to get my weight off. Right. He was doing his job. It's just the fact that, you know, there's a point in your life where your body just says, I'm done. You know, you're done. You're done doing what you're doing. And uh, there's nothing you can do to change it. Uh, And that was at that point, I was literally sitting in there going, okay, I got this. I'm four pounds over. Um, We went and worked out. And we literally lost a half a pound. <laughs> and we then we had to do that press conference. Yeah. So not only did yeah. it, you work out really hard to lose a half a pound, which should have lost you at least two, you know, that's what we're expecting. And we lost a half a pound. Then you go in front of everybody. You got to sit up. It, your stomach's hurting. Your body's aching. And your mind is just going, you know what? Forget it. Forget everything. I'm done. You know, but your 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 pride gets the best of you, and it says you say no. I can't do that because there's so many people here that want to see you succeed. For that fight, you were working with uh, Lou Giordano as your nutritionist. Did yes. you work with him for 185? You know what? No, I mean 185. You don't need it. I just, I just, no, I just missed one. Literally, I, I missed two meals to make 185. <laughs> wow, what a pleasure! <laughs> so, yeah, you know what? That's what I'm saying. That's why life is finally becoming fun again. Uh, you know, I'm able to have energy. I'm able to do things, and uh, so you know, if I really wanted to, like today, I could hit 96. So I'm 10 over, you know, and so, and that's just one workout. I could hit 10 over. Wow. Um, you will always be connected in some way with, with George St. Pierre in my mind. Cause I think that you did beat him that night, even though it was super close, thought you did enough. And it was amazing to see you return at 185. in some ways trying to save your UFC career the weekend he returned as well. Are you surprised to see him back three and a half years later? You know what? I am. Uh, I am. I wish you would have stayed out. But you know what? A competitor is always going to be a competitor. Uh, we'll see how he comes back. And I heard that he might be coming to 185. You want a piece? <laughs> oh, you know I do. <laughs> well, why, why, do you, why do you wish he would have stayed out? Because, you know, so like I went through my rough period. Yeah. And I... I did something and I was able to bounce back where whenever he went through his rough period, he got out. And now you look at these guys, you know, yeah, you can train. Yeah. You could do these things, but has he done enough to where he's going to be able to come back a different fighter? You know, time changes. It always does. Just like I said, one day the time's going to change where I'm not going to be able to compete with these guys anymore. Right. 
You know, it's just, right. it's just the way that it is. And once I showed how to defeat George St. Pierre, <clears throat> I, I think people are going to start using that game plan. And it's going to be so much harder on him. And, you know, you look at Chuck Liddell, you look at Randy Couture, these guys that didn't stay out whenever they were on top, they come back and they're not the same fighter. You know, three and a half years is a lot of time for, or two years, whatever it is, for somebody to decrease or for everybody else to move up. Hmm. Yeah, well, we will see. Um, for now, what a story. I'm really happy for you, Johnny. Uh, like I said, it was, it was so nice to see you happy in there, not hurting victorious in the winner's circle, so to speak. And, uh, it's good to see that you didn't give up and that you kept on going and now reinventing yourself at 185. Congratulations on the win, Johnny. Thank you for not making me cut the weight as well. And, uh, and dropping that. You're, very, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're very welcome. And you know, I do want to say, I do apologize for that. You got me at my weakest moment. No problem. And I made everybody pay for it, and um, I, you know, it does suck, but it is what it is. I'm sorry. No problem at all. Congratulations, and good luck getting on that Dallas card. Okay, thank you so much. All right, there he is, Johnny Hendricks. Back victorious, looking good at 185, happy, looking to fight at UFC 211. So that was the co-main event in Halifax. Main event, of course, featured Derek Lewis knocking out Travis Brown. You asked for him, you're getting him. There he is via the magic of Skype, the Black Beast himself, Derek Lewis. <laughs> What's up, man? How are you, Derek? I'm, all, I'm okay. How you doing? No shirt nation. Yeah, I'm at home, man. 80 degrees outside right now. 85, actually. Wow, summertime has hit Houston. It's not the. It's it, it was warm this weekend, but not quite uh, right now. You're you're just loving life. What are you drinking? Uh, Dos Equis. Oh yeah, look at that. A little early. I like it. Um, what time is it over there? Yeah, it's one thirty. Why not? You got nothing better to do today, right? Nothing. Just rest my foot. That's about it. Okay. There's a lot to discuss with you, Derek. Holy smokes. I, I can't recall the last time after a win, I got this many requests, not just tweets, emails. You better have the Black Beast on. We better hear from Derek Lewis on the show. Now, this was Monday of last week and you were traveling home. So I had to give you a week. You wanted a bit of a break and uh, I felt that was only fair. But have you noticed a difference in the way people view you now? Do you feel a rise in your popularity since the win? No, nah, not at all. Really? Well, I still got the same amount of haters than I do, than I get the love, you know. It doesn't matter. I don't care. The, uh, haters because of the post-fight interview? Haters all because I'm black. You feel that? Black. You feel that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's guys out there. I think they make themselves feel better about talking down on me, which I don't care. You don't feel like you get more love now than you ever did in your career? I haven't really paid attention to it. Fair enough. Um, I did see this amazing video. You went to go visit your brother at school last week? Yeah. How many hands did you shake? It was, you were just sitting there with a smile on your face. These kids coming up to you, that has to feel good, right? It was probably like over a hundred, you know. I I didn't even bring no hand sanitizer, you know. I knew I was probably gonna be sick right after. I'm nasty ass kid. Did you get sick? No, I didn't. See, there you Just go. A little coughing a little bit, about it. But there was something kind of beautiful about uh, you know a guy who's overcome a lot in his life, who's now you know doing good, successful, going to a school, shaking hands with kids. I mean, it was a nice thing. I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, it was cool, man. You know. Um, 
if I could change somebody's life for the better and they could look at my story and see all the stuff I went through and see um, just to help them um, to do better in life, that'd be good. Did you talk to them as well? Like, were you there to give a speech? Yeah, I talked to them a little bit. Just told them, just um, Google none of my post-fight interviews <laughs> and stuff like that. But nice to meet y'all. Did you get in trouble for that post-fight interview? No, I didn't. Do you regret anything? I didn't think it was that bad. Do you, do you regret anything that you said? No, not at all. Yeah. For what? No, I don't know. But you said don't, you know, you're telling kids not to Google your post-fight interviews. So. Oh, no, just my past. You know, you know, I'm using bad language. Sure, sure. Th- that stuff, like, did that all come off the, I mean, we've, we've interviewed you countless times now and you're a very sort of off-the-cuff kind of guy and I love your delivery. That's my favorite part. You're just very nonchalant. But you, you had some great line. I mean, that to me was your best post-fight interview. Did you prepare any of that? No, nah, I just freestyle. Yeah. Freestyle king, you know, <laughs> off top of the dome. But you know, just give me a B and a cappella, freestyle. But the, but the mini belt, that had to be prepared, right? No, nah, the guy, oh, I was walking back to in the backstage and it was a fan with a Travis Brown shirt on. And he said, man, here, man, you're the real champion. I said, you're damn right, give me that belt. And I took the belt <laughs> and just stopped walking through the crowd. They sell Travis Brown shirts? I didn't even know that that was on the market. I don't know. He had a Travis Brown shirt on um, in the audience. I don't know. Somewhere. Wow. Um, so the fight started off a little slow for you with the kicks to the body, and then you were able to regroup. At any point, were you starting to get worried I mean, because I don't know if you were doing a rope-a-dope there, if you were really that hurt. I mean, I know you said you had to go to the bathroom, but they did seem to affect you. Were you worried that the end was near? Oh, no, not at all. You know, I've been in deep waters a bunch of times in my fight. I told my coaches and I told a couple of fans and I told a couple of reporters before the fight, I could be in trouble the first or second round. And any fight, just know that that beast mode about to kick in sooner or later. Um, you posted a video of your broken foot. It is broken, correct? Yeah, so there's two bones broken in it. The right or left? The right. Do you know when you broke it? Yeah, every time I kicked this thigh, I broke it. Like I kicked him like twice in the, in the leg and I broke it. So you broke it in the first round? Yes. Could you feel that it was broken? Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. And that didn't phase you? No, that's whenever I start trying to do my um, my, my wheel kick, my spinning kick. <laughs> that's whenever I start doing that. So, so the stomach almost landed it. I yeah. Like, oh shit! I'm gonna land it. I'm gonna try one more time. Uh, so the stomach yeah. stuff that was rope a dope. No, it wasn't rope a dope at all. Okay, so you were hurting. He got me. Yeah, he got me good. Um, just the guy was like, like I said, it was the gas. Then whenever he hit me with that knee, when I came in with the right hand. And um, that one right there hurt me. Were you sure. were you having a stomach problem all week in Halifax? Um, you know I'm lactose, so ah. I had some some milk. Okay. Um, the day before. Why'd you do that? Some um, milkshakes. What's that? Why'd you have a milkshake if you're lactose intolerant? No, it was not like a milk. It was at Starbucks, one of them frappuccinos. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to stay warm, you know, so. I paid for it. So what was it like? Your first time in Canada. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was okay. You know, um, didn't see too many snow bunnies, but I seen a lot of snow. <laughs> but it was cool, though. Wasn't it like a really bad week as far as snow is concerned over there? Yeah, it was It was my first time really seeing snow, so I liked that part of it. 
But after that, then I was like, I'm ready to go home, man. It's too much. And then and then the power went out the night before in the hotel, right? Yeah, the power went out. And um, that was for like about four or five hours the power was out. Wow. So, and Was it so cold? All I could do really just watch um, Pornhub <laughs> and keep myself warm since the heater went down. What, on your phone? Yeah. But you did you have Wi-Fi? Yeah, um... Uh, no, I had singular service. The Wi-Fi went out, so yeah, my battery's about to die. So I had to roll one out before um, <laughs> my battery died because it was no no more power in the building. So I had to keep myself warm and go to sleep. Desperate times, desperate measures. Yeah, for sure. You know, survival. Right. Um, what about this Donaire sandwich? Did you have that? I heard you were looking for one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a chance to get it. You know. Why not? But um. I'm gonna see if I'm next time if I'm close by or whatever <laughs> up there to Canada. I'm see if they gonna ship it to me or what. Okay, next time if you're just chilling up there up north. Yeah, you know some random reason. Right, um, and, and and then you said afterwards you were like you know don't call me about any fights, don't call me about this. I want to take a break. Of course, this is before we knew that you uh, you broke your foot. But do you still feel that way a week later? Do you still feel like I, I want an extended break now? Yeah, for sure. You want to take a reset, unless right? They, um, unless I'll take a break for right now, unless they call me for the belt. If they say, okay, um, Dosanio caught that Jack Mack again, caught that pussy. So, you know, we need you to step in and fight um, Stipe. I yeah. say, okay, I'll fight him. But you have a broken foot, so you can't do it anyway. But, you know, this stuff stuff happens. You're the black man. We bee? might can work around that. We might can work around that. You never know. Uh, how long do you expect to be out for with the with the foot? Hopefully four weeks. The doctor say four weeks. Okay. Have you ever broken it's on top of the foot? Okay. Have you ever broken any bone in your body? Yeah, I broke my leg before. Okay. When was that? That's in high school. I got chopped block. Um, football. Wow. So what are you going to do for the next four weeks while you you have a cast? Um. Well, they say I could smoke a little weed, so I might smoke a little weed. So we'll see. They say I can't. There's got to be a certain limit for me to smoke. So, you know, I could smoke right now and try to... Well, only the medical part of it. Sure. Medical. Medicinal. So I'm just trying to smoke some of that and just chill and relax. It was clear that you have uh, no love loss for uh, Travis Brown. Considering that, was that one of the more enjoyable fights of your career to finish it the way you did because of how you felt towards him? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm glad the fight ended up the way it was, you know, especially the first round and everything. You know, he's looking good. You know, I'm glad he got the chance to show everyone that he's still the old Travis, you know, because I didn't want to go out there and really just um, demolish the guy in the first round, really, because I don't want the critics to be like, oh, he's still training with Edmund. So that's the reason why Derek went out there and did what he did. Because I still wanted him, I wanted him to have the best camp of his life. So I didn't want no excuses. Yeah, no excuses at all. You know, because I believe Travis is like one of the. Um, he's supposed to be in the top five, really. You know, I believe that in his division that he was him and Kane probably the only one that could really give me any type of trouble. Wow. You know, because Travis is like more of a two hundred five, one eighty five. He moves around pretty good. He's, Real technical, he doesn't move like a heavyweight. Right. So I believe that he was the only one that probably would have given me any problems. And so now everyone says, oh, we want to see Derek versus Francis Ngannou. 
That's what everyone wants. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Why does everyone want that? Yeah, I'll fight him. Yeah? Yeah, I'll fight him. You impressed with him? Impressed by him? Yeah, he's real, he's real good. Why do you think everyone wants to see that fight in particular? Because this is America. You know they like to see black-on-black crime. That's right. They thrive on that. They love that. And you want to give it to him? Yeah, I give it to him, yeah. So do you feel like that's the fight that makes sense next when you come back? Um, since, you know, me and him are right close to each other, I would like to fight like a more of a, um, someone that's more of a challenge, you know? Ah. And I believe Mark Hunt is more of a challenge. So you'll be watching... It's like me beating, me beating Francis is really, it's not going to really boost my my um, my stats or anything, get me closer to the belt because he hasn't really fought like the top guys yet. He only fought one guy. They are really he, pushing him. He is him. running through guys. Yeah. They're put, he's getting his own media day in Vegas prior to 209 this week. Yeah. Only reason why he's doing that because he's a clean cut guy. He talked right to the media. Yeah. You know, he ain't like me. You know, I'm a little bit, I speak my mind too much. And, you know, the UFC really, the problem don't really like that. So I really don't care. Um, have you been told to, to kind of cool it with your comments and your Instagram posts and all that stuff? Because I've heard that sometimes they get a little uneasy. No, nah, they haven't told me anything yet. But uh, I said about a year ago, Dana White told me. Um, to cool it down a little bit, but it's whatever. <laughs> Clearly you didn't pay attention and you're not going to. We're not going to answer that question right now. <laughs> well, it was a year ago and I don't think much has changed. Are you worried that, you you know, just because you are that kind of guy, you get on the mic, you get excited, you say what's on your mind, that this might impede your progress as a fighter? Oh, I'm not worried about that. Okay. You know, I'm not trying to get in the spotlight and nothing like that. He could have his media that he try to. He could get all the attention that he wants. He could have all that going on, whatever. I don't care about that. As long as they pay me good, that's all I'm care about. Did you ever get? Did you go to Dana's house? I still haven't cleared that up because you weren't ready to answer that. Did you? Yeah. Act- yeah. No, I told you to ask Dana. Why you you scared to ask Dana? <laughs> no, I haven't I told seen you to ask him. I haven't seen him. He's a hard yeah, guy. So why you ain't been at the fights anyway? So you really banged from the fights? Or- no, I was there. I was in Brooklyn. I just didn't go to Halifax. Oh, so you couldn't come back to your own country, though. You're right. You go to Brooklyn, though. Well, I do live very close to Brooklyn. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Where are you at right now? I'm in New York, New York City. I'd love to have you in studio one day. Yeah, I got you. We can do that. <laughs> what's that? Um, what's one of them, them famous things, y'all? Um, the Jewish in the Jewish community. What the thing y'all eat? Oh, there's many things. I mean, there's matzo ball soup. There's schnitzel. I mean, it depends on where you're from. What in particular are you talking about? some of that muscle ball soup. Yeah, that is good stuff. I took a Rampage one time to a Jewish deli here, and he loved it. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I'll try that. All right. I'll try it out. Well, we'd love to have you. Um, by the way, I, I had heard that you, know, you were very outspoken about domestic violence. The reason why was because this is something that's near and dear to your heart. I hope you don't mind me asking, but you kind of grew up in a, in a, in a home where domestic violence occurred. Is that why you felt so strongly about it? Yeah, for sure. You know, and I know just about everything that really goes on with domestic violence. You know, of course, um, especially the guy like Travis being in the spotlight and this and that, and his wife saying maybe he didn't do it or whatever. You know, maybe he did. Like, who knows? But I really do believe that he done it. And, Mm. and, 
since he have kids with her and they probably did a bunch of investigation and stuff like that. And she was telling him, okay, we're not going to pursue it because we have kids and stuff like that. It's going to really mess up everything that's going on with their relationship with the kids. And so I believe that's why they couldn't really find anything that happened. But I believe it was pictures out there, wasn't it? Yeah, but but to, to be clear, I don't think the kids were with this particular woman that accused them. I think it was oh. with someone before. Oh okay. Well, still. Yeah, no, but this is something. Did, yeah. This is something that's that's close to your heart. It's not just something you're talking about. You've experienced it. You've been a part of a home that's been affected by it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, since I was probably eight years old, just about every day, I ate all the way until I was fourteen, fifteen years old. Just about every day. Wow. My mom and my stepdad rolling around in the living room fighting. Wow. Did it ever get to the point? Did it ever get to the point where you got big enough where you felt like you can step in? Yeah, it was all the way until I was like thirteen. Then okay, you know, back then I just used to um, just try to like pull my mom or pull him off my mom and just like cry and stuff like that. Then, like whenever I was thirteen, then I just started like just swinging on him when wow. I um. He started attacking my mom. Are they still together? No, no. That's the one of the reasons why we moved to Houston. Oh, okay. We were living in New Orleans. That's the reason why we moved to Houston. Okay. To get away from him. Are you still close with your mom? Yes. Does she appreciate when you talk about this? Um, She really don't, you know, because she felt like that if she would never move, she knew I was going to kill him if we didn't move to um, to Houston. Wow. Because she said she's seen that look in my eyes that she knew I was going to kill him. And I believe I was too. And so everything happened for a reason. So I thank God we did move out of that situation. Do you know where he is? Yes, I know he's at. But you have no contact with him? I don't. My brothers and sister do because that's their dad. Okay, I understand. Um, and so now here you are. I mean, you know, you know how it is. Heavyweight division, people get excited, knockouts, things like that. Life is good for Derek Lewis. It feels like it's all coming together for you. Like for a minute, you know, the Mitrione fight, we, we weren't quite sure where you were going to go, but I, I'd have to say that, you know, you're one of the top prospects in this entire sport, or maybe you don't even consider yourself a prospect anymore. You're you're a legit contender. Think I feel like we're about to embark on something big here. Like this was that chapter closing where the next few fights are the big ones, maybe one, two away from really fighting for gold. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's what I predicted, you know, it's, um, it's in God's plan. So I believe like this year for anything and this one, I'll be fighting for the title by the end of Christmas, the close to Christmas. Wow. I might be the next title challenger. By the way, any sign of Ronda in Halifax? Um, actually I've been, they gave me a phone number. I've been tweeting her and messaging her, you know, I asked her to come on I'll take you out to Starbucks. I'll pay this time. Sure. But, you know, so nothing, I never got nothing back yet. Who gave you her phone number? Um, I think it was Edmund's brother, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's great. I love it. I love all the love that you're getting. It's an amazing story. I really, I mean, I remember when you made your debut in Orlando, I think it was in, uh, in the UFC and even going back to those early interviews, you were a little more, I guess, reserved with the media, but now we're seeing the full, you know, the real deal black beast. And I think it's, it's, it's fun to see you blossom in front of us. You're a media darling, they call it. You know, media darlings? 
Now, what's that? Well, you know, the media likes, you know, covering you. They like hearing you speak. They like the things, for the most part, that come out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. Like, get the bleep button ready for this right here. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure, dog. Whoever in control of Sure Dog that one writer do, I don't know his name or whatever, but fuck that guy, man. I, I saw a tweet. Talk all that shit. Yeah, you weren't happy uh, with, you're not happy with them for something? No, nah, fuck him. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, I read the, I read his article and he's just talking shit. Fuck him. What did he say? I didn't read the article. You got to go back and read the article. Was it disrespectful? Yeah, it was disrespectful. You're just talking shit. All right. Um, I'll check that out. Are you going to celebrate? Are there any parties coming back home? Anything going down? Um, I just had a wine and cheese party last week. Yeah, a couple of my um Caucasian Caucasian friends. Okay, you know, we had a good time. You know, with our pinkies up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing in Houston. Yeah, it was in Houston. Oh, it was. I thought it was in the hotel in Halifax. Oh, no. All right. I ain't celebrate. I ain't got a chance to celebrate out there. Okay. No, I'm, I celebrate this past weekend. I did. All right. Well, congratulations again. Life is good. Rockets are rolling. They just got Lou Williams killing it behind the yeah. the three point line. Life is good for the Black Beast. Yeah, life's okay. Yeah. No, I got to pay these taxes. Yeah, that's right. Coming up. That's right. So we'll see after that. You know, I can, really can't take too much time off. Right. Shit. Got to get my money back up after these damn taxes. So we'll see what Trump do. Talk to your boy Trump. I was just about to say that. Talk to your boy <laughs> Trump about that. Making America trill yeah, he, again. You run a rapper right now, man. It's crazy in the White House right now with Trump in there. It is. You know, I, was, I was pulling for him, but shit. He, he, he fucking up. Oh. You know, you know he's going back on a lot of stuff that he was saying. And, You're not impressed. You know, I'm not impressed so far. You're, you regret voting for him? No, I didn't vote for him. Oh, who'd you vote for? Hillary? I didn't vote for no one. Oh, but you were wearing the hat. Yeah, that doesn't mean I voted for him. <laughs> it seemed like a sign. Just like, just like I wear um Chicago Bulls hat. doesn't mean or, I like their team. I or Atlanta Braves. I saw you wearing an Atlanta Braves hat. Yeah, doesn't mean I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Fair enough. Fair enough. They could use you in the White House, though. Yeah, and just like you got that pink shirt on. Don't mean you're a sissy. Okay. You got a pink shirt, right? <laughs> Uh, we'll leave it at that. Derek, thank you very much for the time. Get well soon, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Always. Uh, there he is, Derek Lewis, joining us. Great stuff from him. Big win for him on Sunday night in Halifax. All right, let's move along. Uh, one of the big stories late last week, excuse me, late last year, I should say, was that Greg Hardy, the former Cal- Carolina Panther slash Dallas Cowboy Football player was transitioning to mixed martial arts. We had seen some photos of him training, but recently things have really ramped up as far as Greg is concerned. Uh, Training over at ATT, American Top Team in Coconut Creek, Florida, and uh, garnering some interest from local promoters. Um, I can add that he has recently signed with an MMA management team. He is now represented by first round management, which of course is headed up by one of the best in the business, Malki Kawa. And Greg Hardy is joining us right now on the phone, as well as his new MMA manager, Malki Kawa. Greg, are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Malki, are you there as well? 
Yes, sir. I'm here. All right, great. Um, well, l- let's get this started. A lot of interest in your interview, of course, Greg. I'm sure you're not surprised. Uh, first things first, as someone who, as far as I understand, had no background in martial arts, why did you decide to pursue this career in, in MMA? Uh, you know, honestly, it started just watching when I was coming up playing ball. I had a lot of interest in uh, the MMA and a lot of guys that were, you know, playing. They're wonderful athletes, man, and just really a beautiful sport and just the discipline that they have, you know, being an athlete, knowing what kind of discipline it takes to do the things that they, they're doing and watching guys like Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell and um, George St. Pierre, man, it's, just, it's a work of art. So I, I really was attracted to the, the allure of the sport, man, and it's just the discipline that they had. And am I correct in, in, in saying that you have no prior martial arts background, even as a kid, karate, taekwondo, etc.? Yes, sir, you are correct. And so at what point do you recall thinking, like, this is something I actually want to try? I mean, I know a lot of people say, oh, that'd be fun to find a cage, make some money. But at what point did you say, all right, I am actually going to pursue this? Do you recall? Uh, yes, sir. I was um, down in Carolina playing, and I just started you know, on my franchise year and just was honestly being an athlete, enjoying enjoying my time, and decided that I wanted to get into cross training to, to make myself better, and started with the boxing. And uh, once I got into boxing, man, I, like I said, I, just, I started enjoying the sport, man. Started enjoying the discipline and just the, the learning and how hard uh, those guys work is, is amazing. So it really it really drew me in. That being said, if you were still in the NFL, do you think it's fair to say that you would not be pursuing this? I do not think that is fair. Um, I think it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, just, you know, as far as boxing and MMA and just getting into the business and cross-training because it's wonderful for, for, for football players. It, it actually helps an athlete, you know, take the next step into into molding his game to something completely different. How did you end up going to Florida and linking up with American Top Team? Uh, originally, you know, it started with just joining up with um, Mal, Mal, Mal and joining the new team and kind of just showing show, show myself to these guys that, you know, I can, I can, I can be in this. I can do this. I can change. Cause this is the, that's a place where the best go to work. You know, they learn, they learn their disciplines, they train. And I felt like joining the team and joining those guys was something that, you know, it, it was a step that I had to take to change, change what I had going on in my life. And it was, it was a place where I needed to be. And, you know, being with Mal was a place I needed to be. So it just, it just felt right. I stuck how, with it. How long have you been there for? Um, three months so far. And is it true that you're living at their dorms? Yes, sir. Upstairs above the gym. What is that like? I mean, you're, you're a multimillionaire. You made a lot of money in the NFL. You're living in very small rooms, I'm assuming, with other fighters. Uh, mentally, how are you dealing with that? <laughs> it's, it's good for me. You know, it's a, it's a humbling experience, man. It's, it's, it's making me really, actually, it's making me really appreciative, you know, of everything that I've had and everything that I have and the opportunity that I have to kind of come in and, and show myself as a guy that's, that is is not what everybody says on TV, or he's not a monster. He's not a, you know he's not a killer, or a woman beater, or this that and the other. It gives me an opportunity to just come in and be a humble guy and learn, and you know, honestly, just be at the feet of all these champions that walk around like they're you know just normal guys. You know, like I said, it's a humble sport. So it's, it's really been a wonderful experience, man. Just being able to get in there, put in work, compete, train, and have the opportunity. To, you know, make myself better one more time, one last time, and, you know, in sports and in life in general. 
I recall when I reported that you were transitioning to MMA back in October, most of the responses were, oh, of course, given his background, as you mentioned, you know, domestic violence, things like that. This is the perfect avenue for him. A cage fighter. He's too aggressive. He likes to punch people, etc. Did you hear did you hear those comments a lot? And and if so, how did you react to them? Uh, honestly, I just try to tune a lot of it out. You gotta stay focused, especially you know in this kind of environment. Like I said, these guys take their their craft very seriously, and it's, it is a craft. I don't I don't really believe, especially being there for three months, that it's it's, it's about punching and knocking people out. These guys are some of the, some of the most disciplined people I've, I've seen on the face of this earth. So you know, it's, it's it's about the kind of human being you are. It's about what what you are. You know who you are. And I would say that the best, the best, the best way to just get to that is ignore everything around you. You know, kind of just make your space about being better at your craft, learning these crafts, and 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 becoming a, a becoming a person that can master these things. You know, from inside out. Do you have an anger problem? Do you feel like this kind of helps you? I, it's helped me in a lot of ways. You know, um, I have a lot of I have a lot of problems as a human being. You know, it's not it's not something that. You know, you do you do you just walk around saying I'm perfect or I'm, I'm good, man. I have a lot of different issues that you know I'm definitely working working through and working on. I would say this helps me channel everything. It helps me just come back down to earth. You know, be 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 humble because these are these are machines that you know that I see every day. I, I get choked out and punched in the face and laid <laughs> laid down laid down on the mat daily. You know, that's not something that a guy my size and my stature and with my history has has ever come across. So. It puts me in a place to where those things can can not I wouldn't say be you know be mastered or worked on, but it puts me in a place to where those things are, are relevant. That's not real, really really what it's about. It's about a, it's a it's a people thing. It's a person thing, and that's what the, that's what you learn, and that's what you that's what you're practicing on and perfecting every day. There. You said that you have a lot of issues that you need to work on. Do you mind expanding on that? Like, what are some of the the biggest issues right now that you feel like you need to work on yourself? My the biggest I feel like the biggest issues right now are myself. You know. Um, right now, not not exactly right now. In general, just you know, throughout life, just the last little bit of my life, the years that have you know led up to this moment, I need to work on Greg Hardy as an individual. And I made I made I made mistakes, and I've 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 heard people. I, I'm sorry, you know, that all that happened. I, I put those people in those situations, and that any of that happened because you know that's 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 not that's not really me. You know, I've had a lot of personal growth being being here. And those problems kind of just fold into place, and 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 you know they they help me channel anything that I got going on in life. You know, not just anything in particular individual. It helps me grow as Greg Hardy, as the guy that I want everybody to see me as, not what you know everybody hears and says and and talks about. It's me. It's me. It's really, it's really me learning about life and becoming better. Honestly. And so when I hear you say that, I, I'm reminded of that interview that you did with Adam Schefter last year. And, um, you know, it was highly publicized and you were somewhat criticized afterwards for some of your responses. Do you regret your responses? Do you regret the way you handled that interview? Yes, sir. And like I just said, it's me learning about life and, and, and becoming better. That, that was, a, that was an, a moment in life where I wasn't, I wasn't a shining example of what I wanted to be. It didn't come out exactly how I wanted it to come out. So I would say I, I would I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because I, I don't leave a I don't want to leave that, that that taste in anybody's mouth. But I want I want to say that it didn't portray me as the person that I, I feel like I want to be, you know, person that I'm trying to become right now. Do you feel like you were truthful in that interview? 
Yeah, I guess I try to I try I try to stay truthful in everything that I say and everything that I do. So, what do you regret about it? Uh, about the interview? Yeah, about your responses. What uh, are you talking about? Anyone in particular? Just in general? Oh no, that particular interview that I think was kind of like the last time people have seen you, you know, in a sit-down interview and heard from you in an extended period of time. Uh, that received a lot of criticism afterwards because I feel like some people didn't believe your responses, to be quite frank. And I was wondering if you regretted yep. some of the answers and regretted some of the things that you said in the interview, in hindsight. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much... I, I, I kind of I regret overall just the way it came across. You know, it, it, was a, it was a moment where I needed to portray something for myself, you know, not to make anybody believe anything, but just, you know, as, as a man and as a person, I wanted to get something across and that didn't get across. You know, the fact, the fact that it wasn't, I wasn't able to let people know how sorry I was about it. Like that, that, that was something that really frustrated me the way that it, like the outcome that, you know, people got from it. Malky, when did you sign Greg? I signed Greg probably about... <clears throat> I want to say about a couple of months ago. It was about two months ago. About three months ago when he started the American Top Team. It was like right before that. It was about uh, maybe two or three weeks before that. Was this a no-brainer for you or did you have reservations as well? And if you did, what did you go about doing in order to find out that this was someone that you wanted to be in business with? Well, I mean, look, here, here's the thing, right? So from an from a athlete standpoint, you know, it's a no-brainer. The kid, you know, I mean, look, we all know that the weakest division in, in almost all of sports is the heavyweight division, right? You, there's a few guys that are shining stars, like my client, you know, uh, who you just had on, Derek Lewis. I think, you know, you get certain guys that can do this. And when you see a guy of, of, of uh, Greg Hardy's athletic ability, from that standpoint, it was a no-brainer. Um, but for me, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a father to a little girl, and I understand the reservations a lot of people had. So, you know, I um, got connected with Greg, and we just sat down and talked. I just had a heart-to-heart with him. I just told him straight up, said, listen, talk to me like a man. Don't talk to me like I'm somebody that you got to interview for a job. I don't want to be bullshitted. I want to know the truth, and I want to I hear it from your mouth. And, you know, he laid it all out in line, and he, he told it to me, and, and, and I, I did my own research. I backed up some stuff. He backed up some stuff, looked at some things. And at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, we're not here to judge people, man, and, 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 and I feel like, you know, he wanted a second opportunity at things, and he, you know, he asked me if I would represent him, and and if I would, you know, help him with his MMA career, and and you know, go from there. And I said to him, okay, cool, but here's the deal: a, you got to train, and you got to train just like my fighters do. We're not training on some Greg Hardy special edition P90X. You woke up one day and you have some idea. This is I call the shots. This is what you got to do. And when you get to the coaches, they call the shots. This is what you got to do. And he said, okay. So I, you know, when when we got on the American Top Team. Um, the funniest thing was seeing that little twin bed he has to sleep in. Like it's something smaller than what my own kid sleeps in. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, he's he's not gonna make it. And first week goes by, and the second week goes by, and you know you call him and check up on him, and you know he gets kicked in the head, and he's like, man, I got kicked in the head today, dude, and it didn't feel good, and I was real pissed. And but you know what, I, I'm in, I'm loving it, and he's doing his job and he's doing his thing. And the other thing is, you know, I talked to him about. It. I said, listen, you know, um. Uh, for me to really actively represent you and, and really get into this thing, you know what I mean? I want to help you, and I want to make sure that that, uh, that people start to, to, to know about you the way I know you and learn about you, but I also want you to, to, to take, you know, get extra help. And he agreed, and, and um, you know, Greg's going to – I told him that he had to, you know, go to uh, uh, rehab and anger management, you know, get some help for anger management, rehab, and just, you know, say, talk to somebody on a weekly basis. And, you know, he said, perfect. He said, no problem, we'll do that. So he's starting that on Monday, um, a week from today. He's got, you know, his last court case this week. 
we're hoping to get that out of the way, get that cleared up, and then you know have him uh, enter that on Monday and just start working with the professionals. And he'll do that for as long as he has to. And, and you know he understands the role he has to um, uh, to abide by. And then I think he he does. And he's done a great job so far. And I can't complain. What's the court case for next week? Uh, he's got a, he has a situation with a uh, possession of a uh, of, uh, of a drug and stuff like that. And it was it's it's I mean. It's, it's, it's getting dropped. I think it's getting you know resolved. Obviously, he just had to, to, to do some things that the court asked, and I think that uh, on Saturday he'll get a favorable, uh, uh, favorable, favorable outcome from the judge. Greg, are you on board with all of this? Going to see a counselor, anger management, all that stuff. Do you want to do that as well? Yes, sir. I think it's a I think it's a big part of me changing and actually just showing people that I want to change. And that's you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's been a big thing for me. Having the actual opportunity See, Ariel, to show people being judged. Yeah, Ariel, but my biggest thing with him was, I, you know, I don't have time to waste, right? I don't want to be in the business of the Greg Hardy business to do MMA just as some sort of, like, stunt. Either you're in, you're in. If you're in, then, then prove it. And he's like, look, whatever you say. So I've kind of put some stuff that he might not even need on him to do, and he's, you know, he's done it all. And I, I just think that there's – the one thing I love about martial arts is that, you know, you ask him a question. Have you ever done – karate or this or that when he was younger, right? He said no. Um, but he started boxing while he was in college, and he started boxing more when he got to the pros, and he started understanding the discipline, and he liked it, right? He goes off to the left, he got in some trouble, he comes back. And for me, I believe that between talking to people and martial arts and the discipline of martial arts, he can become a world champion. He could be, you know, the biggest bust that, that MMA has ever seen. We know this sport is not, you know, uh, a friendly sport. Whatever can happen. My thing was, I just wanted to give him a chance and help him you know what I mean? Uh, get back out there for people to see him different. I mean, this is a, a, a guy that for whatever he's done or didn't do, you know what I mean? He's sorry for it. And, you know, I'm nobody to judge anybody. And if I can help him through mixed martial arts, that was my whole goal with this thing. But I needed him to prove that to himself and not just to me or anyone more than to himself. You know what I mean? He's got a family. He's got children. They've got to all look at this at some point. And he has to be able to look them in the face and say, you know what? I, uh, I did what I did, you know, for whatever it was, what it's not worth, whatever. But I did everything I could also to, to, to make it right. And, you know, he plans on, on giving back to the community afterwards and mentoring young, young uh, kids. And, and uh, once this, you know, once he gets, I think, to a point where he's comfortable doing what he's got to do, I think he'll, uh, what do you call it, be able to be a bigger uh, help to, to society than, than not for that. Malky, I'll ask you this in a second, but I want to ask Greg first. When this news came out, Greg, one of the more famous NFL reporters, Jay Glazer, came out and said that he hopes no MMA gym or coach gives you a chance to train in their gym, that you have no business competing in MMA, that it's a privilege. I mean, he was pretty vocal about not wanting you to be a part of mixed martial arts. Did you see those comments? And if so, what do you make of them? I didn't see a lot of them. Like I said, I try to stay out of the negativity, but I just try to kind of keep a, a cool head and just, you know, accept, accept, accept my lessons and everything that comes with it. And that's just one, that's just one of the things that I, the situations that I put myself in. So I, I can't, I can't really be upset about, you know, people's opinion uh, of how to view me in this set and the other. So Malky, you're a part of the MMA community. He was essentially speaking to you as well. What did you make of those comments? Did you think about them when you were considering whether or not you should sign him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I heard them, and it made me want to sign him even more. Uh, <laughs> because first off, number one, you know, who is Jake Glazier to talk on the behalf of the whole MMA community? That's number one. Number two, you know what I mean? I am the biggest fan of Mike Tyson, right? Love Mike Tyson to death. I think we all do in the MMA community. But when you're a guy talking about another guy, 
and he's not, you know, and you're wearing a Mike Tyson shirt who was convicted of, of you know, his own crimes, and obviously that's in the past and it's all that. I can't take that for anything more than the fact that you're just jumping on some bow wang and it sound like some sort of, like, you know, uh, you know, higher-than-thou type guy. And I don't know, Jay, he's a good dude, and I don't think he meant it like that. I just think that maybe at the time, you know what I mean, he's, he's upset and, 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 you know, everybody, every guy who's, you know, got a wife or a kid probably was disgusted by it and looked at it and, you know, doesn't really see everything or didn't see everything that I saw or all the, you know, the, the, the facts of the actual uh, situation. And, you know, when I saw, when I heard those comments, to be honest with you, Ariel, it's what made me want to sign him even more because I felt like, you know, we do this in society. People get in trouble and instead of helping them, we, 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 we kind of, you know, set them off on an island somewhere and we don't try to help them. We don't try to rehab them or try to put them back out there. And at the end of the day, as an agent and as a manager, you know what I mean? I realized some of the mistakes I've done in my past with some of my clients where I could have stepped in and helped and avoided a lot of situations. And so here, here's a, a guy like Greg Hardy. And I'm like, you know what? Why would MMA turn its back on a guy when martial arts itself was there always since the beginning to help kids, you know, people in general that wanted to kind of like have an outlet to go in there and learn discipline, uh, respect, honor, courage, bravery. I mean, George St. Pierre, you know, talks about uh, being bullied his whole life and what he used to fix that martial arts. Right. And there's other guys who you will tell you that I, you know, I was on, yeah, I was gangbanging. I mean, I think Tyron Woodley today said, that he was gangbanging um, when he was younger. People don't talk about that part of his story. He came from nothing, right? And he was doing a lot of things that, that probably would have ended him uh, up in jail. And look, now he's a, a husband, a father, you know, a champion of the UFC. Martial arts is an outlet for people to do better and become better. And I, and I think that this is what this guy was looking for and needed in his life. And why would we as a community turn our backs on him? I think we give him a chance and we give him an opportunity to show, um, to, to, you know, to, to, to either prove us right or prove us wrong, right? It's on Greg. So... If I can help be that guy, then why not? Greg, when do you expect to debut in MMA? <laughs> I would I would love to debut tomorrow, man. But like I said, I got a lot of respect for my coaches and, and, and the actual sport and seeing how how crucial and, and how hard these guys work, man, it's pretty much going to be, uh, to, like like man, I said, up to the coaches. Whenever they say I'm ready, uh, I'm going to be ready to go. But until then, I'm just going to keep my head down and – train and learn, you know, learn about, learn about that, what I'm doing, you know, who ha- perfect the profession entirely. Who has been taking you under their wing at ATT? Are you working with any group of coaches, fighters in particular? I mean, to, to, to my surprise, like I said, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't expect much, man, because I like to just, you know, stay quiet and t- t- like pretty much, so to speak, take, take it on, take it on the head. Because I put myself in this position, but like to, to my surprise, man, I got there and it was just like Mal, Mal said, like it was it was a community of people that respect what they do, and if you, I came in and, and respected what they did, and so I got a lot of attention from you know everyone, every everyone was willing to help, and um, I'm out there with King Mo and, and Bigfoot and you know Junior Dos Santos, you know slamming around a few face shots, shots, and working out with those guys and listening. You know, just not even to fighting, but listening to them talking and, and, and learning, man, learn what it's all about and how to do these things, not just fight, but how to be a fighter and how to, you know, have composure, you know, stuff that, you know, a young man needs to, needs to learn. And I feel like I just got, I, I, like, it's not one guy. I keep getting it from everybody. I'm learning every single discipline that I can. You know, I'm just really excited to be in a place where I have the opportunity to, to show people that I, I want to be here. Do you have... I think I, I, Sorry, sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. And I said, I think that just allows me to to, to work with uh, with everybody, you know, with Co- Coach Dean, Coach Conan, just you know, and these guys are really and all the kindness to their heart took me in. And it's just it's a blessing I get to work with everybody. Do you want to go back to the NFL? If you're given an opportunity by any team, would you like to sign once again with an NFL team? Yes, sir. You better. Yeah, 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 sir. It's hard to say. It's hard to say no because that's what I, so it's, it's a passion of mine. It's what I love. You know, it's, it's something like martial arts for me right now. It's something I learned to love over time. You know, and enjoying the work. So I, I would love to get an opportunity to to, to do what I do what I was born to do. Are, are you playing that's in a now. spring league? Oh uh, yes, sir. When does that start? Uh, I believe it starts in April. So, what will you do as far as MMA training is concerned when that starts? Um, it's pretty much the same as I've been doing um, my whole career, just cross training. Like I said, it's this this kind of training that these guys do in conditioning is is, a, is, a, is above board. So, it, it's it's going to have me in, in impeccable. Well, it has me. And it's going to continue to keep me in impeccable shape and conditioning. So I'll just, I'll just cross train and and focus. You know, because this, this is, like I said, I'm in a I'm in a dorm room, so this is my life right now. But but if you don't play for a Florida team, how will you continue to train with ATT? Those are things we got to discuss in the future. Right now, I'm just trying to keep my singular focus on what I'm doing and give and give respect to to, to mixed martial arts and and learning it. You know, I want to go in and get, put put half half attention on it and excuse my language, half-ass it and not respect, you know, because right. that's a disrespect to the people that are there and the people that took me in. L- but so I wanna, l- I, I, my focus right now is being there. But let's say some, you know, let's say the Raiders, just for example, call you tomorrow and say, hey, we want you to be a part of the team, come to, you know, mini camp, training camp, etc. Are you dropping the MMA dream? You can't do both, right? And God says, do whatever fills your heart, you know, so... I feel like I would I would definitely go, you know, play football. That's what I do. Right. I think I would continue to train. Me and Mal can me and Mal would work it out. You know, I I put my trust in him, so whatever he would work out for me to make it happen and continue training because this is something that like I said it's something that, that um I I put, I put my whole self into. It's not just a athletic thing for me. It, it's something that's kind of helped me mold mold myself in a way that I ne- I've never really had. It's just normally been me out there against the world and now it's some you know, it's people and it's a, it's a community and it's a disciplines that help me be Greg, about better Greg, but you know, Greg in general. You, you said a few times, Greg, I would, I would definitely have stick with it. you said a few times that you put yourself in this position, that, that this is on you. What do you mean by that? I mean, cause, cause you've, you've also said that you've never, you know, touched a woman and all this stuff. So how, how did you put yourself in this position? Honestly, I believe we all, you know, there's standards that everybody has for, 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 um, for, you know, Woodley and, Tom Brady, there's standards for champions, there's standards for Pro Bowl players, there's standards for the people that, you know, put themselves up there athletically in a good way, so there should be standards. You shouldn't be out at night. You shouldn't be, just things like that. Like, God gives you opportunities and chances, you know, and you make those decisions and choices. And every decision and choice I made, I made it. Mm-hmm. You know? and that was uh, Ariel, it, that's it, one really, of the things he told me, Ariel, I mean, Ariel, that was one of the things he told me, that was one of the things he told me when I originally met him. He said, you know, the biggest mistake I made in all this was the fact that I was even there in the first place. A lot of times, guys, when they get in trouble, it's never them, right? And that's what we always hear, and it's always around the people they hang around with or where they're at and what they're doing. And I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to blame this on circumstance or whatever, but you know, you can start to kind of see the growth of what he's, he's going through where he's starting to realize, like, hey, 
I don't need to be out at night, late night. I don't need to be drinking. I don't need to do drugs. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. You know, this is, these were opportunities that, that I was blessed with that I need to take advantage of and, 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 you know, uh, maximize and have a great career and go from there and not put myself in situations to where things like this happen. And I think that's, you know, part of it is when you realize, Hey, you know what I mean? I may have not done this. This is what I'm telling the world, right? I didn't do this, but at the end of the day, you know what I mean? The fact that I'm here, I'm even in this situation is my fault. And then you begin to start taking, you know what I mean, accountability of everything that happened and, and go from there. And I think that's, you know, what he's been doing. And that's one, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, when, when, when we talked, is one of the main things that stuck with me was his, you know, the way his mind was working was like he started to realize, like, man, look, I don't need to go. When, when he came to Florida, he said to me, all I need is a place to stay and a way to get around. And I said, well, they have dorms on top of ATT. He was like, all right, that's cool. I really thought he was BSing me. And when I showed it to him, when we got there and we looked at it, it was it literally it's a twin bed. It's a sm- it's small. They're not you know huge. Dorms are nice. Don't get me wrong. Dan Lambert did a great job. But you know, and when he went in there, um, he's been there, and you know, he sticks there for a couple of weeks at a time. Goes back to Dallas to to check up on his uh on his uh mom and kid, and comes right back down and does it again. And, and you know that's been his his uh routine for the last the last couple of months. So. Uh, two last things for you, Greg, and I, I appreciate both of your times very much. When's the last time you had any kind of drug slash alcohol? <laughs> it's been a while. I don't even think I can remember. It's, it's been a while, man. I, I, had, I had an eye-opening experience. Like like, like Mal said, man, it's just once you start realizing that it's your fault and that you were in a place that you know everybody wants to be and you remove yourself from that place, man, you start looking at the reasons, so... There was, there, was, there was a lot of reasons of why I wasn't there, and I just started eliminating those and trying to, you know, figure it out. Because I, I didn't know, you know, and that was... Are, are you, ref- much, are you referring to the, the arrest in September? All, I'm, all of it. All, okay. No, really. And You don't go from being a franchise... You don't go from being a franchise tag defensive end to being nobody. Right. And everything went right. Is that how you feel right now? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's how it makes you feel. Just like, yeah, it feels like I, I did this to me, and it, and, it, and it sucks. And I was, I was where I needed to be. I had everything that I wanted, and you know, the the normal story is, man, somebody took it away, and I like, I don't have that. Like, I took it away from myself. Like, now I'm a no, I'm nobody. Uh, you know, I'm I'm nowhere. I'm just in the middle of of where I put myself. So, yeah. And you know, I, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but, you know, throughout this interview, I'm getting a lot of comments, a lot of people saying like, you know, we don't want him in MMA, things like that. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot of time to get people back, um, you know, supporting you and wanting to see you succeed given the stories of the last couple of years. But I would be remiss if I don't ask you the same question that Adam asked you last year. And that's this one, because this is the one that people keep bringing up. Have you ever put your hands on a woman before? Have I ever put my hands on a what? Have you ever put your hands on a woman before? Oh, no, sir. So anyone accusing you of being a woman beater, anything like that, those are false, those are unfair? Yes, sir. And like, and like I said, man, it's, it's, I'm in this position that I'm in. I, I did it to myself, but at the same time, nobody knows the whole story. So I have to I have to take everything with the, with a grain of salt. Those people that don't want me there, I understand. You know, and like I said, God says be understanding. You just gotta you gotta you gotta take you gotta take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not Junior Dos Santos that's been here and putting in the hard work all these years. I'm a new guy coming into their sport that you know these guys built. 
So that, that, that that's something that's gonna come along with it. I just like I said, I, I just like Mr. Lambert. Like I appreciate them guys, those guys, and Mal let me come in and have the opportunity to prove that I belong here. That I'm somebody that can actually help. The, the, the sport and bring you know a work ethic or something good whatever I can bring that's good to it so that you know it, people don't go to thinking instantly when you hear my name out oh, Greg is a wife beater Greg is a woman beater and I, I like honestly I wish the stuff I wish it never happened like I'm sorry for everything that everything and everybody that I hurt and it's just it, and like coming from that place like that it makes you grateful for the opportunities that you have not you know worried about the negative people that are coming in like they they have a right to have that opinion mm. i'm telling you, i answered your question and then i stick to my answer because it's, it's the truth mm. but because of what i did like mal said the reasons i was there any of it all of it i had i did the work i had it all and i gave it away so they have the right to think those things i just i'm glad that like mr lambert and and all these guys are giving me like the, the opportunity i'm grateful and to come in and not be nobody, be somebody that kids like that. My son will like that. My mom, you know, like my mom and my sisters and my aunts, these people that I've been trying to make proud my whole life, you know, will be proud of. And, and hopefully I win these people over. And if not at minimum, I hope that I prove and show everybody that I'm, I'm a Greg Hardy that that's worth, that's worth putting somebody, their name beside and behind and that you can respect and bring something good to the sport at minimum. But that is a that is a major label to have on you. That has to bother you, right? If you if you're saying it's the truth that you've never done this before, and then you're saying people have the right to believe that because you put yourself in those situations, that has to eat you inside. That people feel, I mean, so passionately that you are this quote unquote monster that has been, you know, call, you've been called that many times. You've been called worse, to be honest. So that doesn't that doesn't kind of beat you up inside. That doesn't kill you inside. That people say that about you. It, it hurts. And honestly, the closer the people are to me, the more it hurts. But that's just the world that we live in today. And I would honestly implore everybody to go check out the story. Read, like, find the facts, because this is not the whole story. That's not me. And I think that's what hurts. Like you said, that's what hurts the most, that it's not me. Like, I have to live with this stigma every day and actually be okay with it and calm with it. Because like I said, I had, you don't get to have everything and then lose it and then say that it's somebody else's fault. No matter what happened, you did it, didn't do it, it doesn't matter. But the hardest thing is to live with this stigma every day and have the people closest to you live with it too. Like my mom has to deal with this. My, my sister, my mom's a detective, you know, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, oh, she was a detective, the police detective. And then my sister, I've, I take on my sisters and like, these are the people that I, I care about and I see every day. And I like, they know that I'm working to get better. And the hardest part is, you know, not having the world know that I'm working to get better, not because I'm trying to pull a stunt, but because I'm working to fix myself. Uh, last quick thing for you, Malky, because we do have to run. Any offers on the table, any interest from promoters right now for Greg? Yeah, all over the place. I, I mean, I could get Greg a fight next week if I want to. I just I just haven't uh, done it yet because I just, I just want him to take his time and to really go through the process of training and, you know, getting better at, you know, his skills and, 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 you know, and, and like I said, also too, he has to go to, you know, uh, rehab next week and he starts counseling next week and all that stuff. And, you know what I mean? I just want to make sure I cross all my, uh, T's and dot all my I's when it comes to him. And, you know, when he, re when he's ready, I'm hoping to be able to bring a fighter to, to a cage somewhere that, you know, is a complete person, you know, not just a complete fighter, but a complete person. And that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, the requirements I put on him. And that's the requirements I got to kind of put on myself and managing him is to stick to all that. And, no matter how well he does or 
or how long this might take that we, we just let it, you know, time take its course and, and we go from there. So we're just trying to fix each thing, you know, step by step and then go from there. And hopefully it, it uh, you know, it all works out. And, and, and you know, we, we can look back at this 10 years from now and say, you know what I mean? Thank you to the MMA community and, and, and to everybody else for, for giving them this opportunity. Greg, thank you very much for the time. Best of luck in your training. And, and Malky, thank you as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. There you have it. So them's the facts. Make out of it what, what, what you will. And uh, we can talk about it a little later on in the show. Greg Hardy, certainly a polarizing figure, more so than that, a controversial figure. Uh, he, he wants to enter the MMA world. He's got a checkered past, to say the least. Asked him as much as possible on it, and it's up to you now to decide whether you want to support his mixed martial arts endeavors. Let us move along now and welcome in our next guest. Let's go to the Skype machine now and welcome in my good pal, the Russian Hammer, Artem Lobov. There he is. Nice to see a happy face here. Um, hey, Ar- up, Artem was not happy with me when I saw him in Manchester. I saw him at the uh, the Conor McGregor interview, and he was not happy. You thought that I did not pay enough attention to your big win over Ishihara. Is that not accurate, Artem? Yeah, because I, you know, I didn't see you in Belfast, yeah, and I didn't see you really tweet much about it, even you know prior to the event. And I thought, geez, what's going on here? Is this not big enough for for Ariel? He's he's getting. A bit too big for this uh, fight fight nights, and he just wants to report on the on the big on the big cards. Sort of like Connor himself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're the Connor McGregor of uh, right. MMA journalism. <laughs> no, I would never say such a thing. And and I told you you were wrong. I tweeted all about it. I said it was your best performance in the cage. I thought it was your best performance in UFC. You finally felt comfortable out there. It was a big win over a big prospect. So I think you have to go back and look at the tweets. But I'm happy to put that beside us, behind us, because you got a big fight now against Cub Swanson in Nashville. And when this was announced for April 22nd, a lot of people thought, wow, Cub Swanson is going from Duho Choi to Artem Lobov, this is a step back. You've heard these comments. What do you say to those people? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's a situation I like to be in. It's a situation I have been in uh, before, you know, prior to this. Uh, I'm sure I mentioned this to you before. In my second fight, I took on uh, Dave Hill, who at the time was a top 10 fighter in Europe. And that was only my second fight. And, like, even I actually have the video of the fight, and I was kind of re-watching it recently. And um, the commentators were struggling with things to say about me because there was nothing really to say about me. The only thing they could say was that I come from Straight Blast Gym, and that was it. But guess what? I won that fight, and I took that fight on four days' notice. Uh, so this is, you know, this is nothing new to me. You know, people will doubt you. That's fine. You know, I'm ready to go. This is exactly the position I want to be in. I have a lot to prove in this fight, and I'm ready to do that. Do me a favor, Artem. Can you lower your screen a little bit? Because there's so much headroom. I want to see your... There we go. Look at that. Now you're looking good. I like it. Got a little beard going. Very nice. Um, you were you were kind of going after Just Cub. being lazy. No, no. It's good. It's a good look. Yeah. You, why? Why Cub? Uh, f- uh, well, you know, like I, I watched there. To be honest, Cub Swanson, you know, I've, I've been watching him for many years and he has a very good style. You know, he likes to stand and he, you know, he goes for it. And when I've seen his fight against uh, Choi, you know, I thought, you know, that was a great fight. I, I'd love to be involved in one of those. And realistically, I thought that they were going to, they might give me Choi. I didn't actually expect to, be, to get Cobb, even though I wanted him, uh-huh. but I wasn't sure will they give him to me. But, you know, in the end, they did. You know, uh, all I had to do was message Sean. Wow. All I did was I messaged Sean Shelby, and I said, 
Sean, I know you probably think that Cub will uh, beat me, but please let me prove you wrong. And he didn't respond for many weeks. And then he goes, here you go, Artem. Cubs wants in main event. Do you want it? I said, hell yes. And that was it. It was done. Okay, so you say main event, but now there are reports that they're doing Masvidal Maya as yeah, the main event. What's I, going I've on? I've seen that, yeah. I've seen that. I'm not really sure. I haven't heard anything, but that makes no difference to me. You know, all that means to me that uh, my fight is going to be is going to be on a little bit earlier on the night. You know, I, I don't really care where I am, uh, whether I'm the, the first fight of the night or the last. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I'm in the UFC because I wanted to take on the best guys in the world, and I'm moving in the right direction now. So I'm happy about that. But are you more in favor of a five round fight as opposed to three rounds, or you don't care? I don't really care. The preparation was going to be the same either way, you know. You know, it would have been nice probably to to go the five rounds, you know, because I've never done that before. But um, it makes no difference, really, to be honest. If I was fighting a wrestler, I probably would favor the five rounds, yeah. Because sometimes guys can try and make it boring, and they they try and steal rounds, and you know, in a three round fight, if you lose one round. You know, it gets it gets very like sketchy. You know, you can't really take many risks anymore. Whereas in the five round fight, you can really go for it. You know, and uh, it doesn't matter if if you end up losing a round because you can get it back. Were you surprised that he accepted the fight? That he took this one? Yeah, to be honest, actually, the fact that it was probably a main event from the st- at the start that probably helped <laughs> seal the deal. So it probably turned out, you know, good for me this way. Because I'd say, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's probably looking at like, you know, the top five guys in the division. Uh, but the fact that this was the main event, that probably helped uh, to sell it to him. So so were you specifically told this was going to be the main event? Yeah. Wow. That's, that, was, that was the message I received uh, saying, you know, main event. And then obviously I got the contract as well, which said five rounds. Uh, main event, you know, so. Huh, that is yeah. interesting. So, um, mm. but you have not been told it's not the main no event. I have no issue with that. Okay. Uh, well, I haven't been told by them yet. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen the reports today that Maya is going to be fighting and I have no issue with that. You know, all that means to me is that there is going to be more eyes on my fight mm. when I prove everyone wrong. Um, the comments that we often hear and they were very loud when this fight was announced. Oh, you know, Connor's buddy, he's only in the UFC because of Connor. Do you hear those comments and do they bother you? All the time uh, I hear them, but they don't bother me at all. You know, I, I've said it before. Yes, me and Connor are, you know, uh, uh, very, very good friends. And uh, he certainly has helped me get into the UFC. Um, you know, it is what it is. It, it makes no difference to me. For me, it's 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 my biggest sporting achievement being Conor McGregor's sparring partner. You know, I, I said this before, it's not an easy spot to be in. And many try to be in the spot and failed. You know, I'm not in the spot because, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good looking or whatever. You know, I'm in the spot because I'm the toughest motherfucker around, mm. you know, and, uh, and I have been for many, many years. So, um, you know, to me, that, that's, that's not offensive. If anything, I, I take pride in that. So it doesn't bother me at all. Why did you look so good against Ishihara? Why? I mean, you, you seem like a much more confident fighter. Um, the performance, I mean, and, and also it was against the best opponent I thought you faced in the UFC this far. It all yeah. seemed to come together for you. Why do you think that is? Uh, to be honest, like I, I've, uh, this has been a uh, thing about me, you know, in the past as well. I, I seem to do a lot better against better guys. Mm. 
Uh, I think maybe it's because I spend so much time sparring Connor, you know, I'm, I'm, I, and I expect, you know, certain reactions from fighters. And when they're not as good, they don't have those reactions. They don't react the same way. They don't do the same things. And then, you know, sometimes I can spend a little bit too much time kind of expecting something and it doesn't come. Whereas the better guys, they, they're closer to that level that I'm used to dealing with. So I think it just seems more familiar and I do well. Well, that's my theory on it, but... I don't really, I don't know. Maybe I just rise up to the occasion or whatever. I don't know. What a nice moment it was afterwards when you won and Connor jumped in the cage. You guys were hugging. It was like the ultimate fighter all over again, right? Yeah. That was really cool. Exactly. That's why, that's why I, 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 I wasn't, I was asking him to jump and I was screaming because <laughs> he wasn't going to do it. Obviously, you know, we're in Belfast and it's an actual event. Now there's people around. So, you know, he, you know, but I felt like I, I kind of like twisted his arm a little bit because I wouldn't stop screaming. I was like, get in the cage, get in there. Just because, you know, I obviously missed his fight in, in New York. Right. And uh, like you said yourself, he had done this in the Ultimate Fighter. So it was, you know, a great celebration of our two wins. And uh, it was just a very good moment. Will he corner you in Asheville? Uh, probably uh, not because uh, his baby is due around That's that right. time. So I wouldn't expect him to, uh, to do that, of course. Um, and like I said, to be honest, by the time it comes to cornering, uh, the work is done. Yeah. I am sparring him quite a good bit now uh, in preparation. So, you know, he he has he will certainly, you know, uh, uh, give me what I need for the win, you know, in the sparring, in the training. So and when the fight comes, all the work is done. There's no really a need for him to be there. In fact, I do think a video surfaced of you two sparring in, in, in boxing. Um, there was no confirmation yeah. that it was you, but that was you, right? Yeah, that was me, yeah. And then you had all these uh, these sports guys, I don't know, in the United States, critiquing this 10-second video and saying how bad he looked at sparring and how he looked slow and things like that. Did you see this and do you find it funny? Of course, you know, it's all these experts, you know, like, uh, look at them, you know, the truth is none of them haven't got a breeze, you know, what's going on. You know, I was the one that after Brimish fight, I said straight away that he was going to destroy Aldo because that is, in that fight, you can actually see how he would be a very difficult fight for Aldo. But not a single one of them experts picked it up. And now suddenly they all seem to know, you know, oh yeah, look, I, they all seem to say that they, they knew that he was going to do it to Aldo, but they didn't. They haven't got a breeze. In fact, in terms of actual stand-up fighting there are very 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 few people out there that understand it mm. even that are fighters themselves and coaches themselves in jiu-jitsu you get a lot of people that actually understand it and know what's going on but in in uh, stand-up fighting very very few so break some news for us is this going to happen is the mayweather fight going to happen um i certainly hope it will happen what do you got um, it was a fight that <laughs> oh my god I, I mean I don't really know you're better off asking you know Connor uh, uh, himself you're the guy you're the one who's in there with him you know what he's preparing for yeah well I mean we're ready you know what I mean we're ready we're getting ready for that fight you know what I mean we're, we're you know make no mistake about it you know Connor is ready to go so uh, uh, he's a loaded weapon so you know if whenever Mayweather wants to you know sign on the dotted line you know we're good to go because you know I you know, Mayweather, he is he's a big man for talking, but whether he will actually fight, whether he actually wants the fight, um, I don't know. You, you, I don't know. You think it happens, though? What do you think? Better chance yes or no? 
I don't know. I will say this, right? I was the one that first suggested to Connor that this is the fight to make. Really? This was years and years ago. Yeah. Wow. This was before he even became a, world, a champion in the UFC. Even wow. before he became featherweight champion. I just told him, I said, look, look at boxing. This is this is a way forward, you know. It, you know, there's, especially at the time, it was way more money, you know, in boxing. And I just knew that Connor would be trouble for all of them. Including Mayweather. Wow! So you know, uh, so you deserve a cut. Really if this fight gets done, you deserve a cut of that <laughs> pie. That hundred million dollars, whatever. I want to see you get at least twenty percent. <laughs> Stop! Come on! No, I just want to see it happen. All right, if it happens. That's it. That that'll make me happy. I honestly, I would love to see it happen because you know, all like you say again, there's more and more haters, and I would just love for Conor to shut them up. He 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 is so good at shutting them all up. He he's the best out there doing that, and I would love for him to do it on this occasion again as Mayweather. Because trust me, if I'm honest, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I don't see Mayweather making it past the six rounds. Wow, honestly, you think he knocks him if out? If it was Pacquiao, I don't see I don't see Pacquiao making it past two rounds. Wow, wow. Um, and look, and I was the one that predicted sure. the one minute against Aldo. There is an interview of me. I can't find it now, but there is a video of me saying uh, that Conor keeps talking about four minutes. He kept saying four minute mark is going to stop Aldo, and me saying right before the fight, no, forget the four minutes. It doesn't get out of the first minute. And sure enough, it was. And I'm sure I got a lot of hate for that back then as yeah. well. But you know, trust me, I, I know something. You know, I've inspired this man for a very, very long time, and I, you know, I've watched this game for many, many years. So I understand the thing or two. So you're the real Mystic Mac, right? Exactly. And you guys have made a habit out of calling your shots. So give us the prediction for Cub Swanson. Ah, uh, um. I, I know I've been saying this a lot now that I'm going to get the knockout and it hasn't happened. But against Ishihara, I almost got it. Yeah, yeah. If you watch back at the end of second round, yeah. I, I should have thrown a, a left hand, a right uppercut, and that would have stopped the fight just down the middle. But I, I, I kind of got overly excited a little bit and I landed a lot of shots on his arms. Um, but that would have ended the fight. And at the end of the third round as well, he was finished. He stopped fighting. If I had 10 more seconds, that was getting stopped as well. Uh, but fair enough, I didn't get it. You know, he, he hung in there. He's a tough guy. But I think against Cobb, I get it done. You know, wow. he comes in, he's very open. He throws wild shots. Um, and he has never, I promise you, never in his life felt power like I have. Even against um, Aldo? I, I'm the hardest hit. Say that again? Even against, against Aldo. Aldo has, doesn't have that kind of power in his hands. No chance. Aldo, yeah, what, what Aldo is good at is the leg kicks. That's what kind of, yeah. you know, opened a lot of doors for him. You know, he would land the leg kicks and then the shots would come from there. But in terms of his hands, he doesn't have, I mean, he has power. Of course he does, but nowhere near the power that I have. I, I promise you that now that Conor is gone from the division, I am the hardest hitter in the division by a long shot. Wow. Um, he told me that he is going to teach you a lesson about manners because you are very rude in calling him out. What's your response? Well, I, I look forward uh, to that uh, lesson, you know, because I'm going to be the one teaching him the lesson, uh, not to fuck around with the Russian hammer. <laughs> Artem, I love it. No, but in all honesty, yes. you know, I, I look forward to the fight. Honestly, you know, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even bring myself to like hate on the guy or slag him. I, I actually am genuinely so excited for this fight. This is the matchup that I dreamed of. You know what I mean? This guy, he, he lets me show my skill. 
he's the guy that that puts me out there. He's the guy that first of all gonna help me break into the top ten. Not that I care about the rankings, but still, it'll be nice uh, to be ranked. And he's the guy that will really, uh, truly allow me to show my potential. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes it's fun um, when there's no title at stake. Two guys, they pick the fight. You know, wherever it is. This case, social media. Let's make it happen. Um, and a very fun styles matchup because, you know, with your striking, his striking, what he's coming off, what you're coming off. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. It goes down November 22nd in Nashville, Tennessee, Artem Lobov against Cub Swanson. Great to catch up. Thank you for forgiving me, Artem. And we'll talk to you after the win. How about that? All good. No, (laughs) there was nothing to forgive you for. You know, I believe I didn't go back to check on your tweets, but you know, I take your words. Yes. I I believe you did then. So all right, we're good. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck in preparation. Thank you very much for having me on the show once again. There he is, the Russian hammer, Artem Lobov. Big fight for him. Will it be the main event? We don't know just yet. It's looking like not, but we'll talk about that a little later on in the program. For now, let's move along. Uh, Brooklyn, UFC 208. Just a few weeks ago, we're still talking about it and really wanted to have Holly Holm on the program to talk about the fight, where she goes from here, a little bit removed from it all. And she's kind enough to join us on the phone right now. Holly, are you there? I'm here. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for the time. I understand you went on a bit of a vacation after the fight, right? Were you not in Peru? We had a friend's wedding down there, so it was a quick trip, but it was fun. and Just you know, home a couple of days and then back out. But um, I'm back and kind of just training a little bit already here. I don't want to overdo it, but just a little bit. So we're around three weeks removed from the fight. The the kind of competitor that you are, and you talked about, you know, the losing streak and all that before the fight, is it still eating at you? How are you coping with it all, especially given the controversial nature of it? Um. I really, I mean, I know a lot of people say that, that I won the fight three rounds to two regardless of the late hits and all this, but um, I don't ever want a victory like that. I, like, for, you know, people, like, I, as far as you're feeling everything, like, I don't necessarily want it overturned to where I'm, like, a win, but I definitely want to, you know, kind of just, I want a rematch, and so hopefully with the appeal, that will kind of help with that. Um, I feel like I had her also you know, so badly rocked in the last round that I should have just sat back and picked my shots and not even left it up to the judges, you know. So there's a lot of things that I still look in myself that I could have done better and I should have done better. I know I could have done better. Um, in hindsight, everything is twenty twenty. you know. Um, I'm not... Um, I'm not so down and out, you know. I, I know that I'm still capable and I still want to move forward and... Um, I just hope I get the rematch and or whatever else comes. But, um, yeah, it sucks to be in a position. I have a de- depressing spot, really. But um, I still know that I have big things for my future, and I still know that I'm very capable. So um, what can I do? I can't change the past. I just want to move forward. Do you have an update from the New York State Athletic Commission about your appeal? No, I don't know anything yet. And, honestly, I just kind of left that up to my management team anyway, just you know, they just said, hey, we thought about doing that too. And you know, I'm always, I always kind of follow their lead, like their advice. I said, whatever you guys think is best, you know. And um, I just kind of let it be. Uh, not, I don't really want to be 
forceful on anything. I just, you know, let's appeal it. Let's see what happens. And in the meantime, I'm just going to be me and train and still keep trying to get better. Are you confident that anything is going to happen? I mean, typically, even if something controversial happens, it's very hard. It never really gets turned, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you I think know. it's Um, I think that, I think that it's, it, in this case, it's possible only because of, it's not just like scoring, you know, it's not just like the judges scoring. It's kind of a, um, it's kind of like controversial with, points taken away and stuff like that as well. I don't think they'll go through and say, oh, you have a, a win over it. I think that, you know, I don't know. So maybe do even a no contest or, I don't know. Um, regardless, I just, I want to be able to still have an opportunity to go forward. I, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't want to have a victory that way. That does, To me, that's not like a real victory. But um, I would just love to be able to have the opportunity to do it again. Have you watched the fight again? No, I haven't. I mean, I've seen clips and my my coaches have watched it and, you know, we kind of talked about it. Um, so I haven't watched it, no. Is it fair to put the majority of the blame on the referee, Todd Anderson, who didn't step in as opposed to Jermaine? Or do you think as a fighter... Yes. Oh, hello? Are you still there? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Um, you know, there, the, there is that sort of rule that, you know, it's the role of the referee to step in yeah. to break you guys up, but as fighters as well, you are programmed, um, uh, you know, you hear the horn, you kind of stop. H- how, where do you fall? Like now with some separation and I know you said you were disappointed in Jermaine afterwards. Do you feel like it's fair to blame her as well? Or should all the blame yeah. be on the referee? Well, of course she did. Orange. They might just waiting for the bell. You hear the 10-second, you know, tap before that. You know the bell's even coming. So, no, she wasn't going to hear the moment, and especially not doing it twice, and especially, you know, kind of the cockiness she had after it. But even still, um, I wish I would have just kept going after the bell, too. You know, I'm not trying to be like a, a wuss about it and whine. That's, not, that's definitely not what I'm trying to do. And I think that's a hard spot for me. A lot of people keep saying, well, she hit you after the bell. How do you feel? And it's like, well, I'm a fighter. I'm not going to sit here and whine about it, like, you know, and complain. Because there's a lot of things that I could have done fight just on my own anyway. And, um, but, I mean, at least at least own it. She knows she did it on purpose. And one of them definitely rocked me. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the fight, I I mean, I felt it. I sat down on the floor. Mr. Wingardon asked me, like, hey, how you feeling? I said, that one rang me. But I think that... I'm not going to let it, like, I'm not going to let it, you know, put doubt in my mind. Like, I think I can recover from it, so let's just fucking go. And, um, and that's what we did. Uh, and I did recover from it for the most part, you know. Um, in the fight, I I felt like I held it together a little better than I actually showed. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, ooh, I'm wrong. I just need to walk to my stool. I don't, want even, I don't want her to know I'm wrong, you know. I didn't want her to... Do that. I didn't want the judges to like see that or anything like that. You know, I always just want to hold it together. And then when I watched the film, I was like, no, I was walking like totally like I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, I mean, I, w- I was with it. I was with it mentally because I knew exactly what happened. And, and I, I, I mean, I had a conversation with my team and I just told them, you know, let's go anyway. And, uh, what are you going to do at that point? I'm not going to call a timeout. That's just ridiculous. So, um, 
you know, I guess I should have kept going too. Let's just go through. Let's just go through the the rest of time. I'm ready to go. I, I don't even, you know. And of course, she comes out and wants to chat up like she's best friend at the beginning too, which is a bunch of like. Usually, when I'm fighting, I don't even like to do that. But I definitely don't want to be the disrespectful fighter either. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like if we did it again, things would be a lot different on on that aspect. So. There's a whole fight that happened outside of those two punches past the bell, so I don't ever want to put all blame on that. Has that ever happened to you in your boxing slash MMA career? I'm pretty sure not MMA because I've seen all your fights, but I'll ask it anyway, including boxing. Have you ever been repeatedly hit after the bell like that? Um, I think there's been, like, at the end of a combo, like, you know, they're throwing a four-punch combo and the last one kind of hits. I don't think they're ever, you know, maybe one time, one round, um, there's been a couple times some of the girls, like, after a round, they kind of, you know, when you're walking back to your corner, they, like, shoulder check you on the way or something like that. Anytime that a fighter ever did something like that, like, just kind of a shoulder bump or, I would just think, oh, they're frustrated, you know? Usually, if you're, if you really feel like you're winning a fight and you really feel like you're dominating when the bell rings, you don't feel like you have to do that, you know, usually... When fighters do that, I feel like it, it comes out of a frustration thing for me. So it's not something I take personally. I actually take pride in it. Huh. That's interesting. Um, when you found out that Chris Cyborg was exonerated, were you disappointed? Because it seemed like, I mean, there's no options at 145. They haven't signed anyone else. Okay, if Chris is on the shelf, this opens the door for the rematch. Now she might, you know, get it first. What did you think when you heard that? <clears throat> I don't know. I um, I don't really know what was going on with all that. And I, I hate to be, you know, I think, I know I heard that she said that she doesn't think that I deserve a rematch, but if it would have been a different fighter and a different fight that wouldn't be hers, she probably wouldn't have said that. Um, I mean, anybody else would point the finger and say that she doesn't deserve to fight. That's not what I'm saying. I try to kind of stay out of a lot of that. Nobody knows the real story. Um, but I do think sometimes there's a lot being said out there. And I mean, to me, I feel like if there's somebody that deserves that fight, I, I feel like it would be me. But um, if they put that fight together with Jermaine and Cyborg, then okay. You know what? That's fine. Um I'm not gonna. I'm just not. I'm just not one of those fighters that's gonna sit here on the sidelines and whine and complain. You know, I want to do the best with whatever opportunities are given to me. So I hope the opportunity is given to me. If it comes, I'll just do the best I can with it. I mean, there's. Uh, you can spend a lot of sleepless nights and wasted energy on on something that you can't control. Do you prefer 145 over 135? Forget about belts, division, like just how your body feels in there. Do you feel a difference? between the two weight classes? I mean, the weight cut definitely was easier. I only had to lose, like, two or three pounds. Right. Um, the weight cut was super easy, which made a little less stress. And there's something to say for that, but um, usually being the, at 135, I'm the bigger, taller fighter, so there's pluses with that. I mean, there's just, with, with either fight, there's just, um, whichever way it goes, there's, there's pluses and minuses both ways. 
when I don't know if you hear this, but when when you hear people, if you hear people say that, oh, Jermaine is campaigning to fight you again, which she is, and not Cyborg because yeah. she wants nothing to do with Cyborg, she's afraid of Cyborg, whatever you want to say, does that bother you? Like that there's an insinuation that you're the easier fight between you and Cyborg? Um, whatever. I, I mean, if, obviously, if, if that's what she's thinking, um, that's fine. Uh, every fight has its own, its own, you know, result in the own way it goes. And, um, I know that anything can happen in there. She could get in and, um, she could hit me with one just right. And I could get back in there and I already had her rocked before. So she, I mean, I hope she underestimates me. That's all. Hmm. I mean, I know that Cyborg's really tough and she's very strong, but every style makes a difference. Every matchup makes a difference. And, um, you know, I, I, I would never sit here and say one person's better than the other because any fighter has their own strength. So if she's overlooking me, then I think that that's just more of a problem for her. Has the UFC reached out to your management about what they want to do with you next? Have they come up with anything? Um, no. Uh, last I heard, Jermaine was just going to the doctor to see yeah. how her, how she's doing. I don't know, something with her arm. I'm not really positive. Um, we'll see whatever happens with that. One thing that I, among many other things that I very much respect um, from you is how you show up to the press conferences even after some of these tough losses. Do you feel like there is a, I don't know, professional obligation to at least talk about, even though you probably don't want to, it's clear you're not in, you know, you're not enjoying this. You'd, you'd rather be somewhere else. You don't want to be sitting in front of all of us schlubs mm-hmm. answering these questions, but you do it every time. And, uh, and, and you mm-hmm. give very honest and, and thoughtful answers. Why do you do that? Do you feel like you have to? Um, I feel like it's, when people only want to talk to the media in victories, um, for me, my personal thing is, even in a loss, the sooner I face it and the sooner I'm more honest with what mistakes I made, the sooner that I can learn from those mistakes and get better. So if I have to go in there and talk about my loss, well, my, to me, I might as well start facing it right away. The sooner I face it, the sooner I can learn from it. Have you always been that way? Yes. Do you feel like there is an obligation for, by you know, like, do... You know, of course, you know, Rhonda didn't speak after she lost to you, after she lost to Amanda. Other fighters have not shown up, but you did every single time. Do you feel like there is a sort of responsibility when you're a professional athlete to do that? Um, in some ways, yes, because every athlete wants people to praise them when they're doing well, and then they want them to all be quiet when they're not doing well. But um, I never really think about it. For me, it is just a personal thing. Um, whatever obstacles in front of me, I need to face it. And I don't want to just disappear from it because then I'm going to sit at home and even battle with my own doubts more. You know, I think the best times to learn are when you're you know, honest with yourself. A lot of people, I think, have a hard time. My dad used to always say, you know, don't be afraid to sit alone with your own thoughts. And then a lot of times because your own thoughts are honest thoughts, you know, um, you have to self-reflect and... So I really don't mind dealing with those thoughts. Um, like I said, I'm, life is still going on, and I can't 
change the past. So definitely, I want to learn from it, not dwell on it. Um, so let's just face it. Let's talk about it and move forward. Are you still enjoying all of this? Yes, I'm. I love it. I just went to. I mean, right now, yes, I have a big hole in my heart that just, you know, an ache in my heart. Um, having two losses and that hole just got bigger, you know. Um, I'm not saying that I, it doesn't bother me. I think a lot of people, they think, you know, they see me still wanting to live my life and still wanting to push forward and wonder how I really feel. Yeah, I cry. I have days where I'm really upset about it, but. I'm not, you know, going to hide under a rock for the rest of my life. And I'm still in charge of my own happiness. And the only thing to cure this is another victory. So that's what I need to go for. I don't want to just sit aside and, and, you know, just be in a dark place. I I still want to surround myself with my friends and my team and people who know that I, what I'm passionate about and know that I'm wanting to still be involved in this passion that I have, you know, um, I do sometimes have to separate myself from people who don't do that, from the people that, you know, think I should be retiring and having babies and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really like to even listen to it because that's not where my passion's at right now or where my mind's at. So everybody else is out there saying, oh, you're 35, what do you really want to do? Um, I'm still fighting and that's what I want to do. So uh, I like to surround myself with the people that are supportive of my passion. Are, are you getting a lot of pressure to start a family to to stop doing this? You've been doing. I think it's just the main. I think it's just the main like question everybody asks. Like, uh-huh. oh, you're coming off of three losses. You're 35. You're female. You're married. I mean, it's like that big picture. I think that only people can really see, and so it's a lot of questions that I get. Um, not from you know my team. No. Okay. <laughs> they're like, they're like, screw that, Holly. Like, let's go forward. You know, you know, you're capable. You know, like. Um, for sure, there's uh, there's definitely the support from my team. For sure, I don't get that from them. Okay, and you know, so at, at this point, you know, when you're when when you're like, it, I know it's a, it's kind of a crazy question, but I'm just curious because the first the first fight against Misha. That was, you know, it was a submission. There's nothing you could do. Second fight, I don't think there was any controversy. But when you're dealing with a fight that's controversial, where you think you won, where pundits think you won, does that, is it possible to say like that one bothers you more than the other because that's almost taken away from you? Do you get what I'm saying? I uh, I think it, uh, for me, actually, it bothers me more uh, like my last fight wasn't controversial. Right. That bothers you more. That means like I got beat. That bothers me more. Okay. For sure. Okay. Because that one was clear cut. There is no controversy. Yeah. You do, you didn't do enough to right. win. I lost the fight. Okay. Right. But when you're when you do enough it's to win, at the end of the day, it's all about the victory. That's it. And um, I don't want a victory given to me either. Uh huh. But when I you want to win because I want to know I'm the better fighter, and you know, when you get beat, you just get beat, and that sucks. <laughs> I think that's the worst feeling to have. But when the video, when 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 the, when the win is taken away from you, doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that bother you? Frustrating, but it's frustrating. But in my own mind, I know the things that you know. When everybody else is thinking that I did well uh, or did enough, I, I we all know I was capable of more. But um, to me, that day, at the end of the day, I know the facts. And I know 
how things really went. And if I just get beat, that definitely bothers my heart more. Like, it, um, whether you go home with a win or a loss, I mean, I'd rather in my own heart know what I did and what I was capable of, but I sleep better at night with that. Okay. And I just get beat just because you get beat. That bothers me more. Yes, I know, like, opportunities are different and money is different and career opportunities, you know, going forward are different when you don't have a win, but for me, I've never done it for the money. Yes, it is my career. I'm not trying to be walked all over either and just take something for nothing, but um, I just, I don't know. I, in my own heart, I would rather know that I did well. Uh-huh. Um, if somebody takes the takes it away from me, I just want to be, just deal with it. I mean, life's not perfect, not pretty. In a perfect world, when it do you want to... piss me off sometimes, but that doesn't mean that, like I said, I would just, I would rather know in my heart I won than, than know in my heart I lost. I think right. that, that, that bothers me more for sure. In a perfect world, when do you want to return? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm healthy. I'm, I don't have any injuries. I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go whenever, whenever they say. Are, are, are you willing to take a fight at 135, 145, whatever at this point to stay active? Yes. Yes. Is it, is it possible that we will see you fight next, not for a belt? Is that, is that like, if I know you want the rematch, but if that's not available because of the hand, are you willing to take a non-title fight? Yes, I'm willing. Okay. All right. You don't have, you wouldn't have to have an opponent in mind, would you? I know you, I probably know the answer no, to that question, but I never do. <laughs> I, feel, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I, I feel like compelled to ask. I have to ask. Well, I, I really appreciate it, Holly. <laughs> thank you uh, for thank being you. so. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thank you for being gracious and uh, best of luck to you and thank looking you. forward to seeing you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. There she is. Holly Holm. Uh, always great to talk to her. I have so much respect for her and the way she handles her fights, wins and losses. Um, what a wonderful role model. And uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Going to be very interesting to see what the UFC does with her because that was a controversial fight. Many people, including myself, thought that she won the fight. But now you have the return of Chris Cyborg. And, well, we all agree that Chris is the best 145er. She was the champion in Invicta. They made the division for her. But maybe the New York State Athletic Commission, as unpredictable as they are, throws us a curveball and maybe they call it a no contest and we got to do the whole thing all over again. Could you imagine that? I mean, I know no one's expecting it to happen, but what if they actually do it? What if they actually do it? Then what happens? Then you got to do it again, right? Because you have no champion. I would think. But I give her a lot of credit. You could tell that there is still that pain in her heart. You could tell that she is still aching, but she still faces the music. She didn't have to do it. She didn't have to come on the show. Okay. Uh, A little bit of breaking news here. The champ Tyron Woodley is making a surprise appearance now. We're uh, getting a hold of him. I believe he's in... Well, I don't know exactly where he is because I didn't ask him, but he is five days away from defending his title against Wonderboy Thompson. They fought at UFC 205 in New York. They fought to a draw. It was a super close fight. We didn't know what was going to happen as far as his next fight. It landed on March 4th. He is headlining UFC 209, and he is joining us right now on the phone. Tyron Woodley, are you there? I am here, man. You cannot have the MMA Hour Fight Week. Yes. The best show. Yes. MMA, and I have the best welterweight in the world on it. 
Well, you know, I have to say, I, I apologize. I felt like, I know you were doing some media today. I saw you were going to be on some show called Sports Center or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to pour it on. I hopefully will see you in Vegas. I, I don't want to add too much to your plate, but I. Well, I appreciate it. So some people just bring the, bring the news so unbiasedly, you kind of feel kind of honored to be on a show. Well, I appreciate Well, that, I mean, wow. That, that means the world to me. Uh, I heard that you said, you know what, all these rinky-dink shows, they're not big enough, they're not good enough for the champ. Let me come on the people's show. Let me talk to the people here. And thus, you gave us some time. Is that accurate? That would be pretty accurate. <laughs> how, how are the uh, the media rounds today? How are the interviews going? Um, they're going fine, man. I asked for a center, you know, everybody obviously is a hot topic. They want to get me all revved up on racist sport, you know, um, but I think I've done a good job with you know, um, qualifying um, some of my statements. And speaking of, you know, I, I do want to give a shout out. Um, I, I'm really kind of embarrassed and, um, you know, feel bad that this entire month of February has gone by and us in mixed martial arts, um, as fighters, as an organization, we haven't really celebrated Black History Month um, at all. So I just want to shout out some of the pivotal guys that I watched growing up, guys like Lee Kemp, Kevin Jackson, Baba Douglas, Molawa, Daniel Cormier, Joe Williams, Jordan Barrow, Kenny Monday. Um, these are all wrestlers that paved the way for us to, to really find wrestling as a sport. Um, growing up, I never really knew about wrestling. It was basketball or football, but guys like that, superheroes, really made it um, um, possible for us to want to compete in that, in that sport called wrestling and put on that terrible outfit called a singlet. Yes. Well, that is that is a classy move. I, I, I appreciate that. There's still one day left in February, so thank you for doing that. Um, let me ask you this, Tyron. You were on the conference call and it did seem like, you know, people were trying to go that route with you on, on Thursday. And, you know, I don't blame them because you have been outspoken. But you, you said something that caught my attention. You were like, you know what? I'm just going to say what I think everyone wants me to say. I'm not going that route anymore. Why all of a sudden have you kind of backed off a little bit? Why have you, why are you saying I'm just going to give you what you want and give you these canned answers when it seemed like for better or worse, people were at least paying attention to what you were saying, whether they liked it or not is one thing, but you were definitely creating some sort of buzz. Why back off now? Um, in general, people don't like the truth. People can't take the truth. And people um, in general that are not exposed to certain things, if, if I'm not ever exposed to alcoholism, in my mind, in my reality, it doesn't exist. If I've never been exposed to people, Oh, did we lose him? If I'm, not, if I'm not in the culture, you know, you know, day to day, we're trying to kill each other. You know, I'm, you know, look across the street and see someone that's, you know, a different color and fear that they're going to kill me. So I think that people that don't experience that immediate discrimination, racism, whatever, I think they just are interested to the fact, the fact that it exists and they're insisting really getting a solution. It's not really putting. Hey, Tyron, I don't mean to interrupt, but you're, you're cutting out. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you, yep. Are you, are you in a bad area? Yeah, I'm in a horrible area called a damn sauna. You're in a sauna right now? Hey, man, I'm an OG. I do what I gotta do. <laughs> Holy sp- is that safe with the phone? Yeah, I'm underneath my sauna. It's the Woodley sauna. You sit upstairs, you sit up top and it's hot, you sit down low and it's, uh, and it's cold. Are you, are you at home? Yeah, I'm at home right now. Okay, I thought maybe you were at Bristol. Um, okay, but now you sound good. Now you sound good. So can you just back up a yeah, little bit? Now. now, what I was saying is that people people that basically, you know, don't experience um, something themselves, it, it doesn't exist in their reality. 
So sometimes it's easy for them to say a, a very insensitive um, statement or something that you say when they're not in your shoes. And once you realize that, you realize that these people don't walk with you day to day. They, they haven't seen what you've undergone and things you had to, you know, overcome to get to where you're at. And the funniest thing to me is Tyron Woodley is race baiting and pulling the race car. Well, if you think about what that actually means, I've done the opposite, man. And I found a way to be extremely successful, not only in fighting, but in business and life. And, you know, just in all things that I put my, you know, put my freaking mind to, I've been successful in it. And that says something for me that I'm not the victim, that I found a way when there's no way. So, um, and, and I kind of knew what the press conference would be like. When they called me, I said, man, I said, the press conference is going to be freaking Tony Ferguson talking crap that only Tony Ferguson take his cool. <laughs> He's going to take over the show. It's going to be Khabib, you know, trying to communicate with him and getting talked over because obviously his first language is in English. It's going to be Wonder Boy being overcomplimentary, and it's going to be me basically being indifferent. And the conference was every bit of that. Okay, and so there was one point where Ferguson said, uh, "We should." I don't even know why I'm not the main event. And Habib on my show earlier actually agreed with him and said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're the main event. I saw you kind of chime in there. Or I heard you chime in, but I don't think he heard you because he was talking. Did you take offense to that? He said, um, I don't know why me and Khabib are the main event. Yeah. Um, and I said, because you're not a world champion. <laughs> Flat out. There's nothing else to say. I didn't either. I didn't either continue. You're not the world champion, and that's the that's the thing I hate about the sport. When did our sport become this this fashion show? Who can talk the most crap? They, these guys are sitting on couches and came up watching Chell Sonnen and some of these other great entertainers entertain them. This is a damn sport. Go out there and earn your key. If you're a world champion and you earned that key, then earn the key. He came on the show late. Tony Ferguson kept hanging up during a press conference, and he kept saying, let's get this show on the road. I got stuff to do. Dude, if you don't sit your funny-looking stuff down somewhere, you are not the world champion. You need to calm down, fight Khabib, who you've been running from, and Khabib was trying to be respectful and trying to talk a little crap himself, and he kept cutting him off because he obviously had a language barrier. And meanwhile, the number one contender and the world champion are sitting here having to listen to this shenanigans. So, you know... I was just annoyed more than anything. Most of the time I was muting and, you know, doing my thing. You were asked about GSP and I, and you said the right thing. You said, I'm just going to, you know, I have a fight in five days now, you know, like I'm not going to focus on someone else. I got to beat this guy first. But is it fair to say that the stakes have now been raised because he is back because there's that carrot there? It is very possible. You win this fight, you fight him next. So that wasn't a possibility two weeks ago, three months ago. This is now a real thing. He is back. So does it feel like the fight is even bigger because he is back? Yeah, it was a very possible if I beat Roy McDonald, I was fighting for world title. And I put my eyes right on that big world title and I got my butt kicked. Mm. So I've learned a lesson from looking too far down the road. Um, obviously, I prepare. I spent so many tens of thousands of dollars to get myself ready to fight Wonderboy. Um, and at the end of the day, Dan Lambert told me this, winner conquers all, winner conquers all. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. But as, as long as I keep on beating guys after guys after guys, guys after guys, and nobody's left, I'm the best in the world. If you look at the top ten, look how many guys I fought in the top ten. Just the top five. 
the number one guy is Wonder Boy. Some people can say I won that fight. The number two guy is Robbie Lawler. The number three guy I haven't fought yet, which is David Maya. And the number four guy I fought. Um, Kevin Gaslam is in there somewhere I fought. Dunya Kim I fought. You know, if you think about all these guys I fought, people have a short-term memory on who I've actually competed against and beat. You know, so with that said, I can't focus on that. My manager called me. Malky was like, man, you're... I said, man, don't call me with that BS, man. <laughs> don't call me talking about George. I've already heard it. Plus, you last-minute news. I heard that two weeks ago. I said, anyway, I said, I got this guy to focus on. I don't want to hear no- about nothing. He laughed at me because, you know, you know our relationship. I talk crazy yeah. and we talk crazy to me. But at the end of the day, man, I'm a focused athlete. I'm not going to disrespect Wonder Boy. I'm giving him all my attention. And if I whoop his butt and do it in great fashion, I, at that point, have the biggest stage to make my case. So earlier in the show, I was talking about this Damian Maya situation, but no better time than now with you to talk about it. Here is Damian Maya, who's been patiently waiting for a title shot. Um, had your fight ended conclusively in New York, we assume he would be maybe fighting this weekend for the belts against either you or Wonder Boy. I, I thought you won the fight, so it would be you, but he's not. And now here are some reports that that they're offering him Masvidal on some fight night show in April. Um, and, and to me, this blows my mind. Five days before, you, you're, you're, you're telling the guy that he has to fight Masvidal, who's not even in the top five. All due respect, great opportunity for Masvidal. But for Maya, and I hate this word, but it, it's the only word that comes to mind, this just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair five days before he made it to the finish line. Why are you making him fight someone else? How do you feel about it? If you're Damian Maya, what do you do here? Because you know he wants a title shot. He's been very clear. And now maybe they need a main event. They have too many shows. They don't think Loboff Swanson is big enough. And so they're saying, go ahead, fight. You know, you have to fight in Nashville or maybe we're not going to give you. Who knows what they're saying to him? But clearly this is not what he wanted. What do you make of it? I mean, would you like me to say what everyone wants to hear? You want me to say the honest truth? I want the honest truth. That's what I expect. The The honest truth is I've been Damian Maya before. And I would love to feel bad for him. I would love to have compassion for him. But I've been that guy. I've been in, if Kelvin Gaskin be tiring, he's going to fight for world title. If Rory McDonald be tiring, he's going to fight for world title. If Carlos Conde be tiring, he's going to fight for world title. Um, I've been in those fights where my opponent in victory fights for a world title, but not so much myself. Unfortunately, Damian Maya's style is not respected. This is a sport of mixed martial arts. And we as fans and spectators do not respect the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu aspect of mixed martial art, which the entire sport was built off of, if people have the short-term memory with the Gracies. So they don't respect his ability to dominate, take guys down, take their back, and completely, you know, be an anaconda on these top-level strikers. And he's had a crazy win streak. He should be fighting me now. Yeah. So if anybody wants to step down and say, hey, man, you know what, this ain't right. Hey, man, you know what, he getting the, he's getting the short end of the stick. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who was in that octagon, who knows he didn't freaking win that fight, he should be like, you know what? It's only right and true that Damian Maya fight. I'll go and fight Miles without. I'll fight Cowboy Cerrone. I'll fight Joe, uh, Robbie Lawler. And then if I win that fight, then I'll fight the winner. That's what should have happened. But obviously, you know, we're not silly. We got people that act like they're in it for, you know, the glory and all that other stuff. But it's, it's about being a champion. It's about making the money. Man, I just feel for him. The guy, I mean, just does everything right. So classy. And here he is almost at the finish line. And he has to take one more fight against a very tough opponent, Masvidal. I don't begrudge Masvidal for taking the fight. Big fight for him. He's looked very good as of late. But Maya has done enough. And he's sat long enough. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing because yeah. um, in victory for either me or Wonderboy, 
the conversation is already on the table for a potential fight against George. You know what I mean? And and that's this is unfortunate. He would have to come out of his character. He would have to be somebody he is not. He would have to try to talk some mad crap and be a person that can sell pay-per-view for him to get this fight. That's the unfortunate and that's the uncut raw of what he would have to do. I don't think he has enough time to bridge the gap. He speaks pretty good English, but not in the accent where we don't believe it. Tiago Alves, if he start talking crap, we don't believe it. You know what I mean? He spent a lot of time perfecting his American language and his accent, and it's believable. So he can cross over internationally. So that's the, that's the sucks. You should only you should only fight purely on your ability to be top guys, and he's done that. But you know, as a champion, I got to look out for myself. I can't go and look out for Maya or look out. Sure, for no, no. Yeah, no. I understand what he's at. I've been there before, but I've had to make some adjustments for myself. You know, um, to make sure that I'm marketable enough to be in this position. I've been trying to get the answer to this question, and I'm hitting walls left and right. So I come to you, the champion. Why is Robbie Lawler no longer with ATT? Um, to be honest, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre, you know. Um, you know, he was given a home quarter, home court, excuse me, home court advantage when we fought. You know, he he didn't feel comfortable with me coming down there. Dan Lambert wanted me to come down, and um, I said, you know what, he's a champion. That's why I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, oh, how did George Pierre come through? Guys, have we forgotten respect? This is martial art. Martial art means you have to be disciplined to do it. That's why they call them disciplines. So when you have a guy like George St. Pierre, who's been a greatest champion, if he would have came in and got the fight against Robbie Lawler, I would have taken my butt and took two steps back and allowed it to happen and fought another fight and did what I had to do because he earned that point. I, even though I was there longer, even though I'm an original American Top Team member, at that time, Robbie Lawler was a champion of the world. He didn't feel comfortable with me coming down there training and we were fighting each other, so therefore, I did not come to Florida. So I don't understand how he would feel a certain type of way. Um, I don't know all the details behind it, but I was more than respectful, uh, more than accommodating during that entire time. So he couldn't have had a bad taste from me. He couldn't have had a bad taste from, um, you know, America Top Team. And to be honest, he had all advantages. He had the warm weather. He had the <laughs> freaking, all the, the, the flashy facilities. He had all coaches. He had all the training partners. He had all the, you know, the facility, the bells and whistles. And I just had the freaking, I had the grind. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so do you know why he left, though, after getting that, that kind of treatment? And I think, well, I think it was just, um, you know, for the first time in his career, I think he was kind of a person that people were looking up to. I think he was kind of a leader. And I think um, actually lost me and walking in the gym and kind of seeing my picture on the wall with the belt on in his mind, you know, you start having ownership to that belt. Uh-huh. You know, you feel like it's your belt. And I think he just couldn't take a looking at that. And this, this is all assumption. I've not spoke, spoken to Robbie. I called him a week after the fight, make sure we were good and he was good. And we were. So since then, man, I really haven't spoken to him. Okay. Fair enough. Um, speaking of speaking to people, very interesting scenario played out. Dana White says you're a bit of a drama queen. Next thing I know, you're at the Super Bowl with him. So are we cool now with the boss? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't. What do you mean? Um, I see you there, like uh, on the uh, you're like tenth row, fifty Dana, yard line. Dana, Dana, you a drama queen? How about that? What is that? Dana White is a drama queen. Say, say that again. 
Dana White is the drama queen. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's the drama queen. Really? And guess what? Is it the, uh, what is it? Isn't it called the, the teapot calling me the kettle? How does that saying go? <laughs> Something. Why is Dana White gonna call me a drama queen? He's the biggest drama queen. I learned from the best. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Can you, uh, can you elaborate? Well, I just think that, you know, we've seen Dana. If you get Dana mad, he gets really mad. And then, really quickly, you know, he gets, he gets, I think he had mad at so many people, he forget he was mad at you. And he almost, you know, just wipes it from his memory. So, um, you know, I didn't say, I thought it was actually kind of funny when he called me a drama queen. And he called me and he told me that he was, he said that. And I was like, man, you're a drama queen. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I didn't take it personal. I think what he was, what he was saying is that he feel as if some of the treatment that I was talking about and some of the, you know, buzz, he thinks that if I was more like Connor, then I would be a bigger star. Well, guess what? I would never be anything like Connor. So if that's what it takes to be a star, then I would never be a star. So you, you can't tell a man to be like another man. And um, that's just not who I am. I won't ever be it. And um, I think his mind and his formula and model for what makes a superstar is just something that Connor has encompassed for him and organization. But, but what I said was factual. What I said had merit. But I had actually had instances and actual, you know, things that, things that took place. And I just didn't care to get into great detail because it didn't make a difference. As long as the organization called me, wanted to see what I was talking about, and made an effort to make some corrections, um, that was the goal. Put the conversation on the table. Let's not act like it doesn't exist. Let's act, act like, like I'm tripping and making stuff up. And go from that point, and let's make some changes. And that's happened, clearly, because you were at the Super Bowl with them, right? I mean, you guys are on good terms. Um, I thought checked you were, but then I got the damn drama player which kind of took me off guard. <laughs> I, think he, I think he called me, because, you know, you know, occasionally you say the paragraph, and two words out of the paragraph make the headline. Sure. You know, and, and I had to call a reporter too. I said, "Man, we just got back on good terms, man. You just got off the dang old blackball list, and you gonna put on the internet the tyrant go back at Dana White and freaking say this? Say, oh, you got to read the article." I said, "I know what the article gonna say, but you freaking freaking making the headline. Well, I'm gonna have to freaking get into this heated conversation with Dana in like ten minutes." Did you enjoy going to the Super Bowl with him? It was fun, man. The Super Bowl was fun. It was my first time. You, you're going to stay on that Super Bowl thing, aren't you? I mean, it was just great. I know, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I know where you're getting that. What do you mean? You it was great. I, <laughs> there I am on Instagram. I'm like, look at these buddies. Oh. This is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it was, a great, it was a great time. All right. Fair enough. Um, are you most... I mean, I know you love to fight. You love to make money. But come March 5th, when you're back on this show on Monday, because you know it's been somewhat of a tradition now, after your fights, we're developing something here. It's fun. When you're back on this show, are, are you just most looking forward to moving on from the whole Wonder Boy experience? I mean, this is something that has been, you know, essentially since the second you won, July 30th, it's been Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy. And people have, you've tried to go in different directions, it's back to Wonder Boy. And you fight him in New York, and then the draw, and then the rematch, and all this stuff. Are you almost, in a sense, most looking forward to just moving on from the guy and not having to think and talk about him anymore? You know, I don't feel obligated to talk about him, man. You know, he's not, he's not a part of my day. It's not like I wake up, brush your teeth, take a shower, talk about Wonder Boy, go take a 
look at the internet, talk more about Wonder Boy. I think um, people in general, um, it's not a lot to talk about in our sport right now. You got Connor taking the chair pill. You got freaking, um, you know, no one knows what Ronda's doing. Holly Holmes is giving the title shot. You know, her recently, you know, people thought she might have won, didn't win. Now that's kind of going on the drain. Just think about our sport, you know. Um, if anything, people need to talk about, you know, the, the ball being dropped on certain athletes and potential stars not having marketing put behind them to project them into stardom. Mm, like who? We're, we're, we don't have, like myself, maybe. Okay. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have a lot of guys that are, you know, what happens if Cody Garbrandt doesn't become the star that um, all the money is put into him to make, to become. Now, Cody's my boy, don't get me wrong. That's the homie. And, you know, uh, I'm a huge supporter of him. You know, I like Dominic Cruz as well, but, you know, Cody Garbrandt is earning everything he's got. He's a hard-working kid, and I'm happy for him. But he's given some extra help to become a star. And hopefully he takes, you know, full advantage of it. He becomes a star. I think other athletes should be warranted and given that same opportunity. Or you're going to find a situation where Paige Van Zandt takes a few losses. You know what I mean? You know, my boy Sage, love him to death. You know, it's a lot of pressure on him to, to, to become a star. You know, mm-hmm. he's a young kid. Me and Dean and Duke are taking him on our wing, and we're going to try to help him out. But he's got a lot of pressure on him to be a star. Anthony Pedersen, he, was, he had a lot of pressure on him to be a star. Some of these guys didn't ask for that role. Some of these guys, you know, didn't even self-promote themselves before to get that position. Now it's almost four stardom. There's guys out there. Think about Al Jermaine Sterling. Think about George Masvidal. Think about guys like myself. People that are, you know I mean? We're already doing it by ourselves anyway. You know what I mean? Nobody has a better, you know, video blog than myself. I hate to toot my own arm. But nothing's even close to the champ life in the champ camp, you know? Not the Mac life, not anything. It's <laughs> content. It's done in high quality. It shows substance. It's not just flashy cars, suits, talking money about, you know, talking crap about money. It's real life, real networking, real relationship building, real entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? When I get done, after I do your show, I'm on a flight to Tampa to do a um, um, co-star in the movie. You know, I'm, I'm, my, my life is done. Not Wait, this week? This week? No, next week. Next oh, okay. Week. <laughs> oh, you're saying after you, okay, I like that. I like that. Um, you are, you've already booked your slot, your slot. You're that confident. Well, I, I already got my plane flight. Let's see. Let's see. No, no, I mean, you said, cause you said after I do your show, I'm on a flight to Tampa. So I was like, today you're going to Tampa. I was thinking today's show. No, 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 no. Next week. <laughs> What's the movie? March 6th, I'm heading um uh, I'm doing a movie called A Favor. So I play this MMA coach, and I get to I get to be this old ass man. So that'll be fun. Wow! Uh, by the way, uh, and congratulations on that. Uh, any 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 big stars in that that I would know? Um, it's a lower budget movie, so okay. I think um, Uriah Hall's in it. I'm in it. Um, a couple other guys. You know, I'm just trying to get my my acting shot. This would be like a supporting lead role, so I get more lines, so that you know it's almost position in me where I just get used to breathing and, and getting out of my own self. I can play myself. I can play against it really easy. I can play tactical special forces. I can do all that stuff really easy. I look like it. But, you know, some of these other movies, like I did a movie called Office Uprising that's coming out. I had to get out of my character on that. I did a movie called, um, what the heck is it called? It used to be called Going Under. They changed the title of it. That's coming out with Bruce Willis, um, John, John Goodman, and, um, uh, Wood Harris, I got to you know play something different in that movie. 
So for me, in general, oh, it's called uh, Once Upon a Time in Venice. Oh. That's coming out this year. Yeah. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, so... Okay, well, we'll keep it up. Um, I have I have two more questions for you. The first one is, I mentioned this at the top of the show, on on like the pound for pound scale. Would it be fair to say that the UFC two hundred nine poster is the worst one in the history of the sport? Oh, you mean you mean the actual damn face off and Photoshop? <laughs> what a is bronze, that? A bronze belt on my waist. Whose belt? That bronze belt. Oh, the bronze belt. Yes, that's right. What is that? Come on. We can't do better than that? Hey, you know, um, I'm not trying to take up the UFC, but I'm just going to say this. Okay. They did tell me that they had some shifts and, you know, staff and somebody in the graphic design company, um, sorry, graphic design department, might have, you know, shifted to a different, um, different employer. But to be honest, I could have done that shit. <laughs> I could have done that and I've never opened Photoshop on my computer. I don't even know if I have it and I feel like I could have do one done one better in the next five minutes. Yeah, I mean, um I'm not I'm not gonna act like I was down with it. I wasn't. I wasn't. All right. Uh last thing. I saw you teaching uh, young Sage some cooking lessons. Does he got soul? Does he know what it takes in the kitchen or does he still have a ways to go? My man Sage, he was sure I was about to use a, a, a bit of seasoning. <laughs> that, that little poor thing ain't never had <laughs> never had uh, a piece of fried chicken so he went to Roscoe's with me oh wow he had three M&M's in his life and never had like you know hardly he said I had a pinch of a um, burger from fast food so you know sorry Mr. Northcutt Mrs. Northcutt but we corrupted your boy a little bit we made him eat a chicken feet a chicken foot <laughs> we we uh, bought these nasty chicken paws. We put them on a the grill. He took a bite of it. He had a fried piece of chicken from Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Wow. And we made him eat some brownies. So we tried to give him a little culture. We took him down Skid Row. We took him to see Birth of a Nation. Whoa. And we picked him up. And we picked him up on Monday Luther King Day. So he is a soul brother. This is a show in itself. You teaching him all these things. Popping hey, his cherry. We decided that we're going to make a show. It's going to be called um, um, Shopping with Sage or Cooking with Sage. Wow. Because you, you, you would be completely <laughs> you would be completely shocked on how much food he has never consumed in his life. Unbelievable. What a pure soul. Yep. Uh, when do you go to Vegas? Tomorrow. Okay. I wish you the best, my man. Thank you for jumping in. I will see you in Vegas. I will be there. And I look forward to it. And uh, let's not create too much drama before the fight now. We don't want to sell too many pay-per-views, all right? No, nah, I'm going to create some drama. I'm, oh. just, I'm just saving it. All right. Fair enough. But I do I do really appreciate you coming on. Always great to talk to you. And I look forward to talking to you next Monday. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Tyron. There he is, the UFC welterweight champion, Tyron Woodley, stopping by. Great stuff from him. How about that? Getting a call from the champion who's headlining Saturday night's show. Surprise call, that is. Right before uh, we, we close up shop today. That's a lot of fun. And yes, I know I'm pouring it on the poster, but it's, it's only fair. This card is great. That poster does not tell the story of what Saturday night is all about. This is a great card. This is the best card of the year thus far. No doubt about that. Two amazing fights at the top. You got the return of Rashad Evans at 185. You got Alistair Overeem versus Mark Hunt. How about that? What a, what a weekend for Dutch MMA. Marlos Kunin fighting for the Bellator title on Friday. And then you got Alistair fighting 
in his return fight after losing the title fight to Stipe Miocic in September, fighting on Saturday against Mark Hunt. Talk about a storyline. And Lando Venata. And if you haven't seen Lando Venata's portrait video posted by our Casey and Esther yesterday, Sunday, do check it out. What a character. And he is on a roll himself. So there's a lot to like as far as 209 is concerned. It's not happening in Stockton. It's a shame. No Diaz brother on the card, but we're over that. All right, let's bring in Mr. New York Rick before we say goodbye. We have not heard from him the entire show. What a travesty. Or you're very happy. I hope they're not happy. There he is. Wow. Illuminated today. I feel like every week we get a little better as far as the lighting is concerned. That's it? You have nothing to say to that? I gave I gave the the wink. Okay. Well, not everyone. In fact, it's funny that you say that. This this guy, Jose, that I saw on the street on Saturday, who told me how much he loves the show, says that he never watches it. He always downloads it uh, via iTunes around 8, 9. He knew exactly when it drops on Mondays yep. and says... For the longest time, he'd hear me talk about your hair. And then at one point, he was just like, I need to see what this guy looks like. And he Googled in and he said that, yes, my, my criticism was, was appropriate. I feel like that's revisionist. I feel like at the beginning of the show, there was support for the hair and not... Uh, for me? Yeah, you mentioned something about he, he liked the hair. So Well, that was me just yeah. in jest. No, I don't like it. Do you agree with my assessment of the Damien Maya situation? In case I wasn't very clear, I just feel like... I think you were pretty clear. Okay. I mean, we, we got this far. He's five days away. It's not Damien Maya's fault that there are too many shows. It's not Damien Maya's fault that they feel like they need a main event for April 22nd. He is there. He made it to the finish line. And what happens if Tyron Woodley knocks out Wonderboy in 10 seconds? What if Wonderboy knocks out Tyron Woodley in one round and he's ready to go right away? Don't you want to see how it plays out? And let's be clear here, it's not officially done as far as I'm concerned. It's been reported by very good sources, Combate, I believe Junkie as well. But what I'm told is it's not officially done. And I hope that they rethink this one because I just don't think it makes any sense. Forget about Maya's situation. Forget about what he's been promised, what he's done, his resume. Wait to see what happens on Saturday because you might have a situation where the welterweight champion can turn around rather easily and then fight Maya in a bigger fight. Hard to disagree with anything said there. But I just think they don't want to give Damian Maya a title shot. Why? He's actually been really entertaining. He's finishing fights. He's not taking any damage. The guy's ready to go. I don't think... I think you're asking a question that a lot of us want to know, which is why they don't want to give him a title shot. But I think it's clear at this point that that's the sentiment there's there's nothing so far that's been indicated that they want to give him a title shot only things that have said no we don't want to give him a title shot and this is just another one of those booking him in a fight uh right before the welterweight title picture shakes out clearly they don't want to give him a title shot i actually find him to be incredibly entertaining and by the way shout out to my guy mike pendleton for this carmelo anthony signature jersey it says national champs this young man Gave you to give, give to, to you. me a Carmel Anthony Syracuse jersey. He let me know that he had promised it to you and that you he mentioned as, it in passing. As, I wasn't expecting said, him. You know, can't accept it, obviously. Um, but I made sure it happened because uh, it's a nice gesture and it looks good on the set. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I was there in 2003 when they won. It, it brightened my day after all the moves Nick's releasing Brandon Jennings. <laughs> Joakim Noah out for the season. Bit of a disaster. And then I show up and I have this jersey here. So thank you very much to Mike Pendleton. Uh, yeah, this situation, we'll see how it plays out. It's not done. One fight that is very close to being done and might even be announced tomorrow is Alexander Gustafson versus Glover Teixeira 
in Stockholm. Do we like this fight? Yeah, definitely like that fight. Um, What's not to like? I mean, almost there, there's really no combination of light heavyweights that I wouldn't want to see right now. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. There's not really a queue that's that's um, properly ordered um, in terms of next challengers for the title. Uh, I'm up for all of it, and and that's a great fight. Um, no problem with it. Will really tell us, you know, which guys, uh, you know, ready to to get back in the title picture, and which guys uh, probably going to fade to to the middle of the pack. Which fight are you most looking forward to as far as this weekend is concerned? Um, eh, I mean, I'll throw out all five, but really, I'm talking about the top two. I'm guessing you're going to choose between those two: interim lightweight title fight, welterweight title fight, interim lightweight title fight. Not even a question. Not even a question. Who are you favoring? Two of two of my favorite fighters in general. Um, oh, Habib and Ferguson. Oh yeah. Since when? Never heard you talk about those guys. Funny, good one. What are you talking um, about? I talk about them every time. <laughs> I've said that Habib is the best fighter at 155 or below at least a dozen times on the show. Um, still believe it. This will prove if that's true because I think very highly of Tony Ferguson. Um, so if if Habib can make it look as easy as he's made all his past fights look, um, I think there's no question that he's the best uh, lightweight on the planet and um, will definitely, you know, put himself in a different class. Um, I think there's a lot of people that support him at this point, but getting that belt will, will mean a lot for his career. Um, so that fight interests me a great deal. And if Tony can upset him, um, I think that's all. Or at this point, I think it might be close to even odds. So I, I'm a little hesitant to call it an upset. Um, it is... I'm seeing... Plus 175. Oh, minus now Habib has actually uh, climbed quite a bit. But there was a point where it was nearly even odds. Um but if Tony can can get the deal uh, done, I think um, it says a lot about where he is as well. I think these are the two best lightweights. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of classify McGregor at this point. He has ambitions that are in boxing, and um, he's also you know back and forth between featherweight. So um, let's put him aside for now. I think these are clearly the two best outside of that. I think someone at the UFC was watching today's show, not only my comments about the Maya fight, also Artem's interview because Cub Swanson just tweeted this. I just got confirmation that I am still the main event for UFC Nashville. So Artem is still getting his five round ass whooping or he quits. And how about that? We've Maybe had a cooler question. heads prevailed. We've had a question about that. By the way, I never reported it, by the way, because it was not a done deal. But how do you feel about that as a title fight? We talked about this when it was first announced. Ultimately, a main event. Uh, I'm sorry, a main event. Um, definitely not a title fight. Um, as a main event, uh, we're, we're now it's official. It's official official. Um, how, what's your attitude on it? I have no problem with it. I, yeah. I really don't. I mean, look, we've had worse. We've had worse main events. I think that there are too many shows right now, and the UFC is spreading themselves too thin. And like I said last week, Fox bought an a la carte menu. So they have dates to fulfill, but it's not Damian Maya's fault. He, he, he doesn't owe them this favor, so to speak. He doesn't have to do them a solid because let's be honest, when his time is done, they'll say goodbye. You know what I mean? So you got to do what's best for you. And, and if they're not going to give him a title shot, well then that's a different thing that he has to, you know, deal with. And he's 39 and you know, the clock is ticking, but you got to wait at least five days, right? What yeah. if this fight lasts 10 seconds? And you could turn him around quickly. Maybe you'll have him, you know, main event Fox or something. You know, I, I just, I, it, it didn't make any sense to me. And we'll see what happens. I mean, crazier things have happened, but I know it was discussed. I know it was targeted. Um, I actually like the dynamic between Swanson and Lobov. I don't know how ticket sales, I don't know if they're on sale yet. I don't know how they're, they will go. 
Um, there's Iaquinta Sanchez on the card. There's some solid fights on that card. This is a fight night card. It's not a pay-per-view. And so, like I said, we've had way worse than this. I think this is actually a fun fight between two guys who are going to, you know, for the most part, I think, stay on the feet. They've got a nice little, you know, back and forth going. This is fun. I'm invested. I'm emotionally invested in it. Habib versus uh, Ferguson. Has the fight gained steam or lost steam um, after all the time it's it's Love it. possibly been put together? It's only, Is now the right time? It's only more interesting, in my opinion. Don't you agree? I mean, that conference call was magic. I think um, it's given the opportunity for Habib to come out of his shell a little bit more. Oh, it's been um, great. He's, he's, he was in the beginning stages of that. Now he's he's really... Um, taking that and run with it and I think now is is a great time for it I'm, I'm excited for it what about in the main event who do you got I'm gonna say first one was so close it's hard to say um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna stick with Woodley I've picked Woodley um, in the previous one I think he'll be able to get it done Overeem Hunt. Whoever lands first. That's not a prediction. Yeah, it is. Whoever lands first. Who's going to land first? Whoever lands first. Oh, that is the weakest prediction I've ever heard. And Why? yours since, is? Since when do you sit on the fence? You're the prediction guy. Um, Whoever lands first. Oh, my Lord. Okay, Mark Hunt. Oh, wow. There we go. And then do you like Mark Hunt versus Derek Lewis or would you rather Derek Lewis and Ganu? Yeah, Derek Lewis and Ganu is is where I'm at for sure. Let's see those two throw down. What do you think of Greg Hardy? I think he came across well. Um, I think he, now, you know, the idea of still trying to play football and entering camp and, yeah, that and seemed having, a little interesting, having right? to figure out, you know, how that works around MMA makes me um, hesitant to to say that he's all in on this, um, but at the same time, you know, living on the compound and doing all that type of stuff definitely shows that he's he's at least given it a, a legitimate shot. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it the all that all that's been said about about him in terms of his, his off the field issues and things like that have already been said. There's nothing really to add to that at this point. Um, he has to try and change and, and turn his life around. And it seems like, you know, at least he's saying the right things and, and Malky has, you know, uh, helped him in, in getting in that right direction. So um, we'll see where this plays out. But the idea, you know, right at the end, you guys were talking about football and uh, it's interesting which one he'll he'll prioritize in terms of his, his career from this point on. Okay, feel free to weigh in here. Some uh, news and notes for those that rely on us for their news of the week. few things. Um... Ryan Bader update, still nothing concrete. They're still going back and forth. It's very much stalling. Even though Dana White came out and said, we're not going to match it, for some reason they're still stalling. They're asking for more information, which has stalled the process considerably, but there has been no interest shown as far as you know, matching the offer. So I don't know why they don't just let him go, to be honest. Uh, Matt Mitrione has passed all his stones, even tweeted a picture of the catheter that was in his, uh, you know, in his penis and it was uh, quite large 
not the penis that is the catheter that was weird yes the whole situation uh they are still yes. working on booking uh fedor milenenko and matt matrione for later on this year they are thinking about booking the pitbull brothers on the same card in april so that would be patricky pitbull uh versus mike chandler and patricio pitbull versus daniel strauss do you like this Someone said to me, why is there this kind of infatuation with brothers fighting on the same card? I don't know. It's just a nice little storyline. Doesn't really swing me one way or the other. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It, like, I don't Fair know. I, I never think of it as a package deal. They're individual fighters. They have individual things to kind of worry about, different matchups. It doesn't really, it doesn't really get, get me amped or it doesn't really bring me down and, and make me really consider it too much. It's kind of its own entity. Nice little performance by James Gallagher on Friday and then called out AJ McKee. I love this fight. This is a great fight for Bellator. Uh, they had an event in Belfast. Liam McGeary got back on track. So, um, I don't know. I thought Gallagher was the real star of the show and that post-fight interview was, was great. I love that they're booking those two right off the bat. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, UFC 214 has been changed. It's moved back a week, or I should say move forward a week. If it goes from August to July, last week of July, I think the 29th, does that mean move back or move forward? Moved. It went from August to July? Yeah. Uh, move forward. Something like that. Yeah, move forward because it's coming sooner. Ioanni on Jacek versus Jessica Andrade was officially announced last week. We've been talking about that one. You are on the record. You've picked Andrade, right? I don't believe I have. Yes, you did. No, I, I that one I definitely sat on the fence. Wow. Um, I definitely think she has the tools to to make it happen. I don't know if she'll be able to. I'm still on the fence on that one. All right. Needs to be closer before I can decide. Uh, John Volante got that retroactive TUE. Yep. They announced it after Cyborg. It was announced that she didn't disclose. Volante disclosed. Do you have any issue with them waiting until the end of the Volante situation. Yes, he did disclose, but they waited till the end. Cyborg, they announced early her provisional suspension. You get what I'm saying. Do you have any problem with the way one situation was handled as opposed to the other? Sure, but I mean, that's the least of the problems that have been handled in all of these situations. Whoa. There's been way more damning stuff happen, um, and it's good to see that they're at least addressing uh, We'll see. Addressing they said it's it. case by case, though. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's better than what it was before, where it was... Uh, this is it, and and there's no um, recourse, and nothing's going to change. Now we're at least addressing it. But uh, I mean, these were the least of of things that happened that that were damning from a fighter perspective. Ian McCall got a uh, an IV before his UFC 208 fight, which he never even made it to, and now they're looking into that. If you know, if I mean, I feel like come on, if the guy is uh, you know he's dehydrated, he's sick. I mean, give the guy a freaking IV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this is all. This is all crazy now. Um, I suspect we're going to hear from GSP later on this week, so stay tuned for that. Good on WSOF for releasing. Shaman Marais comes out and says a lot of big things about WSOF. They won't release him, and then two hours later, after we post a story about him, Guilherme Cruz, they release him. How about that? Uh, Roy Jones Jr. is saying that there's talks of him fighting against Anderson Silva on the undercard of Connor versus Mayweather. Do you have any interest in this? No. No, not at all. Yeah, that one really kind of ruins it for me. I, I am in the, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down with Conor versus Floyd. If they want to do it, let's do it. I don't get the people who say like, I have no interest in this fight. It's a stupid fight. You know, you're going to watch it. If you're one of those guys who spends multiple hours on Twitter talking about MMA, do not tell me you have no interest in watching that fight. You are going to watch it. You are a liar if you say you're not going to watch it. You're not impressing anyone. You're not fooling anyone. You're going to watch the fight. 
It may not be good. It may not be competitive. Who knows? But don't tell me you're not going to watch it. Well, I think there's a difference between not not investing in it, not um, wanting it to happen versus not watching. I don't want that fight to happen. Why? I think it's silly. Uh, Will I watch? You're damn right I'm going to watch because it's relevant to what I... Listen, care about and and cover and if Artem Lobov says he finishes him in six, you best believe you're going to watch. Who doesn't want to see that? Now Floyd is going on Showtime and saying, I mean, he's like he's now doing the Ronda Holly bit. He's actually propping up Connor. You see this? He's actually saying, oh, he's good on the feet. He's tough. He's my biggest challenge. Like he's actually doing the hard sell. Yeah. That uh, it, if that's not an indication that this is going at least in the direction. Of getting done, what else is? Or at least that he really, really wants it to get done. Yeah, that's um, that's the smartest way to approach it. I guess it seems like every Friday he shows up on Showtime. To do <laughs> He's this. Floyd Mayweather. Let him show up, you know, all day. Now, and 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 most importantly, who do we blame for the situation last night? Is it Warren Beatty's fault for reading off the card? Mm. Is it the accounting firm? Is it? I mean, is it Moonlight? Well, I mean, I haven't seen any of Warren these Beatty didn't read off the card, so yes, he, he did. He, no, oh, yes. he did not. Okay, he that was blame there. He put he pinned it on Faye Dunaway. Yeah, to to somebody else. Um, after realizing that it wasn't the right card, he passed it off. So he gets blamed for that, no that doubt about weak, it. That was a weak That's move. a weak move. Yeah, that was a weak move. Um, who gets the blame? Mm, I think he gets the blame. I guess. You can't really just like go by the script when you know it's wrong. I know. And pass it off. You Worse see, than that, he passed it off. You see he, Best Supporting Actress and you just pick the movie that this person is involved in and just read it? Like that's. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if he said... What was the movie? La La Land? Yeah. Wrong card, went with it, and they actually did win. Imagine that would have happened. What do you mean? Nothing would have happened. We, we may have found out later, you know what, guys? How crazy is this? Oh. I actually read off the wrong card, and I got it right. I don't think we would have ever found out. Yeah, maybe not. You're right. That, that <laughs> card would have been burned and buried and hidden somewhere. I love the, the fact that Hollywood Emma Stone comes out and says... Oh, I had the card. I was holding on to it. There's no way there was a second think, card. And then they come out and say there's always I think I card. saw this. I didn't have a chance to read it, but I think the whoever it is that, uh, and it's escaping me, you know, one of the financial firms yeah. um, that does the accounting Price Waterhouse for this, or something. It, it was probably, you know, Waterhouse. Um, they uh, they said that they made an error. I believe I saw this on Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, a mistake. It, it, but I still blame Warren Beatty. He, he deserves blame for passing it off. No doubt about it. Um, you can't that throw part the, nice, can't do. the nice little old lady under the bus like that. She's just like, come on, let's read it. Let's get this over with. And yeah. uh, he throws her out there like a lamb to the slaughter. I actually knew two people in attendance. Uh, Ezra Edelman, who won the 30 for 30. Yeah. Well, he had 30 for 30 OJ doc. Incredible. Worked with him at HBO. Also a member of our Montreal Expos basketball team. Actually won the freaking Oscar for best documentary. And Brad Slater, who manages the likes of Ronda Rousey, Michelle Watterson, does work with Chris Weidman, was sitting in the front row. I actually knew two people at the Oscars. Felt so cool. Oh, you are a special one. One of the highlights of my life. <laughs> okay. We got anything else? Yeah, we do. What do we got? Did you think you were going to escape? <laughs> I'm only doing one fight now. Did you think I was you thinking, were going to escape? I was thinking last week, it's BS that I've gotten roped into this three fights on a card. Whoever said, I never said that I know three fights on a card. I said, this, name this, me any listen to me. card. You, you don't 64. have to name any of these. You don't have to participate. No. But we're giving you the opportunity to flex your muscles on this, and you don't have to name any. You could you could say pass. I don't want to do it. Um, 
Nobody said you have to name three. That was that was uh, an, an, a challenge to you. If you're not up for it, that's okay. You can just say so. But when did that become the challenge? The challenge has always been throw out a card. I'll name you the main event. That's always been the challenge. Yeah. Well, now the cha- the terms have changed. I mean, okay, just go ahead. UFC. All right, we're starting. Namdi submitted these. Uh, UFC 67. Ugh. Can't go that early, especially with the three card stipulation. First of all, it was card. okay. Last week it was I said sixty five okay, okay. and onward. He said that you never said that. Now this is an easy one. This is actually okay. a real easy one. Give it Travis Luter against Anderson Silva. That's the main event for you. Yep. Marvin Eastman versus Rampage Jackson and Eddie Sanchez versus Mirko Krokop. My guy. Boom. Nailed it. How about that? I'll still get him right. I'm just saying. UFC seventy six. UFC 76 was, okay, so see, sometimes I have to, oh, this one, ugh, hate this card. Struggling. No, 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 Keith Jardine versus uh, Chuck Liddell. I just yep. like to make you think that I'm struggling. It happened at the Pond in Anaheim. It was September, I think, of 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 2007, but that's yeah, still pretty Frankie impressive. Frankie Edgar versus Tyson Griffin? Yep. No, nope, sorry, wrong. No. Tyson Griffin on the card, but not... Uh, that was 67. Frankie, that was 67. Tyson Griffin was on the card against... Hmm. Was that fight of the night, right? Uh, Yes. It was fight of the night. You're doing well. Take it home. Okay, well, Shogun fought uh, Forrest Griffin. Yep. And Tyson Griffin fought, this is like off the top of my head, it's so easy. I always get these guys kind of confused, like Frankie, Tyson, and there was a third guy in the mix. Was it Gray Maynard? No. No. It was, oh, I have it on the tip of my tongue. Um, In the interest of time, but you did very well, Tiago Tavares. Yeah, Tiago Tavares. Okay, UFC 136. BJ Penn versus Nick Diaz. Even I think that's 137. Yes, that is 137. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I knew that one. I guess I might know all the pen ones, which is... 135. No. Yeah, well... well, 135 Uh is... um, Oh, 136. Okay. Um, Gray Maynard versus Frankie Edgar Trace. Yep. Jeremy Stevens versus Anthony Pettis. Yep. Chael Sonnen versus Brian Stan. Nailed it. He's in Texas. Nailed it. Yom Kippur. Uh, UFC 112. Where the players dwell. You know this one. 112, Where the Players Dwell. Isn't that a song? Um, that's maybe the easiest one of all time. Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn. Yeah. Anderson Silva versus Damian Maya. And Pick Your Poison. I don't know. Phil Davis versus Alexander Gustafson. Abu yep. Dhabi. What a night. Turning point in my career. UFC 125. Gray Maynard versus Frankie Edgar. Yep. Two. Yep. Are we sticking with that one? Um, I keep thinking Anthony Pettis, but he was in attendance, of course, for that one. Uh, That was January 1st, I believe, of 2010. That night, I also reported that Machida was fighting Couture at 129. We went to Lorenzo Fertitta's birthday party to interview Dana White when they changed their mind about the whole title fight situation. Was Machida on that card? 
why is it why is it so this one give me a hint come on quick okay uh somebody you just mentioned previously was in the co-main event oh god this one i'm blanking i got nothing four hours deep brian stan and chris lieben oh yeah brandon vera and tiago silva oh yeah Stun Gun and Nate Diaz, Guida and Takanori Gomi, Stevens and Marcus Davis, Poirier and Grispy, yep, Tavares right. and Phil Baroni. Wow. Oh, of course. Oh, Jacob Volkman. Yeah. Jacob Volkman. I went in the back to and? interview Baroni, and Volkman was there, and that's when he did the interview about the president. Yes. And we became household names. We were on the Tonight Show together. Who did he face? That's a great question. Tavares? <laughs> no, Antonio McKee. Gosh, what a card. Okay, we've got a bonus question okay. here. Here we go, here we Ready? go. UFC 113. Not to name it, but two fighters were released after it. Oh, that's so easy. Well, we talked about this a couple of days ago. Who was it? Kimbo and Paul Daly. Correct. Um, and then, yes, not from Namdi, but from another user on the boards. Okay. We got a few more. Now, just the main event for these. You ready? Okay. Uh, Fight Night 102, Albany. Wait, 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 wait. You want me to give you the main event for these? Yeah. Oh, these are the worst. I, uh, Fight Nights. Okay. This one just happened. Of course. This is uh, Derek Lewis versus Abdul Hamiri Kirahav. Fight Night 95. You got to give me a city for these. Brasilia. I, by the way, I am so against the numbers for the fight nights because they're so wrong. Because why, you know, we stopped counting them when they went to Fuel TV and Versus and when they did the FX shows. And then when people wanted to stop with their websites, stop calling them UFC on FS11, UFC on FS12, UFC on FS, no, UFC on FS112. You know what I'm saying? It got confusing because of the one in FS1. We went back to the fight nights, but it's not actually inaccurate because there were all these other fight nights, same cards. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't even make sense. Do you get what I'm saying? It actually Brasilia. really bothers me. You'll never see me write fight night 100 and blah, blah, blah. So then these should be easy for you because you've written only the names of the main eventers, correct? Yeah, but you got to give me at least the city. I gave it to you. Oh, oh, Brasilia? Yes. 95? 95. This is stupid. Um, this is uh, Lena Landsberg versus Cyborg. Correct. Um, <laughs> then we went to uh, Brisbane for Fight Night eighty five. Eighty five. Um, in Brisbane. Yep. That was in Mark Hunt, Stipe Miocic, right? Hunt is there. Hunt is there. Mark Hunt is there. Eighty five. Yep. It has to be last year. What was Mark Hunt's last fight? Oh, of course. It was yeah. 200, so it was pre-200. Blanking. One Frank Mir. Oh, of course. Fight night 26 in Boston, the debut of Conor McGregor. See, this is it's not fight night. 26. No, not the debut of Conor McGregor's second fight, right? Yeah, second fight. See, it's not even accurate. Um, 
He debuted against Brimage, I believe. No, no, no. Yeah, of course. He debuted against Brimage. This is Max Holloway fight. Yeah. This is Chael Sonnen versus Shogun. This is the debut on FS1. This is when it started again. So that is correct. And now... August of 2013. Fight night number one. UFC Ultimate Fight Night. August 2005 in Las Vegas. Who was it? Fight night one. You pull this one out. It's not Lieben Anderson Silva, is it? No. Lieben was on the card. Is it Keith Jardine? No. Nope. It's someone from Tough One, right? Mm. Wait, August of 2005? August, yeah. August 6, 2005. Is it Thomas and Mac? Cox Pavilion. It's not Anderson Silva. Give me a hint. I mean, there's. I can't. Can't? No. There's a lot of tough fighters on it, but... Probably gonna... Eh, I'm gonna regret this, but no, I don't got it. Nate Marquardt versus... No. Ivan Salivary. Oh, yeah. Salivary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Fight nights don't count. That's not Levin and, and Kote, Bonner and Hoger, Quarry and Pete Sell, Koscheck and Spratt, Swick and Gideon Ray. Oh, yeah. Florian and Karalexis, Fickett and Josh Neer. What a card. We'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot it already. Yes. Um, that was it. I feel like you did really, really well this week. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, we have run out of time. There we go. Wow. I was wondering if the rest of the guys had uh, fallen asleep back there. What a riveting game it was. Uh, you got Fine, you know else? what? I don't have to do it anymore. I don't have to do it anymore. Listen, I protest the fight nights. I hate fight night 103. One. It's not, that doesn't count. We should stop doing it. They threw that in there as a curveball, but you, you did well. You, you, of course I did well because I'm the smartest man in this sport. And by I the way, there's a lot of little clips that can be taken out of this show. Let's, <laughs> and let's stop numbering the Bellator events as well. Bellator Belfast, Bellator Thackerville. It has a much kind, nicer ring. Yeah. Like, try playing this game with Bellator fights. Bellator, tell me Bellator 56. I know. You cannot but even name one. No one can. Is, is the ideal scenario Bellator 56 colon the fighters? Like, I just feel like the numbering helps. The numbering definitely helps. Why don't they do it in boxing? They don't fight as often. The fighters are not... Um, you're typically not going to get a ton of rematches. In Bellator, I mean, how many times are we going to see Strauss, um, you know, Curran or Pitbull? Or, I mean, you're going to get up to number 17 by the time they're probably done. Um, I think you have to kind of have some we kind of sequential. Just for pay-per-views. I also hate when non-MMA people talk about the UFC and they're like, oh, this is the 209th... UFC. Right, and it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's all a big mistake. I I like the names, but I feel like you have to have some kind of number. Okay. We'll think about I, that. I get where you're week. coming from. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with a solution <laughs> for sure. Uh, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed your time in Chicago last week. It seemed I did. like a, a really good, show. a really nice time over there in the Windy City. Um, you can hit my music. <laughs> we are done. What a fun show it has been. Wow, a who's who and some late additions. Because everyone, before they embark on fight week, before they embark on maybe the biggest night of their lives, they want to stop here. They want to talk to all of you. They want to get their word out. And that's what we had today on the program. We started with Khabib Nurmagomedov some many hours ago, but we appreciate him squeezing us in. In fact, didn't end up going to Los Angeles. So if you wanted to hear from him, this was the place to do it. 
thank you very much to uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. We wish him the best. And I'll tell you this, if Tom Lawler ends up in WWE, I will be there. Maybe I'll even, you know, break out my old, right over there, my old manager gimmick and uh, walk him down the aisle. You never know. You never, ever know. Thank you very much to Marluce Kunin. Best of luck to her. Bellator 174 this Friday on Spike. Marluce Kunin versus Julia Budd for the inaugural Bellator Women's Featherweight title. Thank you very much to Johnny Hendricks. Great to catch up with him. It has been a while. Congratulations on the win. Thank you very much to the shirtless Derek Lewis. Just loving life. Drinking a Dos Equis. One o'clock on a Monday afternoon. Thank you very much to Greg Hardy and Malkikawa. Wish him the best. Thank you very much to Artem Lobov. Best of luck to him. Main event or not, looking forward to the fight on April 22nd. Thank you very much to Holly Holm. Good luck to her. Appeal, next fight, etc. And thank you very much to Tyron Woodley. Best of luck to him this weekend. Off to Las Vegas. We'll see you out there for UFC 209 coverage. Back next week, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Somebody out.